Today is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast, The Lost Episodes. So, I have recovered, uh, recovered the lost episode from the other day, so you get to hear it in reverse order. I don't think that really matters. Um, but yeah, so so the one I thought I was lost, um, whenever I, I left, our, our friend Albie took over and continued hosting for like... Man, this thing's like six hours long, so, uh, you know, enjoy this. I, I think I was there for about an hour and a half or two hours, and then <laughs> when I took off um, and my whole system crashed, she kept it going like a champ. I have not heard it all, so um, who knows? We'll listen to this thing together. But uh, anyways, I'm sure many interesting topics were covered. I did hear at the very end he uh, he says a prayer for the people who need Jesus. And, uh, you know, good good stuff for those who have found Jesus, which is the most important thing, and that is the primary reason for doing what we do, to share what we believe and why we believe it. So, if you'd like to be a part of that, join us. The link to join live is in the description of this video or podcast. And if you'd just like to support us and uh, help the technical gremlins stay away, um, grab a t-shirt, Grab a coffee mug, mouse pad, whatever, or click the donate link and help us out financially so I can get better stuff um, instead of like dealing with like smoke and sparks. Anyway, I'm glad this was recovered. There was a lot of good content to it, so hope you enjoy it. Let us know your feedback, any questions, comments, whatever, send them this way. See you later. <laughs> Mr. Ramon, <laughs> is that a new profile? Did- how you doing? I just saw Mr. Ramon has a new party hat. Did his other account get banned, I wonder? <laughs> yeah, his bio How's your morning his, going? His last account got mass reported for speaking biblical truths. Ah. Hmm. Well, I know the I, I know the feeling. What's up, Deputy? Another wild weekend. <laughs> you know me. I met her too, Chris. <laughs> hey, Pastor Sam. Bro, I was just in a Hebrew Israeli room and they were like, yeah, there's, there's no nations mentioned in the Bible. And so then I posted a link with a list of all the nations and all the verses that had to do with nations listed in the Bible. And the guy's like, no, nah, you're lying. <laughs> Wow, you're going to need to finish breakfast quick. Hey, Angie, good morning. What's up? Goodbye, Angie. Yeah, she's back. Oh, there you are. Hey, Angie, what's up? What's good up? morning, everyone. <laughs> How are you? Excellent. Anything good on morning. your mind this early morning? Not yet. I'm going to listen to you guys and get my juices primed. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Michael? They'd have to be vegetable juice. Nate's a vegetarian. It's vegan, Michael. Don't be a bigot. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, hey, I got a question for you. Um, what do you think about child beauty pageants? Uh, I mean, I think it's weird. I think they're gross and weird. Yeah, well, let's just start there. What do you think about them? Yeah, I, I don't think that they should be a thing. Yeah, I, I think it's very uncomfortable. Like, I, I, I mean, all I know is I used to see those commercials. Um, What was the, um, 
gosh, wow, that got rid of Andrew. I need boo boo. <laughs> what was, what was, yeah, what was the um, was it TLC or whatever network it was? There was like a show I watched on that network, and there would always be commercials about that stuff. I'm just like, ah, like it all, ugh. it always just seems super creepy. Um, yeah, I don't think the Learning Channel has been the Learning Channel in about a decade. Was it TLC? <laughs> Maybe it was something else. But... I mean, it was like a horror show, right? Like, instead of just being like, um, I, I don't know. Like, instead of just being like, oh, here's, you know, my, like, you know, six-year-old daughter. Oh, look what a nice dress she's in. Oh, smile, wave. Like, instead of, like, something, even if there's a way to make it innocent like that, it's like, these things are, like, straight-up horror shows. It's like, they, they, like, paint them like a Halloween pumpkin. Like, there's, like, it's not even, like, a, a person. There's, like, so much, like, makeup and stuff and, like, you know, glitter and, like, giant mascara stuff. I'm just like, oh, my God, it's not even, like, a human. Like, that's creepy beyond the pale. Do you think it sexualizes children? Oh, yeah, Heck 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Interesting. Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why is, it, why is that thing? interesting? Uh, no, I was just I. So I I came across uh, I came across an article, um, talking about uh, some of the correlations between, uh, and and I truly don't don't mean this to be you know a grenade, although it probably will be, um, but. Uh, it turns out that the correlation between, um, in like in the U.S., the states that are one pretty hardcore right wing, two pretty fundamentally uh, religious, and three, the most child beauty pageants take place is alarming. Um, and I just I found that very interesting, and so I just wanted to get like I I'm not saying oh all the people you're hypocrites. That's not that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I, I, I found the correlation interesting. So Kentucky, Florida, Texas, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, and a couple of other ones are, are, are typically right-wing leaning, um, largely religious populations, and also the states listed with the, the, most, the, the highest number of child beauty pageants. And I found that interesting. Well, my question would be right off the bat. First of all, we know like, you know, uh, city centers, like urban areas, like, you know, the pop, the congested populace, uh, that's where, you know, all this, all this stuff takes place, right? Like just anytime there's like liberal stuff, it's usually in a city, the more away from city and like government funding and government resources you get, it's typically more conservative. So the first thing would be, are these pageants happening in the cities or is it in like rural area where, you know, and then of those people, what, who are the people putting this on? Is this a small minority, um, you know, of like liberal left-winging, left-leaning type people who are not religious and who are not conservatives doing this in the middle of like a city center or something? Or is this the people you talked about, like the conservative fundamental religious people? I can't imagine that for a second. So I would surmise. No, it is this people. Was, I, I, well, yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, saying it without saying it. But I mean, that would be like how, you know, Utah, you would say is vastly conservative, right? Because the Mormon legacy and all that other stuff and super conservative and, and all of that for Mormonism. But now we also see Utah as like a huge, uh, a huge like haven for, you know, the LGBT community. And you're like, well, why is that? Well, because of cities, because for whatever reason, you know, they, they congregate in these cities. So you could say, well, 
you know, there's an unusually high amount of LGBT people in Utah. Why is that? Because it's conservative and it's religious. Well, yeah, but it's not those conservatives and it's not those religious. It's this group of people, um, you know, who've congregated within this larger area of conservative religious people. So, yeah, that would be my. Yeah and, and that's, yeah, and that's really interesting. Uh, one other thing that uh, Utah is famous for is, is that per capita in the United States, they also consume more pornography than any other state, um, <laughs> uh, which, which I find funny. But um, yeah, that would be a really interesting kind of secondary piece, right, to go in and then find out where – and I'm not sure how you collect that data. Like, you'd have to talk to the people attending the pageant. I think it's like, just – Pretty much you know, a are give you, me, right? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, so let's just take Florida, for example, right? Or t like whatever, pick one and say, you know, are most of you coming from uh, Miami or Tallahassee? I have no idea. And this is, like I said, this is something I was, I went to try to look. I'm having to go through my browser history now because I spent a lot of time yesterday online. So, I'm having to so go you're, what my... you're saying is your browser history is full of uh, child beauty pageant links. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm having to go through my browser history to try to find the piece that I looked at to try to track down that article to see if there's more, see if it goes more in depth than that. But it was, I, I, I simply just found it interesting. The only other thing on my mind this morning, not the only other thing, but the other thing on my mind this morning is, uh, so I've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,500 friends on Facebook, quote unquote friends. Um, and my Facebook is mostly open because of the podcast that I do. And I just kind of accept everybody for the most part. Um, but one of the things that I found really disturbing is the jokes, the memes, and the unbelievable lack of empathy that's going on for, uh, yes. Because like there, there are people that are either dead or in the process of suffering and dying, and the people making jokes about it. Like, I posted something on Facebook about this this morning. Like, like are there better things to spend a quarter of a million dollars on? Sure, but like, try not to be an ass. Like, there are people that are either dead or dying, and and the overwhelming majority of people on my Facebook list are people who would probably identify as humanists, and I I find it pretty. Ironic that one yesterday was World Humanist Day, and two that the people were posting stuff like that. You know, I I, I see both sides, right? So okay, so it, it, I'm, my severe line would be like if you found someone who was specifically focusing on the people and be like, haha, they're rich buttheads, and you know they deserve to die. I hope they suffer a bit. Whoa, bro, you are evil. Um, that that's terrible. Um, on the other hand, I totally get your side, Michael. Like, yes, these people are, are humans. They are dying. They did some probably not smart things like having a video game controller guide their submarine. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, they're people, and I would not like to be in that situation either, and I'm sure they don't. Um, so, so there's the human side. Now there's, like, the gray area in between where everyone's got their line, right? Like, does that mean you can't make post any meme about any submarine that's, like, kind of funny because in light of what happened? Some people, that's their line. My, myself, I... I kind of had to have a dark, cynical sense of humor anyway. Um, so I would have a hard time, like, you know, passing judgment on someone um, unless they're just like, you know, the first kind who's like, yes, so they got what's coming to them. I hope they're suffering. I hope they're dying. I'm like, bro, you're evil. I don't want to I don't want to like be around you. But um, all the other memes, they do kind of get like a little bit of a mirth from me because I'm, I'm like, like, that's my MO is like compartmentalize. Right. So when I see a meme about a video game controller and how like, you know, Logitech stock must be suffering. I'm like, haha, 
nothing to do with the people, but because we know what happened, they used a $30 video game control to control this massive sub. Um, so I'm like, oh, video game, Logitech, that's where my humor is directed at. And then when I, you know, uncompartmentalize, I'm like, yes, it's awful. It is sad for those people. Um, so I don't know. I, I find myself somewhere who can laugh at many of the memes because it's not talking about the human suffering going on. And then when I think about, okay, what's the actual issue? Yes, it's human suffering and that's awful. Um, but for me, I can still make jokes about, you know, a not smart submarine. Um, so that may make me a bad person, but I mean, I think, you know, it's like comedies, right? Like you get, if it's, uh, where they say like, you got to joke about tragedies. Otherwise it's, um, it's how people are processed. So some do it through comedy, some do it through crying and wailing, some do it through dark humor or art. So I guess I fall somewhere in there. Not that I'm trying to make an excuse for being a terrible person, but I, th I think you, you could probably walk down that path a little ways with me, Michael. You may stop a little bit before I do, but, um, yeah, that's my rationale. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think I, I think this is another another way where, like, oddly enough, you and I are fairly closely aligned. Like the thing, the Logitech thing. Yeah, I would giggle too. Like, I have owned many Logitech products over the years, and yeah, like, and that would make me do a little giggle too. But, but yeah, you have to be able to to separate those two things. I did see an alarming amount of people talking about, like, there, there was, there was one, and I unfriended and blocked that person because the post literally was they got what they deserved. Yeah, and I just like, I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And it's funny because I know that I posted it maybe an hour or so ago, and I know that I'm going to get a bunch of flack saying that, you know, I'm virtue signaling and I'm, I don't care. Like you call me vir a virtue signaler. I put, put, you know, mark me in the, I couldn't care less about that uh, category. I, I just think that, you know, it's, we're, we're all people, right? So yeah, I, th I think, Oddly enough, again, you and I are fairly closely aligned on that. Hmm. Anyone else have thoughts? How do you deal with tragedy? You know, let me make a religious point real quick. A lot of people, which is, right, like, don't know any of these people you're talking about, but we know the type. A lot of these people who would be posting memes maybe like that, a little less than kind, are the same ones that would talk about, you know, how good, moral they are, and blah, 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 and, you know, Christians are bad and look at the evil stuff in the Bible and why this suffering and why this suffering God's so mean why does he want suffering whom some of them maybe also be the ones to be like haha they get what they deserve I hope you suffer a thousand deaths it's like anyways just to, to make well yeah no it's interesting right because there's this you know because apparently there's a, you know there's an East Indian you know there was an East Indian man and his 19 year old son right and this guy's you know like a CEO of a company or something like that a billionaire right um you know and so you know, the other thing that, that we have no idea is we have we have no way of knowing how much these people also gave to charities, right? They, like they could have been huge philanthropists in other areas as well. Like like the, like this guy who was a CEO of a of a, you know, a company in India, he could have given hundreds of millions of dollars to charity. We have no way of knowing. And so to just say, oh, you know, he's just rich, so he's just you know flexing with his money. You, you know, it's like we, you know, it's like we're we're seeing a snapshot of this. You know, he paid 250 grand or maybe 500 in this case for him and his kid to go on this, you know, probably hoping to give his, you know, one, his son an experience of a lifetime, right? And to learn and to experience. And, and we know nothing about, nothing else about what this person did in their life. You know, they, I mean, they could have also been Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And held every dollar for themselves. We don't know. Well, yeah, and even then, I mean, does a, a rich person who's stingy deserve, like, suffering and torture in the bottom of the ocean? I mean, I'll say a quick no. 
I mean, if you're a crappy person, does uh, you know, does like two wrongs make a right? I'd, I'd say no. Like, you know, I, I would definitely not like to be anywhere in that situation. So I guess I would have a great aversion to being happy about others who are. So, you know, even if you're a terrible crappy person, I still would not wish that death on you. What about you, Chris? There's also, All about there's it. also kind of a, you know, there's also kind of an eat the rich kind of mentality, you know? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah, I've, yeah, I had, yeah, Chris, you're right. There are, there are those who look at something like that. It's like, it, yeah, I don't have a good, uh, I don't have a good argument for that because, yeah, they do exist. Uh, Angie, did I see you unmute a little bit ago? Did you want to say anything about this or was I mistaken? No, I yeah, didn't. I say, just listening. I would say, Good morning, Gavin. Go ahead, Roman. Yeah, you definitely don't want to deal with tragedy like a Calvinist, probably, right? Let's say you go to a funeral of a non-believer, and you just start hearing all the speeches. This was such a good person. They did so many good things. You don't want to be a Calvinist and just step in and be like, well, technically, they weren't a good person. You know, and start going down this entire spiel of original sin. So... And you definitely don't want to be like a stoic as well, right? The meat, the what was it called? The Greek philosophy of stoicism that says that in suffering, you can't show emotions, essentially. Um, there's strength and hiding the fact that you're going through any sort of state of emotion that might be negative. You kind of just ignore it. It's a really interesting question. What, what would be the biblical approach to this? In your opinion, uh, you're chopping up just a little bit. The biblical view on what exactly dealing with tragedy. Oh, well, I, I mean, I mean, there would probably be a few biblical views we could pull out. I mean, off the top of my head, just look at Job. Like, so you know, praise God, don't deny Him, and suffer through it. Um, or you know, the joy of my Lord, is, joy of the Lord is my strength. So you know, even in tragedy, you know, Jesus says we'll have the Holy Spirit to be a comforter. So I think that's how, you know, sometimes Christians um, who have this peace, like they may be going through the same sort of tragedy as someone else who's a non-Christian or non-believer, and they they have this like inexplicable peace about them. And the other person's like, look, man, your world's burning down around you, same as mine. How are you okay with this? And they're like, well, I'm not okay with it, but I have this unexplainable peace. I mean, it is explained. It's the Holy Spirit comforting you, just like Jesus says. But I mean, I, so I don't know if that's a good question, though. Chris, what would you say? Is there like one overall biblical way to handle tragedy? Because I'm thinking of all kinds of different ways, but is there one that you would say stands out more than the rest? Cry out to the Lord. Yeah, sounds good. But I think I think the other thing that's interesting, and I think actually some part of what Mister was suggesting is is how do you deal with someone else who's like how how do you deal when confronted with someone else is dealing with tragedy? And I have a hard time believing. And and I, I mean, while I could, while I have to accept that I could be wrong, I, I guess I would take what I know, you know, enough of what I know of, you know, you Nate and even you know Chris, who's you know hardcore Calvinist. I doubt very seriously that like let's say everything was different, and I lived in close proximity to Chris. And let's say that, um, you know, we, we got to know each other, still vehemently disagree on this stuff, but we became friends. And uh, he finds out that a, that a dear friend of mine has died. And to support me, 
he decides to come to the, the funeral or the visitation or something like that. I can't imagine a universe where Chris would be like, man, he's totally in hell burning now. Like, I think that's like, Mr. I don't want to misrepresent you, but is that kind of more of what, of what you meant? Yeah, kind of. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you, if that situation is going on, I think, you know, we'll never know exactly how I would react unless I was there. But I like to think that, yeah, I'd probably do all the nice, you know, humanly stuff you would do. Um, I mean, I'm not a uh, super um, touchy feely emotional person, but that's not God. That's me. My wife's in there shaking her head. Yes. Um, did you give Ellie medicine? Did you give her medicine? Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have a sick child. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Anyway. So aside from that, that has nothing to do with religion. That's just my weird quirkiness. I would be as comforting as possible. And I, there's zero need really to, to outright mention hell and your friend who I, I guess you told me, or I knew was not a Christian um, burning there. If you're like, hey, what do you think honestly happened to my friend? Then I would tell you in as nice words as I can. And I would say, that is what I believe. I don't want to lie to you. If you would like to avoid such a place, you should repent and find Jesus today. And then you can avoid that for yourself. Um, and then I'd get back to the, you know, comforting you and all that stuff. Because, I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to lie? Like, I don't want to lie. Um, so someone asked me, I will tell them. And I think that's a good wake up call to consider everyone's mortality and be like, you know, Maybe I'll take another look at this. It's been a while. So if there is any truth to this, maybe there's a stone I haven't uncovered. Because, yeah, if I mean, if that's true, then I don't want that to be me. So let me see if there's anything to this God thing again. So maybe that would spur them to reconsider. But ultimately, I'm not going to, like, make a sermon out of it. I'm not going to, like, run up and down being like, they're burning in hell. If you don't want to burn in hell either. Um, that's just me. Other people probably would. Right, Pastor Mark isn't well, here, but like, you know, it's always interesting to ask pastors how they preach the funerals of unbelievers. Yeah, I mean, I think any pastor, um, <laughs> worth or salt, humble opinion, um, would definitely give some sort of altar call. I mean, maybe, maybe not like yelling and screaming, but some sort, whether, whether the person is saved or not. Um, and usually like, you know, Christians, like, well, whenever they talk to their pastor about like, you know, their funeral or their will or whatever, or their loved ones, they will tell them like they want the pastor to give an altar call because, you know, if they're a believer, they undoubtedly know people attending their funeral who will not be. So they actually, it's their like dying wish to have the pastor specifically like tell people about Jesus and how they can, you know, have eternal life. And, um, but if they're not one and hasn't said that, then like unless the family, I mean, I mean, if the family specifically asks the pastor not to do that, they're probably not looking for a Christian pastor to do the funeral anyway. But um, I, I mean, unless there's some explicit wish of the dead person not to do it, like I think the, you know, the pastor, because this is what we believe, right? Like this is where it's like we're practicing what we preach. Like, do we actually believe this stuff? Well, yes, we do. Therefore, we should let people know, hey, life is temporary. Here's a reminder, uh, you know, get yourself in order. It's interesting. I'm reminded of when um, when my mom died. Um, the uh, you know they the whole thing because my mom was Catholic and and so to go through the whole going through the whole process and I am like most of my family is more on the believing side and you know a couple of members of the family looked at me 
almost like, you know, this kind of pensive look like, you know, what's Michael going to say? And I was just like, <laughs> like, whatever, man, like, I don't care. Like, I, I actually, I remember saying that like, I don't care. It makes no difference to me. Like, do whatever you think. Like, you, you know, funerals are funerals are for the living, not for the dead. So, you know, do whatever you think is, is fine. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be just fine how I am. And, uh, and, and it was yeah, and it was fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, you know, for me, like I wouldn't push someone, right? Because Jesus says, tell, not force. So, and then some people say, well, you know, don't you, uh, if you really believe that, then then you would need to, I mean, obviously it's not coming from a pure intent, but they would be like, you need to force people, even if that means hurting them, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's like, don't pay the troll toll, but it's like, well, no, I believe, you know, because they're like, you don't want someone to spend eternity in hell. So even if you have to coerce them, if you have to use force, um, you should do that to keep them out of hell, right? And it's like, well, no, just like I believe the God that says tell. I also believe the God that says, you know, he'll take it from there. So if I really believe what I say, I believe like you suggest I do, which I do. Um, Jesus doesn't say to force. He says, tell people about him, tell the gospel. And it's up to them. If they want to stay in here more, tell them all they want to know. If they don't, if they reject you, do not force them. So this is the God I believe in telling me to do, telling us to do this. So I'm following it to a T. Our job is simply to tell them what we believe and why we believe it about Jesus. And if they want to hear more, wonderful. If they don't, okay. I believe the God I, you know, the God I confess to, um, to take it from here and do his job. So whatever happens, it's between you and God. You killed the room. I know, man. Okay. Since everyone's sleepy, I guess yeah, I let me send out some more invites. All right. If anyone else wants to jump yeah, on stage, um, go ahead. So there's like a major tragedy happening at my church right now. So just uh, try to keep this in mind today. Oh, my Lord. What is happening? What is happening? Oh, my goodness. Bro, that was super loud. It sounded like people were having ninja fights with um, cutlery behind you. Yeah, just, totally can, just let us know when when you can speak a little better. I don't want that to silence you. We, we want to hear your voice, but um, I, I did hear there's a tragedy at your church to keep in mind. So if you want to say anything more about that when you get a chance, uh, yeah, let us know. Otherwise, I'll just remember what you said. Anyone else want to jump on stage? Question, comment. Oh, okay. Question, comment. Anyone? Yep. Someone raised their hand. I refreshed my screen before I saw who it was. Click that button again. Whoever did that. I always find it interesting. There was some guy that was like, it was coming off the heels of Rick Warren's thing. And, um, that was a Vangel. I'm inviting you. Let me know if it doesn't work. There's some guy, egalitarian pastor talking on, uh, about the Rick Warren thing. Cause you know, everyone's going back and forth like, good job, Rick. Good job, brother. And then everyone else is like, no, bad, Rick, bad. <laughs> the vote's good. Um, so, you know, I waited in the quagmire just because the guy was like talking about how, you know, he's like, one of Rick's points was, it only, you know, looking at something and not exegeting it property, something that says only one time in the Bible. I'm like, seriously, bro, it says at least twice. It's in what, uh, is it Timothy and Titus? So, you know, I just innocently. Yeah. Uh, Second Corinthians. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's three then. But I, I know it's in Timothy and Titus about the qualifications for pastor and stuff like that. So if there's Corinthians, great, that's three. Um, anyways, but I just cut the Timothy and Titus ones, and I just posted, you know, a picture, a screenshot from the, from the Bible verse um, to show that it's not in more than one place or not in only one place. And 
this other guy like just jumps in. He's like, how long have you hated women? Blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> and like goes on this whole tangent. Like we like go through way too many back and forths. And uh, I'm like, look, man, I mean, like <laughs> the guy was like super nasty. Like I could be a little snarky. This guy's just nasty. So he's like, oh, you're because I was, I was using the Ask a Christian Facebook page is the one I was commenting on. He's like, you're hiding behind an anonymous blah, blah, blah. Why should I take anything you say? I'm like, well, I'm just about to have my, you know, daily, uh, daily religious discussion. Why don't you join us live? Um, it's funny. Whenever I do that, no one ever takes it up. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I, I, I want to talk. This discussion's good, but, you know, I'm not exactly hiding. Well, it's funny. That's what they said I was until I'm like, here's a link. Join us. Let's hear your voice. Hey, Bingo, what's up? Hey, what's going on, folks? Hey, can you oh, hear yeah. me? Because every time I go yes. over this bridge right here, it gets it gets matrixy. Um, Are you over the bridge yet? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, if I'm clear, then, I'll, then I guess I am at that point. <laughs> so, um, I, I've been in this little conversation for uh, for a few days with with some individual that posted some things of Miles Monroe. Yeah, you know, I used to be a hard follower of Miles Monroe way back in the day. Are you Are you familiar with Miles Monroe? Uh, no, you're. Oh no. We hear you, but it sounds a little—it's a little, little uh, staticky. So I mean, you're not going in and out, but it's a little hard to follow. But I'm—I'm I'm certain I'm not familiar with whoever you're asking if I'm familiar with. Oh, with Miles Monroe. Yeah. So anyhow, um, so he, he teaches. Well, it's inferred from his teaching that uh, that man uh, pre-existed in heaven, and then pretty much having an earthly experience, and so on, so on, and so forth. And what I was explaining to the individuals, and I'm like, well, you know said you know man didn't pre-exist in heaven and then come down to earth and earth suits and, and you know and etc and so on and so forth so she posts a jeremiah 1 5 um you know before uh you were formed in the womb i knew thee and i sanctified thee and i set you apart and so on and so forth you know my take on there is just you know just speaks about you know god's knowledge and uh and his sovereignty over um jeremiah's life what, what, what's your idea on, on on that respect chris or whoever wants to i didn't quite get all of that if anyone I, I got did, it go ahead okay go it's ahead it's gonna be really loud so i'll talk in a minute well yeah, it's, i mean that's also okay. very yeah there's Jer, uh, mormons look at the verses from jeremiah to try to justify their belief in the heavenly existence before passing through the veil and, and inhabiting a body so yeah that's that's uh, that's commonly accepted in Mormon traditions, um, so that maybe they were taking it from that slant. Well, did you hear him enough that you can repeat that, Michael? Because I mean, I, I hear like some static when he talks. It's, oh yeah, I, I yeah. I didn't even hear him say. I didn't even hear him say Mormon if he said Mormon. Oh no, 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 he didn't. No, no, that was that was my interpretation. Oh, okay. of what it was he said? No, so basically, um, the the question was, and and Vanya, please jump in if I if I get it wrong. But from what I heard. Uh, basically, he um, he quoted a verse from Jeremiah talking about um, the pre the pre existence of people because the Bible says that you know before you were uh, you know you know before you were born uh, in the womb I knew you and wow Chris you're super loud man um, yeah I can't really... oh yeah he's not, he's not even trying to talk he's just like unmuting now <laughs> go ahead Michael um yeah so basically the the verse from jeremiah that talks about you know before you were born i knew you and stuff like that and so the i think kind of the question was whether or not uh whether or not the other christians in the room thought 
that there was heavenly pre-existence for for us before we were born. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't know how you'll really biblically justify it, but I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that like a soul comes out of nowhere. Um, you know, I mean, I, I often kind of um, 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 pontificate that you know, whenever whenever people are born. Like that's not the first time, like every, like right now, I'm about to open a medicine bottle for my sick child. That's not the first time I thought I would do that. I would make that choice and I would do that thing. Like, I, I think, you know, in a way it's fine to posit, not saying it's absolute, that, um, you know, before we're even born, before we even have skin and flesh and blood, we've somehow already made every, every decision we're ever going to make. And now it just plays out. So we're not, we're still culpable because we've made these decisions, but perhaps it was even before we're born. I mean, I don't know a really great biblical basis for that, but I mean, I think to, to postulate that is just fine. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know biblically really where you'll get that from other than the Jeremiah thing, but also is it bad, right? Like does pre-existence mean you're you're like partly being reincarnated? I'd say that's unbiblical. Or does pre-existence mean you're just like a soul or quasi-soul, like, I don't know, somehow floating around in, in God's baby box and then he just like shoots you into a skin suit? Like who who knows? Like it can get real weird real quick. But I don't think on its face it's it's bad just to kind of think you somehow pre-existed in heaven. Not not like in a you know you're an angel cast down and now you have to find your way back. But just like you're you're there, you're somehow formed, um, like Jeremiah. So d d I mean I don't think it's bad just to posit pre-existence. But then depending on how weird and wacky you get with that, it could get real unbiblical real quick. So so no, okay now I am out of the go ahead go ahead go ahead. I am out of the uh, diner so. Uh, Nate, I, ha I hate to tell you this, but what you just said, um, the early church considered damnable heresy. <laughs> well, to be so, fair, Chris, so, I think I did a fair a fair job of tiptoeing around saying much of anything. So uh, <laughs> I would like to make my case before the high council to avoid being burned because I really didn't say anything. <laughs> Okay, Chris. So is your view that you is your view that you do not exist and God does a, like whenever whenever your body forms, God does a breath of life and poof, now you get a soul for the first time. Yes, the moment you're like, conceived. This is this is the whole point of the whole point of Christian theology. So like, like Psalm twenty two verse ten. And good morning, guys. Psalm hey, twenty two ten right. says, "You have been my God from from conception." Right, but that's that's the Messiah speaking through the lips of David in Psalm twenty-two, ten. However, what uh, Jeremiah chapter one verse five is speaking of is the foreknowledge, since God, who exists outside of time, space, and place, and not bound to it, lives in an eternal now. Even a billion years from now would be now to him, since he's not bound to time, space, and place, and he knows all things and learns nothing new. So, uh, according to the foreknowledge, because if we were to take that literally, that because he knows us, uh, before I knew you, before you were formed, I knew you, it's him that knew us. It's not us that knew him. Right. And if we're going to take that literally as we know him, well, the lamb was also slain before the foundation of the world, but we'd know that that was a covenant that was made and not the literal lamb being slain before the foundation of the world, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and, and to Albie's point, um, you know, 
the idea of foreknowledge in the scripture is always about God foreknowing people and not foreknowing events. It is not it is not to say that God does not know all events, but the specific theological idea of foreknowledge is only used in the scripture of foreknowing actual people. And so when it talks about in Ephesians 1, 4, um, you know, that uh, the elect were, you know, before the foundation of the world, etc., etc., like, you know, all of these things have to do with God foreknowing people before they exist. It does not mean that they pre-existed. So pre-existence would mean that uh, it would just give you all kinds of problems, and it is considered rank heresy for a really good reason. Hey, so Chris, does this put Nate and I on the same level now? I mean, I don't... I, I mean, the way he was coming I mean, at me, like, I think if I think if he would have been on the high council, like, he would have put me to some fire. Yeah, I, I had mean, the yeah, timbers. You, you would have been on the stake. You would have been on the stake beside me. I mean, I had the timbers um, going. I had, you know, I had the, I, I had Alby. I handed Alby the match, and uh, you know, um, uh, Ramon was working on getting the kindling together. So, but you know, the, you know, he 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 recanted. So now we can just drown him. It'll be fine. Recanted? This is why I do such a good job of hedging, so I can just weave out of things that Chris finds unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so this actually, what, 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 Albie, you, you said something that, that makes, that prompts a really interesting question for me. So I'd like to entertain, like you to entertain this for a second. Good morning, by the way. Do you, do you think, because what you said was, you know, like outside time, space and matter. Right. And this this will just this will sound like, you know, kind of like a, a, a trope. And I don't I don't mean it to sound that way. But um, like for me, so this is kind of in two parts. For me, if something like to say that something because existence is necessarily temporal. So I know that you believe God exists. So I'm wondering, do you. Do you believe, like, do you actually believe, and, and this is just kind of a weird kind of like a quirky word thing, that God is actually timeless or just exists in a place outside of our representation of time? Yeah, so in order, so it's not, not just our representation of time, but rather time is bound by two other properties, and that would be uh space and matter space and place all three of these properties have to come into existence simultaneously uh <clears throat> in order for us to be able to measure the time in between the space of place right and prior to that there is no uh time space or place which is why god by nature is spaceless placeless shapeless formless Right, he inhabits eternity, as Isaiah fifty-seven verse fifteen says. Malachi two six says he doesn't change; he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm one hundred two, twenty-four to twenty-seven says all of creation, um, and all of creation is folding up. Right, he's spreading up and it's growing old, but he remains the same. He remains the same is because he's not bound to time, space, and place, but rather transcends it while simultaneously interacting with it. So this is why it says he is the creator of, <clears throat> in the Greek is anios, he's the creator of the ages, 
ages. So if he's a creator of the ages, right, means the times or the, you know, uh, if he's a creator of time, then he must be timeless by uh, by essence. And that's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, cross-referenced with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, along with Hebrews 13, verse 8, and Hebrews chapter 1, 10 through 12. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that, and and I'm I'm really like and I'm really attempting to be to be charitable here, like and and try to find a place of common ground, right? Because and and here's where the trope comes in, and this will sound less charitable than I mean it to. Nate, you must be tired of hearing me say that all the time. But um, so for me, right, something that doesn't exist in any time, that doesn't exist in any place and isn't made up of anything for for someone like me how do i differentiate that between something that doesn't exist at all right yeah that's a that's a common yeah that's a common objection and you know like uh philosophy has dealt with this a whole bunch michael i know you know this but like you know like uh the the current theories that are being talked about um by like rt mullins i don't know if you know who rt mullins is um he's a he's a christian philosopher and a theologian um he posits that god is time that uh and he has a pretty good argument for it um a little bit of of it was over my head um, because i don't have the philosophical grounding to really you know it's it's a very academic paper but it was very interesting um but yeah i mean so what we're talking about is a belief in the supernatural because everything that is time, space, and place would be by definition natural, right? And so when we're talking about something that is transcendent and necessary rather than contingent, then we have a difficult time understanding or explaining exactly what that means. And so, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of if it doesn't exist in a natural world, then now we have to posit that the supernatural is real. And what does that mean um, outside of our only conception uh, being naturalism, right? Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, and that makes total sense. And it's what you said is interesting. And again, like you and I, I think are on the same wavelength when it comes to philosophy, and that most of it goes over our head. Um, so. Like what, what you said is interesting. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, be uh, argumentative here. But when you said that you said that um, it's his standing, you know, under representing what, what I think you you believe to be his argument. If God, quote unquote, is time. Well, we understand time to be the measurement of change, which seems to go against that verse from Malachi that says that God doesn't change. So, oh yeah, for sure. It, I mean, Mullins still has an immutable God, and he he works through all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, he's not he's not denying that God is immutable. He's not denying that, uh, you know, and he he's talking specifically from a Christian worldview that you know if God is not immutable, then we've got serious problems, right? Um, you know, so so the necessary has to be immutable, just like Albie was saying, and just like the Scripture continually says. I don't think Mullins is arguing that God is not mutable or that he changes, but that his essence contains what we perceive as time would be his argument. I, again, a lot of it went over my head. 
Okay, so all right. So then, Chris, would you would you say that that God's quote unquote existence is outside of our envelope of what we call time? Then. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, I just don't know. I, I haven't read enough about the transcendent arguments to really give you a better answer on that. Maybe Kyoto no, no, could. Yeah. You know, no. I, you know, Kyoto is down there. He's a very smart dude. Um, I know that he's read about this uh, more than I have. So, you know, uh, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus or anything, Kyoto. So if you don't want to come up here and talk about it, that's fine. But, you know, I just I haven't read enough about transcendency to really to give you a decent argument. No, no, and, and that's cool. And and I know that you you know enough about me to know that that I I truly believe that I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, now, 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 Isaiah, it's with the Kumbaya. Isaiah, 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 well, Isaiah, Isaiah fifty seven fifteen, like I mentioned earlier, uh, take this into consideration, right? Says that he inhabits eternity. Isaiah 9, 6 says he is the father of eternity, right? If he's the father of eternity and he inhabits eternity and the ages were created through him, which means the times were created through him to go. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so then go, would you say that existence? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that, okay. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I didn't want to lose this thought. Oh, sure. So then would you say that, that in your conception, and again, I'm not, I'm not looking for a gotcha moment. That's not what I do. No, no, no. I understand. No, no, dude. We know you by now, bro. You're, you're, it's all good, brother. They're all good questions, to be honest with you. Do you think that, or, or would you agree with this statement? Existence, this will sound weird, but existence exists within God. Um, so existence uh, yeah, so what, what you just said is what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, because he is the source of uh, sustenance, the source of yeah, sustenance for all creation. So Acts chapter 17, when you look at verse 22 and on, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the uh, Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for I was passing through and considered the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he is, since he gives to all life, breath and all things and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said, and he goes on to say. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate the answer. Yeah, I mean, shock of all shocks, right? You know, I don't agree with it, but I appreciate the answer. And and I I, I appreciate the, the willingness to indulge my um, complicated questions. 
So what don't you agree with on that, out of curiosity? Uh, hang on, I was going to say good morning to Brandon and also wish for a change of topic before my death. Um, Brandon, what's up, Brandon? <laughs> good morning. Oh, hey, good morning. I was just, I, I came in randomly on a pre-existence, uh, kind of the soul thing, and I was like, yeah, that's heresy. Kill him. I'm just cutting up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> okay, so I have to pick up being burned at the stake. And for the, uh, okay, well, I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, I, I did a decent job of tiptoeing. I'm sticking to my guns. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. But, um, it, okay, so I have to choose between that and continuing to talk about time and space. Um, just burn me. Nate, Nate, just come and join me. The water's fine. Um, <laughs> it's no, it, it, it is. Okay. So, so CEO to, to, uh, to answer your question as best I can. So it, it's funny. I, I recently had a discussion with a guy named, um, Paul price. Um, and the, the, the best way I can sum it up is that for me, and this, this kind of ties into what, what, uh, what Albie said and, and what Chris said as well. And I'm sure with what you and Nate and every other Christian here believes is the case, right? And that is the, like, I'm unable to reconcile the supernatural. So that's where the disconnect is for me. Are you able to think that there's uh, other levels of existence or reality than the one that we have today? I don't know what that means. Can you help? Can you try to unpack yeah, sure. that a little more? So, so are, are, do you believe in the Big Bang theory? I think the Big Bang is probably the Great best. Show. Uh, I think it's the best representation of the current model. And oddly enough, you know, the Big Bang, like the, the term Big Bang was quoted by a Christian. Oh, I know. I know. So, so time and space as we experience it, you know, began with the Big Bang, essentially, as an expansion, right? So what do you call everything that was before that moment? Oh, I don't even know if you can say, I don't even, not, not even sure the word before makes sense, because before, uh, in like before would, would reference temporal, which means time. And if time began at the point, if our representation <clears throat> of time began at that point, I don't think, I don't think the word before makes any sense. I think he meant sans well, creation. Yeah, what I mean is that there was some level of reality prior to the Big Bang. Now, look, you might end up saying it was some sort of, you know, subatomic particle and then that was it. But even if that is what you think, there was some level of reality prior to the expansion of Big Bang. So to me, that represents a different level of existence than what we have today. Okay, I think I know what you mean now. Yeah, so one of the things that I found interesting, I've, I've read a little bit um, from physicists like Lawrence Krauss and, and uh, Sean Carroll and stuff like that, and the, you know, kind of the, the hypothesis, because it's not a theory yet, um, of the multiverse, right? So it could be that, that our representation of space and time started the Big Bang, but that our universe exists in this greater cosmos of a multiverse, if that's the case, then there would be, quote unquote, time before, but it wouldn't be our representation of time. So I think that so if if that ties into what you're thinking, then I then then I would say, yes, if that's a possibility, then, yes, I would agree in some type. I would agree that there's some type of, quote unquote, reality beyond or sorry, before our current representation. All right. I'm experiencing time stop at this current moment. Um, Jesus mm -hmm. is God. What's up? <laughs> oh, well, I was just going to say, Nate, um, I posted. Sure. Jesus is Michael. God. It may as well be Chris. <laughs> I, I'm 
I'm just ending the discussion with um, Michael. I sent you a link to an RT Mullins article that he has on his website. And uh, I sent you a book that is nine different perspectives on time and eternity. And it's a, it's a textbook, so it's like pretty expensive, but it looks really interesting. Oh yeah. I saw you post that in chat and um, I guess because of all the sci-fi stuff we were talking about in time and space and all that, I saw R Mullins and somehow my brain read that as Romulans. Um, okay. That Jesus, Jesus says God, what's up? What's up guys? Did you have a question or are you just hanging out? on stage building up, and not asking questions. Building up the courage to ask, ask a question. Um, if I can help you along, I will say if you don't ask a question and find the courage, we're going to talk about some even deeper philosophical uh, stuff. So if, if that helps you find the courage. I almost said sorry. crap. Yeah, I'm I, I did. I almost said crap. Uh, what? Was that not enough of a pep talk? <laughs> All right, Steph. What's up, Steph? Let us know when you're ready to speak. How are you? I want to hear the question. If you have to build courage to ask a question, it's got to be a good question. Okay, I agree. Well, back to you. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be humble in the way I say that. I don't need courage to ask the question. I just said it like that for you to understand that I don't have a question yet. Oh, I'll put the popcorn away then. Back to you, Steph. Oh. Chris Claus. What's up, Chris Claus? You are destined to carry on this conversation, whether you want it or not. <laughs> Salam, Amasti, <laughs> peace of Christ to all the Christians in the room, uh, and I'll be praying for all Salam the non-Christians in the room. What is Salam, Amasti? Peace of Christ. Oh, okay. What Could you separate? Hey, the how do you say? Oh, what is it? Sorry, so, say it slower. Salam al-Masih. Masih in uh, is or Arabic would be the Messiah. So it's peace of the Messiah that we're offering, right? So it's we should, we should have a room that's just Arabic for dummies. Oh, thanks, Chris. How do you say? How do you say Jesus is God? Isn't it like like someone said like like a Allah or something like that or Hamdallah or how do you? Like, and they said that meant Jesus. Uh, Hamdallah. Like, I'm sure I'm messing that up. You have to add uh, Yeshua name in there. Instead of saying Alhamdulillah, uh, because that's just acknowledging Allah, right, as being the God. But you yeah, have I, to I, put Yeshua in there, identifying Yeshua as that God. Yeah, I think when they were doing it, they were, you know, it's because there's, I think it was kind of like a tongue in cheek, like how, you know, I mean, they believe, they call God Allah. So, but they don't, they deny Jesus is God. So I, I think that was their way of being uh, catchy. That they're basically saying like you know hum, hum DLR or whatever like except yeah like they were saying Jesus is God is that what you were oh, saying too? Yeshua is what they would say at that point. So um, it wouldn't be like Yeshua is Allah like you wouldn't have Allah in there to be like you're going to say Allah so we're just going to say if, Jesus is Allah. Wouldn't Yeshua be Joshua? Sure. If, okay. if we're I, I'm just going by the Hebrew name. If you're going to use the Arabic, it would be Yesu. Yesu would be the Arabic to uh, Jesus's name in uh, yeah in Arabic. Uh, weirdly enough, they call him Isa, but if you do the translation, it should be Yesu. In that, yeah, exactly. And in Ezra chapter three, verse two, it's literally Yeshua, the son of Jesophat, which the names are shortened because they're written in Aramaic versus 
what we have in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 11, the same two people, where it's Yehoshua, the son of Jehoshaphat. I have a problem with all those I have a problem with Jehoshaphat. After listening to Chris, Claus, Albie, and all the other questions for a long time, I found oh, you may not Muslim. you may not want to keep this guy on the stage. I became a Muslim. Uh, These questions convince me that Islam is true. He's an Thank you, thank you so much. All questions for making. Well, so don't unmute as soon as Ahmad mutes you. There's step one. So you know you missed your chance. Uh, repent and you know maybe find jesus and maybe we'll ask you back um i was gonna say wait your darn turn but i will say now let's move on to the next person waiting patiently to be called upon hey catholic good morning how are you doing good morning there i just wanted to ask michael what is it that ultimately grounds uh all facts in your atheistic worldview someone That's give me a razor <laughs> So I find I find that, that that's a really interesting question. So, um, so my so my world and this is, I find I I think this will be a completely unsatisfying answer for you, Catholic, um, but it is my answer and it's and it's my honest one. So it might be the case that your God belief is either the foundation of or the encompassing factor of the entirety of your worldview, but my lack of, or in fact, my conviction, my belief that God doesn't exist, isn't the case in, of my worldview. My worldview contains several things, and, and my lack of belief or my belief God doesn't exist is only a small portion of that. So um, so, the, so the, the foundation of the things that I believe isn't grounded in, in God like it might be with you. Okay, well, that's not an answer to my question. I didn't ask you what is not. And, and, and uh, maybe and it might be what the case is that I the prophetic, ultimate. right? Because I did say I didn't think it would be satisfying. So may, maybe I'm a prophet. Um, so, but but th that is my honest answer. So if you want to delve into it more at Nate's discretion, I'm happy to do that with you. But it's not going to change my answer. So you're, Michael, so you're dodging. Again. What's Nate going to okay. say? Oh, come on. Let's be a little bit civil. Um, all right, let's Whoa. try this again. All right, concrete, just drive the nail on my coffin. What are you talking about, bro? Anything <laughs> else? So, Michael, like, hey, can you else? not Michael, do that, Nate? Safe to say you come from. Wait, can Nate not do what? Like, whatever this passive-aggressive thing that you'd like to do. All right, well, let me be aggressive. Who's joking <laughs> with you, concrete? It's okay, man. All right, back to Nate, you, Chris. Nate, that, that was everything. That was fantastic. Nate, that, that was awesome, one of the greatest yes. clubhouse exchanges of all Hey, time. good morning, Yvette. Peace of Christ be upon you. What's up, Yvette? Hey, good morning, Nate. Hello, everybody. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, I'll Yvette. be Michael. Hey, Steph. I'm just trying to, like, herd kittens here. Uh, yeah, I have a question. I, I struggle a lot with uh um prayer because um i i often feel like i don't deserve the blessings like i know that that's what grace is that we receive what jesus deserved uh deserves and um 
but I, I still struggle. I don't know. I'm so, I'm kind of feeling like I should believe that even though I'm a reborn, cause I know, I know that I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Cause when I, I, I grew up Pentecostal and I was older when I received it, I felt the Holy Spirit in me like fire it within my bones like i was like i was burnt like i was on fire so i physically felt the manifestation of receiving the holy spirit so i'm good with that i know that i'm a reborn but as a reborn i still struggle with prayer because i often feel like i don't deserve it like i sin like i'm I, I I try my best to be a good person. I try to uh, live by God's commands, but you know I'm not perfect. I fall, and what, I, I fail God. What's uh, one of your strengths? Uh, I'm a sweet person by nature. <laughs> That's one of my strengths. Your one of your one of your strengths in regards to uh, your your uh, your temple your temple uh what do you call it maintenance to god because your body is a temple to mm -hmm. god in which as a priest you offer up spiritual sacrifices you offer up different things like hebrews 13 verse uh, 15 says so while focusing on your weakness as you just said it what would be one of your strengths that uh people in your church have told you in regards to your worship to christ um my dedication towards um i guess my dedication towards um listening and listening to them more than um coming up with my own head knowledge of the word of god like i i love to listen to people talk about what they've learned the word of God, I don't, I don't like to interrupt because they all, I feel like everybody always has to, has something good to say, no matter how small it is. Like any good revelation of the word of God is valuable and it's all planned uh, for you to, by God, for you to hear, you know, like God uses them. So, so as you, as we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? we are creatures of repetition so mm -hmm. if prayer is one of your weak points it's only because you've trained yourself to not not practice praying but once you start practicing this and set a goal write it down set times like for example 9 a.m and 3 p.m set a goal for yourself between you and yourself and start practicing and honor that sacrifice as you fast and sacrifice your body onto prayer, okay? And start practicing that for the next three weeks. And all it is is communicating with God, whatever mm -hmm. that may be in your worldview. And then come back and then tell us what you think. Also, while you're focused on your justification by your works that's going to quickly hurt you because you you weren't called you weren't mm -hmm. called into this 
uh, into sanctification to already be perfect. Paul himself says, as we, I have not attained it yet in Philippians chapter 3. If you look at verse 12 and on, he's not attained perfection yet. Meaning, as we get into our sanctification, we will sin. But what, what, what separates us from the rest of the world or from our old self is Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who confesses his sin, right, uh, will be shown mercy. But he who doesn't and tries to cover it up, in other words, won't be. So you don't justify this sin in which you uh, indulge in, but you get back to the cross where it all began, pick up that cross and follow after him. And that's at the end of the day, that's all you can do as you continue to practice and offer up sacrifices. You can read Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16, along with Hebrews chapter 13. If you look at uh, 12 to 15, those would be good verses for you to take a look at. I have or, a 12 to, you, or 12 you to 16. First, uh, go ahead. Albie, that was awesome. Um, and I'm taking notes. Yes, that was. Thank you, Albie. Uh, yeah, I'll have to rehear the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, crowd in my back. No. Yeah, okay, okay sorry. Um, so do you, I have the same problem where I feel like I'm so over aware of how crappy I am yeah, <laughs> in my humanity, exactly. right? Mm -hmm. That I end up never asking God for anything. Exactly. Um, and when I pray, it feels very like, like there's a huge component of the relationship missing because I'm not sure when I'm in that mode, I'm not like sure if I have any business asking God for anything. So a lot of the times my prayers end up being me holding a whole lot back. Like, do you feel like that's kind of the same thing you're Yes, that's with? exactly what I'm experiencing. And that's where my mindset is at, at all times. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And then what I end up doing mm -hmm. is I just like, thank God for everything I have. And I'm like, okay, cool. Love you so much. Bye. And so I wonder if that's, yes, yeah, that's if there's exactly some specific. what I do. That's yeah. your, your Boys, me. That's me right there. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask uh, y'all, uh, I know that we're reborns, um, but I often, like, I don't know if I should think this way because I feel like maybe this can help if it's true. Should I think that uh, uh, that uh, because uh, I'm a sinner, we're perfect recipients for God's grace? Like, I know that we're no longer a sinner after being reborn. But I feel like that's the only way that I, I think that I can feel like I deserve God's grace because I'm a sinner and 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 God justified me uh, through living in me. And just like Albi was saying, it's not by works that justify you, but by Christ who lives in you. I think that's what he was saying, right? Is that what you were saying, Alvi? Alvi? Um, well, you're, you're justified through the Spirit uniting you to the body of Christ, being baptized yes. in the Christ spiritually. That's First right. Corinthians 13, yes. So is it right to say that sinners are the perfect recipients for God's grace, even though we're reborns? Or am I completely off on that? Because I'd like to feel... I know it's weird because I we shouldn't, you know, call ourselves a, a sinner after being reborn. But 
I don't I feel like that's the only way because I know that my works are not doesn't justify me at all. I'm imperfect and I keep failing God, you know, in a lot of areas in my life. So it's not up to where it's not up to par to where how perfect Jesus lives in me because but I don't know, would it would it be true to say that sinners are the perfect recipients for God's grace or is or should I just continue thinking that uh, as a children of God, we're perfect recipients for God's grace? Well, what do you all think on that? Nate, did you want to say anything on that, Nate? Or um, I, I was actually uh, dealing with with chat. Uh, oh, okay. Chat. Go ahead. I, yeah. Yeah. So the the perfect recipients for God's grace are going to be those who are humble, because Romans two four says the goodness of God, right, uh, leads you to repentance, but the goodness of God will also harden your heart, right? It does one of two things. So those who receive the gospel, those who receive the gospel will be those who are humble and receive it. But those who are haughty, like the Pharisees or like the self-righteous, they won't receive it. While while you're focused on uh, grace is also something that's going to be for, you know, I mean, for, for by grace you've been saved. And grace is also something, according to Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it appears in order to instruct us how to live godly, right? Now, the problem that I sense that you have, and correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is not because, I, you know, I know you so well, this and that, but because I have... Uh, you know, spoken with others that have had similar, um, you know, you tend to compare yourself to other godly people. Yeah. Not, n- not realizing that they themselves have their own issues. Yes, that's right? exactly right. Yeah. And, and when you do, and when you do that, you're often going to have this rather than measuring yourself to Christ which then you know you fall, but praise God you fall because you fall into his loving arms. And if you don't mind, do you have your Bible with you? No, but I, I, I promise let me you read, I, let, I, let, I, let I read, listen to it. Let me read for you. That, that's okay. Let me read for you, and I'll land it with this. <clears throat> there's a lot to say, but I don't, I'm sure there's others that want to speak. Psalm 103, I'm going to read 8 to 14, okay? Yes. And it says this. Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgression from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Yeah. 
you, you understand what was just said here, right? That you're not catching him off guard at all. He didn't save you based on the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. He based, he saved you based on you bowing your knee to the gospel. And it's the gospel that saves. It's the, it's the triune God that saves you as clearly Titus chapter two, Titus chapter three, verse three to seven. And by the way, listen, John, the revelator in revelation chapter 19, verse 10, and in revelation 22 verse 8 fell into idolatry in heaven right fell into idolatry in heaven john the baptist after hearing the audible voice of god Ooh. hearing the audible voice of god and seeing the dove bodily descend luke 3:22 bodily descend on christ was thrown into prison, and in Luke chapter 7, verse 24, he sent messengers to question whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. Moses, despite all that he saw and all that he was used, right? He spent 40 years in 40 years for God to remove Egypt from his heart. So by the time God appeared to him and he said, you're going to go before Pharaoh, he, he was like, he was stuttering. He said, how can I go before him? But the point is, do you trust him or do you trust yourself? Because 1 Thessalonians 5, sorry, last verse. You guys got to interrupt me, please. Last verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that verse 24 says, he who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Do you believe? Do you trust? Then get off your boat of comfort and start walking on water, fixing your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Hebrews 12, 2. Hope that is helpful, Yvette. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Course, yeah, and I, remind me of that. I actually have something I want to send to you about along those lines. It's exactly what Albie said um, earlier, what he quoted. But I have something I want to send you. Okay. I um, may need a reminder, though. But yeah, you know, just a segue real quick, because apparently this is not going away. Is Concrete still here? Of course he is. Concrete, bro, remember how Yvette just said, like, you know, she likes to listen a lot more than she talks and things like that. If you could take a page from that book, that would benefit you here. So no one was talking about you. No one was talking passive aggressively about you. So <laughs> the conversation, the previous four people, which if you would have been listening to, um, you would have got this. The previous four people I've called on um, to change the subject from like this deep philosophical place it was going, because um, I'm not a super fan of like long philosophical discussions. So I've called on like four people and each one of them had a equally um, conversation equal along those lines. So you being next in line, I'm like, all right, concrete, go ahead and put the nail in my coffin because you know, it's happened four previous times. So I was joking like, ha ha, go ahead and ask another very, very hard, deep philosophical question. But instead of hearing that or paying attention or listening for an explanation, you get all hot and bothered and you know, make me drop you. Why you make me drop you? I would drop you because anyway, um, so yeah, that's it concrete. So do you want, believe it or not, call me a liar. I don't care. Um, but that's what happened. 
Um, so yeah, Yvette, uh, any other follow-up or did that take care of your questions? Yeah, um, Albie's uh, response really helped me a lot. Um, I guess what he's, he means to say is like, regardless whether we're sinners or reborns, God did it because uh, he wanted to, uh, God gives us grace because he, like, he loves us, you know, because of the things that he did, uh, with, with, you know, which I'll be stated, you know, the, uh, everything that he did. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I have to go through those scriptures, I'll be, because you gave me quite a few of them. Um, and I will listen, of course, to this again and again. So, because this is something I struggle with, which is why I have to do that. It's not like, um, I want to is because I need to. I need this. Um, but yeah, Nate, I will be reminding you to send me what you said you were gonna send me. Um, because I really need right this <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you, Albie and Steph. Yeah, everybody. and you that also back showing you. It's like a little two pager from Martin Luther, and it talks about this exact same topic: simultaneously being a saint and a sinner. Add scripture in there as well, and it's a little nice little two-pager essay that you can read really quickly. It helped me a lot with this exact same topic. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, did you put it in the chat, or are you what? Oh no, are I, you I, I sent, send it. To me? I sent it to you in the back chain. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you, no Mister. Uh-oh, it may be removed, Yvette. You may be able to walk. Uh, yeah, who is... Oh, wait, hang on. Sorry, we have uh, we have Joe. I completely missed Joe. Joe, you're next. What's up, Joe? Oh, good morning. Um, good morning. I'm just glad that you have a room open here. Um, so thank you, Alvi, CEO, and everyone else. That um, And especially Concrete. Thank you. Yeah, especially Concrete? Wait, why? Ah. <laughs> Listen. We're all trying to come to reasonable conclusions, but the sad thing to me is we're not unified. Almost everyone is has a, a, an, an idea that causes such division. Now, I know Jesus said he's here to cause division, but is it to the extent like this? I don't know. It makes me kind of sad. Uh, like wait, what? you mean division on like doctrines yes. or division of like personalities? Doctrine. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you know, ask a Calvin and Arminian to talk and 30 minutes later, they'll be going to war. But that shouldn't be the case. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of problems that I would agree when tempers flare and when people start getting really like hateful and, and mean, that should be a, a red flag to like stop, reset and try again. Like talking about doctrinal differences to try to get on the same page is great. But if you start being uncivil and stuff like that, um, that's a good warning sign. So it should not be. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about, it, right? It's like my brothers, this should not be. Um, so I mean, salvation issues. Um, I mean, that's that's the time, I guess, to have a real division and be like, look, this is irreconcilable. You still don't need to be mean and yelling about it. But I mean, you know, that's everyone's personality. But if it's a salvation issue, be like, I'm sorry, this is irreconcilable. You are wrong. You think I am wrong. That's just part ways. But if it's not a salvation issue, then yeah, it shouldn't rise to the level of yelling and screaming. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, I think also they, you know, imagine if Twitter was around when Paul and Peter had their disagreement. <laughs> that would have got heated. <laughs> That's hysterical to think about. Yeah, so I guess now that there's a little bit of a break, I'll just take this this break to say that it, it was too bad that Catholic traditionalist didn't uh, accept the answer that I gave him and then decided not to hang around to see if we want to try to suss that out more. It's too bad. But it is it is something that I hear a lot. Like people say, um, you know, like uh, like Nate, you know, the, the person, you know, he who shall not be named, right? This is a, a, a common kind of a thing by that, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, you, you, you don't believe in God, give me your ultimate. Like, I, I don't even know what that means. You know, like you have, we'll have to try to assess this out a little bit more, but there, there are those who aren't interested in anything deeper than that. Um, like maybe you today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it, it, it is interesting. And, uh, and like I said, it's, it's too bad that he didn't want to have, um, have more of that conversation, but I do, I do find that a fair bit that there's this kind of, well, you know, because, you know, because, you know, God is the, is the everything in my world, the not God must be everything in your world. And that's just not the case. Um, but anyway. All right, Chris R back to you. Are you driving somewhere interesting? Are you crawling in an attic or a ceiling? Can you be? Uh, Maybe, Michael, okay. I think he was just trying to find out what centers you every day. I think that was his question. Do you do you have something that is centering to you? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know that there's one thing. Uh, I think there's uh, I think there's se there's several things. So no, I that um, yeah, I don't think there's one thing that centers me. Um, I'd have to think about uh, I'd have to think about that question more to uh to give you an answer but uh and that's interesting i, I will think about that more and, and try to try to answer it at some point i mean it kind of hurts to to think that you i thought you thought we centered you oh no you, Nate, you know i love you don't. um <laughs> but yeah you know but but uh yeah I, i'd have to say uh, like um that's that's a really really interesting question ceo um what centers me yeah, I'll have to think about that. I am not sure how to answer that question. Well, Mr. Did Michael just get <clears throat> did Michael just get stumped, Nate? Yo, what? Did Michael just get stumped on a question? Well, well yeah, but I mean, first, it didn't have anything to do with the last time for sure. But just I figured I, I we'd love put it. that one on the calendar. I, yeah, I love the I love a good question. That's a that's a really interesting. In fact, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask that question before. CEO, that's a good one. Well, I think that's what he was trying to ask you. He just it was just worded clumsily, clumsily. Yeah, it might be. It might be the case. He he, he you know unfortunately he left, so we can't. Uh, you know, we we have to we'd have to guess on what his uh, what his motivation was. Who is he? Or oh, Catholic? Is that who you're talking about? I think Catholic traditionalist, I think it, who it was. Yeah. Well, Ramon, what's up? You've been quiet for a while. Are you speaking? Yeah, I guess just getting back to what Michael was saying, right? Because he's a humanist. Would you consider yourself a humanist? 
Michael. Sorry, just had to find the button. I had my phone down. Um, yes, I would consider myself a humanist. That is that is a fair assessment. All right. So from a humanist standpoint, you have a you, you have a worldview that you build upon from these axiomatic or presuppositions. So I guess what Catholic was trying to ask is what exactly is the starting point or foundational point from the ground level that you start off. Off. What what axiomatic um, presuppositions do you do you take for granted from a humanistic standpoint? Oh sure, okay. Um, so yeah, and I and I should preface what I'm about to say by saying that I think everybody brings like when, whether you want to call them axioms, presuppositions, or properly basic beliefs. I think everybody brings a couple of those to the table. Um, and for me, uh, one would be that reality is real. Um, I'm not a solipsist. I think that there are other minds. Um, and I trust the reliability of my senses. There, and there, there may be more, but that's kind of the, the best answer I can give you just off the top of my head. Okay. And Michael, can you not trust your senses? In 10 minutes, can that trust diminish? Or are you just taking it for granted that you can trust your senses? Uh, it could change. Right. Yeah. Like, and you know, I mean, I could suddenly go blind, right. You know, I could fall on a, I could fall on a, a, a pair of forks and I could lose my eyesight. Um, that's terrible. Um, but, <laughs> Very imaginative. Yeah. But you know, I mean, so, so, so yes. Uh, could it change? Yes. Um, and, and I accept, I, ho I fully accept that, um, that, that, that is uh, circular reasoning. Right. And that, uh, but I also, I don't think that all circularity is vicious. Okay. How about the laws of uniformity, the laws of nature, let's say gravity, the laws of gravity. Um, what would you say those can change in the next 10 minutes, making me able to jump to the moon, for example? From what we know about reality, no. But it should be noted that the, that the laws, like the, these quote unquote laws, whether they be laws of nature, like gravity, like you said, or uh, traditional laws of logic, like identity, non-contradiction, and excluded middle. These are descriptive laws, not prescriptive laws, right? So if you look up, um, if you go into the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy and you look up um, logic, right? Um, one of the entries is, is logic is a formal language invented by people, right? So, so, the, so the, these are things that we invented to describe the world we see around us. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I do not take that same position. Um, for example, logic, right? Um, logic and rationale, human rationale has been used. Um, I, I believe, who, who was it in Vienna, the logical positivists who essentially debunked their own methodology of trying to have this supreme notion of rationale and logic is the only way that you can describe or find anything out, right? Whether it's metaphysically or natural laws, uh, laws of uniformity. But now <coughs> we got it to the point people are using the same logic and rationale to say a man can get pregnant. So there's, there's a limit to human reasoning. There's a limit to logic as well. And I believe that's what a lot of these um, philosophers in the 19th century kind of figured out after a while.
So like at, at, at some point, um, you, you're taking some, some of these uniformities of logic um, for granted to the point that it, it just comes back to this big circle. And Hegel is trying to figure that as well. He's trying to figure out this transcendent uh, logical way that you can only figure it out without a creator because, you know, he wasn't a theist. So he was essentially trying to reinvent the wheel. And that's what you get through all of these different philosophical movements, people trying to figure out an ultimate. But that's where my axiomatic presupposition comes in, is that the only ultimate can be from God, if that makes sense. Well, let's take a quick moment and see if Steph, uh, Steph can put another nail in my coffin. So I, I, Steph, I hope you take that with How a good spirit. I can't afford you. to have more people mad at me. Um, Steph, what's going on in chat? Are you doing damage control or like a free counseling session? Oh, um, I am poking concrete as much as possible because I'm in a mood. So that's what's happening. <laughs> and I just made you a mod. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, Random, what's up? Morning. Apparently, I can't joke with you. So, um, what is your question, sir, or comment? Well, See, that was passive aggressive. My bad. Okay, so okay, so we can change the subject. You know, chunky or creamy peanut butter. I know. I know <laughs> you're grasping at straws at this point, Nate. Random. Do you have anything about a uh, philosophy or space and time continuum or the multiverse or uh, different dimensions or parallels or anything like that? Basically, anything other than Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, as as Michael was being asked specifically, like what he centers himself in, um, I was going to posit what I center myself in, uh, and that is that I exist and that an aspect of existence is that it can and does consistently interact with other existence. Uh, and that's kind of the axioms that I root my experiences in. I'm going How back do you to know? Bed. Oh God, no, no. Uh, Chris, are you there, Chris? Are you there, Chris? Who wants to What's hear up? about how my baby? I am, I am barely able to contain myself. I'm laughing so hard at this. It's so funny. Steph, you were saying? I said, "Who wants to hear about how my baby just right now learned to crawl?" Kind of, but like I'm sitting here on the floor watching her, but she can only go backwards, and it's making her yeah. so mad. Yes, She's sure just looking that. at me, I can't fix it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is currently of greater spiritual value than anything else happening. <laughs> She's just uh, getting Chris further Claus. and further away from me. She's so angry about it. <laughs> uh, just like turn her the other way and let her crawl backwards to yeah, you Yeah, turn again. her around. Turn her around. Take her <laughs> That's a good idea. Okay, let's try that. Experimenting on babies on, against the story. Geneva Convention. I love this story. This is so good. How often do we think we're going forward when we're going backward? She's trying so hard. Uh, like, it's 110% effort. She can't figure out what's going wrong. From the crawling of babes. Well, thinking forward and going backwards, that's that's Nate's whole, that's his whole thought process in our conversation that's currently going on <laughs> right now. But it's it's truly... It's, 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 it's giving me life. Like, you know, like laughter is really great medicine. And this is like, you yeah. may, you're honestly, your reaction is giving me medicine right now. It's, it's well, truly great. Um, 
Hey, again, Chris said he had something to say, and then, Monica, we're going to go right to you, unless you just wanted to talk about the crawling baby, but uh, Chris was saying something first. Chris Claus. Are you still hey, saying what you're saying? Since we can't talk about uh, Jesus, <laughs> and uh, we got to talk about uh, multiverses. Oh, no, 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 no. Please talk about Jesus. I'm just throwing Jesus. out there. Who, who's the uh, most powerful character in the MCU? Okay, Monica, what's your question? <laughs> I'm here for the baby. Babies are. Isn't it? Lord, what have I done? Why am I, why am I being tested, Lord? Babies are miracles. Like the, the the fact that people have been convinced that their parasites or tumors or or inconveniences it it blows my mind. They're miracles. They're amazing gifts. So. I'm here for the baby. That's why Steph needs three more. Until they projectile vomit in your mouth when you're holding them. Yeah, I mean, I three more. No, nope. Yeah, three, three babies more. is so many babies. I'm going to tell you that right now. Three miracles is more miracles than any one human should have. So you know what I'm going to pray for you, Steph? I am going to pray that you get pregnant with quadruplets. I will personally wow. come to Florida. Wow. Now, this is an interesting question. Chris is going to pray that I have quadruplets, and I am going to pray that I don't. So whatever happens, does that tell us who God's favorite is? Sure. I think sure. I'm going to be the favorite here. I mean, I, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. I need a, uh -huh. I need a you can, baby. You're going to dance around the fire. Gonna dance around the fire, and you're gonna cut yourself, and you're gonna, you know, try to make Chris, sure that you don't have those quadruplets. Way too much. I'm just gonna. Way too much, Chris. <laughs> Sing the kumbaya. I, well, she lives in upstate New York and is part of a coven, so you know. Uh, but you're yes, both praying yeah, to the yes. same God. But Chris, yes, that's sitting, what I mean. We're be, praying to the same God. We're you'll praying. be sitting on your church pew, drinking your, uh, drinking your IPAs. Being like God will move. So you know what we'll do, God Steph. We'll move. pray. Chris receives his prayer threefold onto him, right? So how many Ouch. babies would they give Chris? Well, I mean, <laughs> I would take twelve babies, but I'm pretty sure that ship has sailed for my wife. Well, we're all gonna start praying. Okay, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, she's Sarah now. With all things, God, with God, all things are possible. Oh, ye of little yeah, faith, Steph. Yeah. I'm just going to hope you get what you want. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Which Wait, would be babies, no more wants? babies. Zero. Oh. Zero more babies. No. Protect we need me more what babies. I want. That was for Steph's, that was for Steph's uh, benefit. Oh, hey, out of the box. You were here earlier. What's up? Yeah. Come on, Steph. Protect me from what I want. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Of... Shut up. All right. So, so it says. Outta, outta. Yeah. Hello. So it says you've got answers. You have answers. We'll find out. What's your question? Right, so I have a question. Uh, can God die? No. God can't die. Spotted the Muslim. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, the Muslim. Can, can you can you provide provide your definition of to die? Hang on. To wait, 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 wait. This exist? is gonna be good. Hang, hang on, guys. So wait, 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 guys. We, we got to play nice, right? This is the only question we have that hasn't completely made me livid in like all day. Well, except you, You're great, you bet. But uh, so let's let's play nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Chris was saying um, whatever you were saying yeah. in what context, right? So I'm so trying to be nice. In short, it, so oh, Chris just, is just, ready. You know, giving his guide Chris has a huge. So in short, Alda, 
I would say God can't die. Jesus was fully God, fully human. He let himself be murdered on the cross. He says he has the power to lay down his life and take it up again. He is his God claim. So when Jesus, his flesh dies and he says it is finished, his flesh and body, his human sacrifice, he died. He was done, but he took himself up. He has the authority to take his life up again. God raised him from the dead three days later because he can't die. That's my answer. All right, go ahead. For, uh, Man, this. I was going to ask you to let me steal man your position. You stole my thunder. Okay, uh, yeah, so wasn't uh, Jesus God in flesh? Is that correct? Yes. And he oh, he's still that... following his argument anyway, Nate. Even though you got to the end of it, and and and, and, and he just said the flesh died. No, he said the flesh yep. died, right? And yep. Jesus was God in the flesh. So if the flesh was God, or God was in the flesh, and the flesh died, that would mean that God died, no? If you want I to just say that, don't understand the hypostatic union, and that's okay. Can I ask my question now, Oda? When you say God died, there's a couple of defin uh, definitions that one would use uh, for the the term death. One would be to cease to exist, and the other one would be separation of body and soul. Which one would you be applying? At the end of life, right? So when you don't have life. Okay, so cease to exist? Yes. Okay, so when your prophet Muhammad died, oh that means goodness. he's not in paradise right now because he ceases to exist, correct, Oda? I don't believe that the prophet is in paradise. Wow. Okay, why, we why, finally why, have why, a Muslim. Why, why do you always go to Islam? Let's no, I, I only went to Islam just to show you that your definition, you wouldn't apply the definition you're applying to to die in Christianity to Islam because you believe in an afterlife. So you believe that when somebody dies a physical death, that they have an afterlife. Therefore, death by your very definition in your belief cannot be ceased to exist because there is an afterlife. Do you get that? Uh, no. Uh, I don't know how to explain it easier. Question so asking, you have question to answered. apply to your religion the same guidelines that you want to foist upon other religions to be ideologically consistent. Let Otherwise known as special But in my religion, we don't believe, you know, God died or God was in flesh and the flesh died. We don't believe that. Yeah, but you have. They can't bring this down. So... Right, Alda. So, so in, in Christianity, if Jesus, if Jesus would have like completely ceased to exist, right? Like mind, body, spirit, soul, energy, like whatever you say. If if Jesus, who we claim is God, if he completely ceased to exist in the way I think you're talking about, the whole universe would have imploded, and we wouldn't have had this conversation because God would not be alive to sustain the universe. So, if if God would have died in that way, nothing would exist. Everything would have just exploded or imploded or something so so, so, so whenever jesus's body died that's all that was required was the flesh sacrifice to die and his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin when that happened jesus continues existing just how he always had um but the flesh is dead and then a couple days later the flesh comes back to life and ascends into heaven so but, but the flesh is yet doesn't the old testament say that you can't use human sacrifices the Old Testament has a, well. The Old Testament has a law for the, for the people following the Levitical law. So then, why is that? It, why is that? Is the lawgiver bound by his own law, or perhaps the reason that God tells humans to stay away from human sacrifice 
is because that's reserved for God alone to come into human form and be the perfect sacrifice. So you that's not even saying – I literally just did. I said that's why. That could be, a, that could be why. So you asked and I answered, and now you're saying we're not answering. What you and just well, got was an answer. And Alda, I have a quick question for you. Could, could is a lot. I think you're cutting off. Or is it me? Is it me? You no, cut out. Him. Anyway, but yeah. So whenever it talks about how people shouldn't have human sacrifice, um, that is true. The Israelites should not have sacrificed humans, just like all their neighbors did. They should not have done that. So, so you can't use a human sacrifice. And God did not die. So who died? If the human Jesus didn't die, or wasn't used as used as a sacrifice. Are you and the God trying to confuse yourself? No, Why, because what's the hang up? So, so if you can't use a human sacrifice to please God, and God cannot die, <clears throat> so then who died for your sins? Who How is this? How are you not getting? All right, let me try this one more time. Then, goodness, maybe we'll go back to philosophical stuff. Okay, so here we go. If you're talking about the Deuteronomical law that says, you know, humans should not do human sacrifice, right? So the Israelites following the law of Moses should not do human sacrifice, right? We all agree? Yeah. You're good on yep. that, Alda? Okay. Yep, um, and then and then Jesus, who is God, the fullness of God, dwelt in Jesus, Jesus being in very nature in Philippians 2, 6, humbled himself, came to earth, took the form of a servant. So a human, a human, what? Took the form of a servant in a human body, right? Flesh, blood, just like you, just like me, a human, like that. Still being God, fully God, fully man. Jesus lets himself be murdered as a sacrifice. He says he's going to be murdered. His blood's going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins of, for many. So whenever that happens and people murder him, his flesh dies. He paid the price for our sin. You could say he sacrificed himself. So is that because the other Israelites should not have done human sacrifice because this sacrifice was reserved for the lawgiver? For God, is that why? I mean, that's perfectly reasonable. So I, I just don't understand how you're still confused. Um, at least with the line of reason you're going down. May I also add? May I also add to that? Uh, was it out? out of, sorry, because uh, you know, I was, <clears throat> I wasn't really kind. Of, I wasn't. I just kind of hopped in the last second, and I heard that. Did he say that uh, God, according to the law of Moses, did not? um allow for human sacrifices yes okay can you show us a chapter and verse because nowhere in the bible will it show that god did not allow for human sacrifices god did not allow for child sacrifices who were sacrificed onto false gods that's always the context in which he's speaking of it's child sacrifices not human sacrifices Otherwise, I'd like them to please show me where does it say human sacrifices, number one. And number two, you would have to also look at the Hebrew to show that it is a young kid, a boy, um, who were being uh, sacrificed onto these idols. So you, you won't find it. And Nate said it perfectly. It was Christ himself who laid down his life. That's John chapter 10, 17 to 19, along with John chapter 15, verse 13. He lays down his life on his own accord. No greater love than this, than one to uh, lay down his life for his friends. No one takes it from him. He lays it down on his own accord and he takes it up again because he is our kinsman redeemer who is Yahweh 
who bears our iniquities, because only Yahweh can bear our iniquities. This is the teaching of scriptures. Yahweh alone can bear our iniquities. And lo and behold, Isaiah 53, we have the suffering servant who's bearing our iniquities. Then it speaks about the kinsman redeemer, right? Who is Yahweh himself, who comes to do what? To redeem us from that which we could not do for ourselves. We were left helpless, no intercessor, no redeemer. So God is sufficient in and of himself to be savior and he saves perfectly. Jesse. All right. So I'll give you the verses. That's all right. Um, so we can go to Ju uh, Deuteronomy 18.10. Yep, yep. Stay there. Uh, Just one at a time. Now, do me a favor okay. and go to the Hebrew, please. I don't speak Hebrew. Okay. Well, then let, let me go to the Hebrew. I'll, I'll be happy to go. Let me pull up Deuteronomy 18. I'll show you. I already. You think I don't know the verses. I'll give you all the verses and show you where, where all the ones that you're going to go to, but you're going to misquote them. Right, so Look, it's I'm, not I'm gonna help your Bible. You. I'm not. I'm not misquoting it. I'm reading. I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, You're reading from a website, Alda. Come on, be truthful. Wait, so are you saying that? Well, yeah. is wrong then. So, and 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 out of curiosity, you're you're a Muslim, right? Muslim, yes. Yeah, you're a Muslim. Oh, oh are, I, 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 I was are, witness. My bad. Are, are you? Uh, are you Sunni? Yes. Okay, no problem. All right, so look, uh, <clears throat> let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son. Now notice, be now is the word, which literally means son, grandson, child, children, son, grandson. grandson That's the name. Or daughter, you bito, which is daughter, daughter, girl, adopted daughter, daughter-in-law, granddaughters, female, child. It's always what? of a child. So how can one word mean about 10 different things? Where are you finding this information? Um, for the same reason that... It means one and the same thing. They're all adolescents. They're all young and do not know their left hand from their right, as Deuteronomy 139 says. But now I have a question for you, right? Because you think it's it's weird how God offers himself, right? Or I'm sorry, that we have a substitutionary atonement, correct? Yeah. Okay. But now if I read for you, Sahih Muslim 2767 from your hadiths, it said, no Muslim would die, but Allah would admit in his state a Jew or a Christian in hellfire. So that's a Muslim. No Muslim would ever die, but Allah would admit a Jew and a Christian. So your substitutionary atonement is a result of a Jew or a Christian taking your place in hellfire and, God, and Allah plucking you out and replacing you with a Jew or Christian. In Sahih Muslim 2767a, it says, When will it be the day of resurrection? Allah would deliver to every Muslim a Jew or a Christian and say, That is your rescue from hellfire. Right? Now let me go to now let me go to the more sources. Would you like to he, hear more? He sounds worried. He sounds scared. Yeah, terrified, petrified. It uh like he's pointing out that you believe in a lot of human sacrifice, but maybe that's just me. Go ahead, Albi. Well, right. And notice how Allah, right, allows for blemished sacrifices, right? So he's allowing the Muslim to come out of hellfire with a Jew or a Christian. In Sahih Muslim 2767D, it says this, 
there will come people amongst the Muslims on the day of resurrection with as heavy sins as a mountain and Allah would forgive them and he would place in their stead the Jews and the Christians. As far as I think, Abu Rahub said, I do not know as to who is in doubt. Abu Burda said, I narrated it, Umar B. Uh, Abdel Aziz, whereupon he said, was it your father who narrated from you? Because this is a, what I'm referencing to you is a good chain of narration that this was the doctrine of the Muslims, right? In which Muhammad, I'm sorry, a Jew or a Christian to take their place in hellfire. Now notice this, in, in uh, what do you call it? Here we go. Let me pull this up right here. Okay, so in, here's, here's what the prophet also said. On the day of resurrection, our Lord, to him belong glory and greatness, shall be revealed to us laughing, laughing. So Allah will be revealed to us, all of the Muslims laughing, and he will say, Rejoice, you Muslims, for I have replaced each one of you destined to go to hell with a Jew or a Christian. Well, right. Can we get to the point. What's your point? That you believe in human sacrifice and it's fine when you do it. No, that's not human sacrifice. That's replacing. Sure. Okay. Hey, but notice how he's okay with that, though. Do you notice the hypocrisy, right? Well, that's not human sacrifice. Let's look at the definition of human it's, sacrifice. It's, it's, it's a Jew or a Christian in place of a Muslim. So the definition of human sacrifice is the offering of the life of a human being to a deity. Uh, who Who is the one who is offering uh, the Jew or a Christian in place of a Muslim? Allah, God. Okay. Jesus now, God. now, why is he doing that? Uh, because you guys are evil. Okay, there you go. Well, so, thank you very much, man. I, I rest All my right. case. There well, you go. You're a hypocrite. Well, <laughs> uh, well, repent and believe the gospel, and may God have mercy on you. And thanks for stopping by. Thanks for playing. Um, one more, take one more L for the for the uh, child molester worshippers. Steph, how's your baby doing now? Still crawling backwards? Uh, no, she got really tired from being so angry. So now we're putting her down for a. Oh man, sounds like somebody else I know. Yes. <laughs> Angry type. <laughs> well, Michael, um, would you like to weigh in on the um, weigh in on the whatever that was you just witnessed? It, it's funny. I I tend not to go to the you know kind of like child molestation and stuff when it comes to the Quran. I just um, I I I'm, I more go to the you know the uh, you know story of Muhammad being an illiterate epileptic. Um, but apparently getting this flawless trans, you know, translation from God. Um, but no, I, 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 uh, I've read portions of the Quran, not the entire thing. I found it incredible. I find it incredibly confusing. Uh, I was given a copy of the Quran by a friend of mine who's a, a, a who's a Muslim, but very, very nominal. And uh, I've done my best to try to understand it. I don't get it. And if you speak to a lot of Muslims, they'll say that the only way to read the Quran is in Arabic. So I'm not sure I can even understand it, even if I read it, the whole thing in English. Um, but but yeah, it's I mean, it's hard <laughs> from from the most from the most honest place I know how to be. It's one is just as illogical as the other.
Yeah, except one has the whole kill all of the unbelievers, <laughs> and the other one has the just try to evangelize the unbelievers. Well, yeah, well, well, but, I mean, well, that's, that's hard. Well, that's that is interesting, right? Because one is, I was just thinking about that, right? Like, how many times did we read, like, you know, Jews and Christians are bad and evil? It's almost as if someone started a religion because they have a bone to pick with Christians and Jews. Whereas it's like, well, and Christianity is just like, all right, well, tell everyone how, you know, Christ died for their sins and how they can repent and believe, have eternal life for free in him. That's it. Like you're reconciled between you and God, no mention of other people. Um, and then the other one is almost exclusively mentioning other people. Um, doesn't make it necessarily right or wrong, but I mean, should give someone pause and be like, I don't know. It seems like they really have a problem with other religions um, and God's in there somewhere versus, you know, Christianity is like, look, today's the day of salvation. Come on, let's have eternal life. All of us repent, believe the gospel, follow Jesus. And don't don't worry about so much, and you know, torturing other people of another religion in hell forever. Like, get right yeah, with and, God, and that's all you need. And and that's a very fair point. Like, like I, I have said before, and I have no problem saying here, um, that I think the most... Uh, the most real and tangible threat to um, to life, safety, and security in the world uh, today comes in the form of um, radical Islam. Um, and and I, I just think that that's evidently the case. Will you find um, extremists from other faith traditions and none? who will do terrible things? Absolutely. Um, but it seems to me to be the case that it is more universal, I'm not going to say all-encompassing, but more universally the case, or more frequently the case, perhaps I should say, um, that um, that people who adhere to, to, to radical Islam are more likely to decide to not only be, con to not be content with the fact that, well, you know, I'm going to die and go to hell, but to hasten me on my journey to that place. Well, I just mm -hmm. saw an article like, you know, there's this pastor and uh, pastor posting in Pakistan who is probably going to be murdered and tortured to death uh, because, you know, he's a Christian pastor in Pakistan. And um, apparently that's a threat um, to people, I guess, whose God is too weak, whatever, to let people choose their own way of life. So, you know, he's probably going to be tried and murdered for being a Christian pastor. So, you know, he's asking for attention and, uh, you know, try to get governments involved to stop uh, being murdered for words he's saying and beliefs he has. So, I mean, I think that's yeah. indicative of a very weak God and weak theology um, to, you know, have to murder people because scary words. And that's, you know, it's like uh, and, 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 they just and, had uh, SatanCon in Boston a few months ago, you know, like James' oh, yeah, whole, so, like, yeah. Temple of Satan. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. So, yep. like, you know, it's, a, it's an atheist gathering, but they just, you know, they call it SatanCon and... You know, they have all kinds of theatrics, and one of the theatrics was there was a uh, a uh, artist that decided that she was going to uh, tear up uh, pages of the Bible, and so it was like you know it's viral video of this like you know wacky looking chick like tearing up a Bible, and the comments immediately started flooding in like oh yeah, well, do that with a Quran now, do the Quran <laughs> now, go ahead, do the Quran now, and basically they were like no, we're not going to do the Quran, we don't want to be murdered. I mean, I, I know the say, Christians aren't going to do anything about it. They don't care. But like, I know. will say I'm a big instigator of that. Like whenever people are like, you know, doing horrible blasphemous stuff about Christianity, I'm like, ooh, now do an Islam. Now do an Islam. 
they're like, oh, no, you just hide behind your whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not hiding. Like, you know, spit on our Bible, light on fire, whatever. Like, you know, God will be your judge. But uh, do Islam now. Now do Islam. Yeah, yeah no one ever wants noticed? to take up that challenge. Except occasionally they do, then they get shot and beheaded. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess there are some people who have been so brave, but they're not really around to tell their stories because their heads are rolling around somewhere. Yeah, I do think, you know, early speaking, we, we should have the, you know, we should have the courage of our convictions, which is why I said what I said openly. Um, and I don't hide who I am at all. Uh, <clears throat> Islam, right? The Quran, which is supposed to be the direct word of Allah. It teaches prepubescent sex with your wife, prepubescent sex. All you have to do is connect two verses, but not to mention the tafsirs and the hadiths all confirm what I'm what I'm saying. But that aside, we're talking about the Quran. This is what Allah approves in chapter in Surah 33, verse uh, 49, or verse 39. Let me see what, let me see what it says. Oh wait, uh, chapter 33, verse. Yeah, verse 49 says this. O believers, if you marry believing women and then divorce them before you touch them, they will have no waiting period for you to count. So give them a suitable comp compensation and let them go graciously. So if you marry a believing woman and then divorce them, normally you would have to wait and give it a time period to see if she's pregnant or not, right? But if you haven't touched them, you can give her a suitable compensation and let her go graciously. So it says, oh believers, if you marry believing woman and then divorce them before you touch them, they will have no waiting period for you to count. So that's, that's Surah 33, Ayah 49, chapter 33, verse 49. Now let's contrast this. Remember, if you're a believer, if you're a man marrying a woman, and if you have not had sex with your wife, you can divorce her and there will be no waiting period. Now let's go to... Wait, and Albi, isn't it important what the name, what's the name of that waiting period? Ida. There, Ida. Yeah. Is that how people can kind of do like Wait, temporary marriages to do the, to do the so, sex slave? So that's, so that would be chapter, that's with the, uh, normally unbelieving woman. So that would be chapter four verse uh 24 i believe or 35 i forget in regards to muta with that woman in your that your right hand possess um and and that's and that's temporary uh marriage also known as you know prostitution while the husband is still alive it doesn't matter now chapter 65 verse 4 surah 65 ayah 4 now listen to this as for you women that have passed the age of menstruation who are the women that are past the age of menstruation? Those who past those who have passed menopause, right? Uh, elderly, like older. Uh, no, um, if it's worded that way, then that would be uh, anyone who menstruates, right? So someone older than like nine, ten, eleven. No, no, past the age of menstruation, meaning that throughout your life, as long as you menstrual, like your cycle, your monthly cycles. Oh, I see. When your monthly, you, you know what I mean. Well, it, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm just, uh, it's, as for your woman past the age of menstruation, in no, 
their waiting period is three months. If their waiting period is three months, what does that assume? That the husband had uh, sex with his wife, right? Which is why there's a three-month waiting period. As for your woman past the age of menstruation, in case you did not know, their waiting period is three months. And those who have not menstruated as well. So notice the contrast. Those who have passed the age of menstruation, those who have not reached the age of menstruation. Who are the girls who have not reached the age of menstruation? Uh, yeah, babies. Babies, right? Who have not reached the age of menstruation, but there's a three-month waiting period. What does that assume, Steph? That they have the ida because they've consummated the marriage. And this is right in the Quran as Allah's word, and their tafsirs and hadiths all confirm this. There's no escaping it. And yet for us, according to 1 Corinthians 7, 36 to 38, there's two contingencies. One must be past the age of her blossoming, of her, uh, you know, of her coming to age, past that age. And also her father has to give her up in the marriage. Those are the, those are what the contingencies that Paul puts before us. Past the age right of uh her you know blossoming as a youth past that and uh the father giving her up in the marriage all right back to philosophy well my time is done thanks albie for that was insightful Yeah, God bless you guys. They often want to criticize the Bible, but they don't take a moment to look at what their own sources and what their own Quran teaches. It's normally us Christians that have to teach them. It is crazy, right? Like, I, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like the question earlier, like how many times did we, did we answer the thing? It's like, so God died. God can't die. And then, you know, the human sacrifice thing. And it's like, th there's all kinds of different different reasonings they can say is good or bad like you know whatever whatever we present as a reason but to, to just act like it makes no sense and they can't possibly understand it's like is this just a ploy or i don't know has i mean the god of this world really like blinded you so much you you can't just read like from an academic standpoint be like okay yes i see it says this i just disagree like do you just have an inability to do that because they they legit i believe a lot of them that it's like deer in the headlights they're just like that makes no sense at all. I cannot understand that. I'm like, what the heck has happened to you? Like, I mean, they could tell me anything they want about Muslim stuff. And I'm like, okay, yes, I see how it makes sense from your point of view. I see how you have it all threaded together. I just don't believe it. Um, and this is why. But I mean, I can have that conversation where so many of these people like ask questions. And it's like they legit have no idea. Like we're presenting like the, the formula of like a rocket ship or something. It's like it should not be that difficult to understand. So I think part of it is like, you know, they, they have to act like it's so confusing. So they have a way out and be like, no, no, it's so confusing. You make no sense. Ah, ha, ha. Um, but I think another part of it legit may be they don't get it. It's like, why is that? And I mean, you know, I guess the devil, I don't know. <clears throat>
I, I think the, the more frustrating thing for me is that you jump to where he was going, but he still wanted to go through his steps of the process, even though you went to where he was going. Yeah, I don't like to be slow walked. Like, you know, life is short. Like, just just spit it out and let's talk about it. Like, you know, don't like slow walk us somewhere. Let's just jump to the end. How, you know, I guess you want Christians to replace you in hell <laughs> um, or whatever. All right, I've got to run. Anyone want to keep this room going or no? Steph, you got baby duty? I got baby duty. All right, guys. Albie, you want to keep it going? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to the panel. I'm here for you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to stay in mod, Albie, that's yeah, fine. I, mean, I, I, I guess, we, I, I guess we, I mean, if people, I mean, if people want to interact or have questions in regards to this kind of stuff. All right, Muslim. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to say, ask all your Muslim stuff to Albie. He's on the hot seat. <laughs> Take care, everyone. See you guys later. <laughs> Please, no Muslim stuff. Cheers. Only Muslim stuff? Cheers. That's what I, I heard. Take care, guys. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, I, 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 it's, it's such a, man, this book, it's such a dark book, man. It's, it's such a dark book. Well, yeah, I agree with that. All right, so anything other than Muslim? Ooh, wait, I'm going to still take your advice up, Al. Philosophy. Ask him all your philosophical <laughs> questions. God bless you, Nate. And, and and yeah, Brandon. Honestly, dude, um, I think you would be a fresh voice into that. Uh, you know, into that into that crowd, right? Yeah, they wouldn't know what to do with you because you're so kind, though. Oh man, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I I was looking. I said, yeah. I, I was the more I look at it, I said, you know, I think. Um, that's why I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to get involved as much with Israelism as much, but I said I would be interested in learn, trying to learn more about uh, Islamic apologetics. Because uh, I, I, around the corner from my house, they built a, a new uh, mosque. I mean, from an architectural standpoint, it's very impressive, but it's kind of like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, that's around the corner from my house. <laughs> we, we need to do something about this. It's funny. So, um, I was saying before that I was given a copy of the Quran by a, a good, a very good friend of mine. And, uh, I went to his mosque once and I will say that I was made to feel incredibly welcome in that space. Um, it was, it, it was, it was nice. It was, it was enjoyable. I had a good time there. I had an interesting chat with the Imam, uh, seemed pretty like he was, it, this isn't, wasn't more of the kind of, what could I say? Um, I guess a good comparison would be the difference between something, you know, kind of like fire and brimstone Baptist Pentecostal versus, versus United church. So like, I guess I went to like the United church version of a mosque would be the most fair thing to say. But, um, the guy was pretty decent to talk to. No, and, and they normally are, but then also, also keep in mind the amount of information that, um, they don't they're I mean, they're only going to give you, especially an Edomite, you know, coming in there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, especially somebody uh, of uh, <laughs> your stature, meaning like this all-American, right, uh, white guy who Canadian, Canadian, uh, or, or uh, Canadian. Canadian. Right. Canadian. Uh, but 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 you, but you but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm not trying to I'm say like you know it. that's. But yeah, they're, they're going to try to appeal to that as much as possible, right? And 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 try to um, try to capitalize on that, but. Ultimately, ultimately, and look, to be honest with you, there are so many 
great Muslims out there that don't really practice Islam. They're just Muslim by name. Right. And they'll say like, they'll pray, they'll do that, but they don't go into the depths and to the teachings until all of a sudden um, we're bringing up arguments and showing them what their own Quran teaches and their worldview is being shaken. It's impossible, impossible. Like for example, well, never mind. Yeah. They're like yeah, Episcopalian no, no. Yeah, Muslims. I would, yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree that you know my, my friend, who's actually whose name is Muhammad, we, everybody calls him Mo. Um, what what he what's what he likes to be called, but like Mo is like a very kind and gentle man, and very like uh, culturally, I guess would be the you know the word to to use, right? You know, culturally Muslim, but very. Um, I I don't know that I. Yeah, like I mean, a very non-violent, non-aggressive dude, like just super chill. Um, but yeah, I, I understand what what is it you, that you mean. And we've had some fairly deep talks about it. And he gets to the point where he he doesn't actually go into kind of challenge mode, like you're suggesting. He kind of just eventually shrugs his shoulders, says, "You know what? I'm not sure." And he's he's content. Um, I guess in some ways, maybe it's one of the reasons we get along so well. But he's content to say, "You know what? I'm not sure about that." And you know, I don't I don't have all the answers and this that and the other thing. Um, but, but yeah, there are, there are certainly, I guess I've experienced on many different sides of the fence, um, people of, um, both extreme belief and non-belief because there can be, if it's, if it's fair to say that there are people who would quote unquote, you know, foam at the mouth over their beliefs, there are people who quote unquote, foam at the mouth over their non-beliefs. I've, I've met and encountered some very aggressive um, people from the atheist community. And I hold them in the same low regard as I hold very aggressive people from any faith tradition. It's a personality type, I guess you would say. Like within any religious or doctrinal persuasion, you're going to find those personality types that are maybe unnecessarily dogmatic or unnecessarily aggressive. Uh, not so much devotionally, but they're just not nice people. That's very fair. Well, I can say this, being in the heart of the Bible Belt in a good red state, um, one of the things, like, even the Muslims, like, I remember, like, I went to school with, like, the first two guys my age that I ever interacted with, they were Muslim, like, uh, they were named Shakib and Ali. Uh, and we were in middle school together, and I remember they introduced me to some things about that. I have to be honest, as a middle schooler, like we almost proselytized them. So it's like, I mean, just, just, just how much, how committed or how Western Islamish they were, if that is a word. I guess those are usually the Muslims when we do meet them outside the black Muslims, which they're another story. Most of them are so like nominal or, or open to Christianity. It's like, I guess they're not like a bit haven't been historically a big problem because if you talk to them long enough, it's like at least the ones down here was like, yeah, you know, I guess Jesus could have died for your sins. I guess I don't know. Like they're really like kind of like I don't know. They're very you know how when you talk to Mormons and like how they're kind of like yeah whatever. They they're kind of like that if they make if that makes sense down here. You know you know what they pray five times a day those who, who those who uh who are you know who actually do their prayers. You know what they pray five times a day? What's that? For God not for God not to make them like the Christian and the Jews. 
Well, these, these guys down here are really backslidden investigating. <laughs> and, and, and yet Jews, according to rabbinic tradition and rabbis even today, are allowed to pray in their mosques, right? And they are not, but yet Jews are not um, allowed to enter into a church. Now, tell me what this sounds like. If I read something to you, so the Quran is supposed to be the word of Allah from eternity, right? So sans creation, no creation in existence, right? Just Allah twirling his thumbs, right? And that, in you know, not, not knowing what to do. Um, here's what he thought of. In chapter 33, verse 53, tell me, is this an alter ego? Um, and even Aisha says, you know, Allah seems so, he always hastens to um, give your demands or to, uh, you know, give you a reply. Often he's always hastening to give you a verse to, uh, you know, to be able to give others whenever you request. He's always hastening to his request. Look at what he's saying in Surah 33, verse 53. Oh, you who believe, do not enter the house of the prophet, the houses of the prophet, except when permission is given to you for a meal without awaiting its preparation. But when you are invited, then enter. And when you have eaten, then disperse and not seek to remain for a conversation. Indeed, that was a troubling, indeed, that was troubling the prophet. And he is shy of dismissing you, but Allah is not shy of the truth. And when you ask them for anything, then ask them, meaning the wives, ask them from behind a screen that is pure for your hearts and their hearts, and not is for you that you trouble the messenger of Allah, and not that you should marry his wives after him ever. Indeed, that is in near Allah and enormity. And verse 57, a few verses later, says, Indeed, those who annoy Allah and His Messenger, Allah has cursed them in the world and the, and the hereafter and prepared for them a punishment of humiliating, humiliation. So this is what Allah was thinking about. This is uh, the final word of Allah, I guess. He seems very huggable. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, I gotta take off, but uh, fun as always. Steph, have fun with baby. Um, I'll be good to chat as always. Always, man. Uh, good to see you. Too. Chris, Chris is obviously in a hole somewhere talking on the phone. So trying to fix computers or like the big machine or something. <laughs> so see you, Michael. Yeah, cheers, everybody. <clears throat> In Sahih al-Bukhari 6924, Allah's Messenger said, I have been ordered to fight the people till they say, La ilaha, Allah ilaha, which means none has the right to be worshipped but Allah. And whoever says, La ilaha, ilaha Allah, Allah will save his property and his life from him. Suhi Muslim 30 says, It is reported on the authority of Abu Huraira that the Messenger of Allah said, I have been commanded to fight against people so as long as they do not declare that there is no God but Allah, and he who professed it was guaranteed the protection of his property and life on my behalf, except for the right and his affairs rest with Allah. 
and on and on. I got a bunch of, and this is all from like Suda 929, Suda 95. The the point in these is to, um, there's three stages of, um, of, of Islam. There's a stage where you are not in the, you know, where, where you're, what do you call it? Where you're not in the upper hand, right? So you're the minority in wherever you dwell. So therefore live peaceable amongst the people. Now, when the, uh, the balance of power is becoming more balanced, push and be pushed, right? Or when you're pushed, push back hard, right? And then there's the third, uh, there's the third, what do you call it? The third stage. And that's, when you have the upper hand, subjugate until they pay jizya, right? Or say that there is no God but Allah. Or 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 and, and behead them, strike their heads, strike at their heads. So hey, I got a question on, on yeah. their scriptures. Like what what is the, the, the transmission history of their scripture? Like because from what a little bit I understand, like the Quran wasn't written in Muhammad's lifetime, like, <laughs> like, and and then too, what are the divisions of it? Is it is it broke up? Because I I've heard it's like the Book of Proverbs. I'm not really sure. Yeah, so 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 not so it's not like like broken up like in in, in that sense. Uh, the different chapters represent the uh, the different times in history, which would be confirmed by the hadiths, right? So the final chapter, which is the march to war, would be chapter nine, right? And this is where you get like fight those, chapter nine, verse 29, fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden and which had been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth from among the people of the book until they pay jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. Right now, this is Ibn Kathir, volume four, 405. This honorable ayah, chapter nine, verse 29, was revealed with the order to fight the people of the book. After the pagans were defeated, the people entered Allah's religion in large numbers, and the Arabian Peninsula was secured under the Muslims' control. Allah commanded his messenger to fight the people of the scriptures, Jews and Christians, on the ninth year of Hijarah. And he prepared his army to fight the Romans and called the people to jihad, announcing his intent and destination. Alright. Yeah. And another and another thing is. You know, in our Bible, it teaches that we love because God first loved us. In the Quran, it teaches that Allah, you first have to love Allah in order for Allah to love you. Allah doesn't love anyone who does not love him first. And even his love, the greatest relationship you can ever have to Allah would be slave to master. And Muhammad huge racist if you were to call him black off with your head you'd be done 
You would, you would. Isn't there a regulation in the Quran, or maybe it's in one of the hadiths, that if you are a Middle Eastern Muslim woman, you need to cover your head so as not to be a temptation. But if you're a black woman, you don't because you're not tempting. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Fine. I don't know what they talking about. Always <laughs> real good looking. Well, Allah does not yeah. think so. Yeah, or 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 Muhammad for for, for that for that matter, right? I'll, I'll read you. I guess some of uh, this is out of their own traditions, right? In in regards to how um, how Muhammad and Allah feels about those who are uh, black, right? And this is what's going on. This is what it is. Now look at this. Let me pull it up. Okay, comparative. Okay, so so here it says right here. Okay, in in Al Imran three one o six. On the day when faces will be whitened and some faces will be blackened. And as for those whose faces have been blackened, it will be said to them, Disbelieved ye after your profession of belief. Taste punishment for ye disbelieved. Another In another place, notice this. This is Al-Tirmidhi, uh, Hadith number 38. And notice what it says. Allah's Messenger said, Allah created Adam when he had to create him and he struck his right shoulder and there emitted from it white offspring as if they were white ants. He struck his left shoulder and there emitted from it the black offsprings as if they were charcoal. He then said to those who had been emitted from the right shoulder for paradise and I do not mind. Then he said to those who were who had been admitted from his left shoulder, they are for hell, and I do not mind. You guys oh, catch that? Right. <laughs> I'm just laughing at your comment. All right. Now, <clears throat> the apostle said, whoever wants to see Satan, let him take a look at Nabtil al-Harith. He was a sturdy black man with long flowing hair, inflamed eyes, and dark ruddy cheeks. That's who, uh, that's who, uh, what's his name? Muhammad said Satan was a black man. Now, oh. but you know, not now, yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure they have to have rebuttal for this. Like, like what would their rebuttal be? Well, no, number one, the Sunnis. Th these are their traditions, right? So, th so this is this is quoting. This isn't quoting out of Christian sources, but straight out of their own sources. So they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to deal with you. Like for example, narrated Jabir ibn Abdullah, right? This is Sahih Muslim, Book Ten. This is all. The, th these are Sahih. These are Sahih hadiths, meaning like these aren't weak hadiths. These are legitimate, uh, strong hadiths. They're Sahih. Sahih Muslim, Book 10, number 3901, narrated Jabir ibn Abdullah, there came a slave and pledged allegiance to Allah's apostle. On migration, he, the prophet, did not know that he was a slave. 
Then there came his master and demanded him back, whereupon Allah's apostle said, Sell him to me. And he bought him for two black slaves, and he did not afterwards take a uh, allegiance from anyone until he had uh, asked him whether he was a slave or a free man. So notice, two black slaves would equal to that one slave in which... Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm saying what you're saying, I, that corroborates with a little bit I understand. I was, um, we were at a, a di- what we call a district meeting within our church, and I had a chance to meet one of our missionaries from West Africa, who who is a Canadian by nationality. Uh, uh, and you may say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, of course, he speaks French, being a uh, Canadian he, uh, fluently, and so it makes him prime to do ministry in West Africa. And so in that area, there's, of course, I think he said a lot of strong Muslim influence. And one of the most controversial questions you can ask in that area is, especially when he has to travel in the area and, you know, deal more with some of the uh, Arab Muslims. He was, he was asking like, well, where are all the black people? Uh, You know, because of the slave trade, like they, they took way more than uh, the transatlantic. And he said, it's, it, it always causes a very awkward conversation because, you know, he, he, he's very Canadian. So, a lot of things with race at times, I don't think he was saying like he really just didn't get as much, but he said he was kind of rudely awakened because he was like, somebody told him like, don't ask that again because you're going to make conversations awkward because he said apparently they castrated them all or killed them all, one of the two. Right, right, man. Because it was, you know, we, we don't focus on it because it didn't really uh, hit home with what took place here in America with the transatlantic trade slave. And plus it was such a long time ago, right? That it tends to be forgotten, but man, bro, that's really, that was a really, really, really bad time. And I've noticed what, again, Muhammad says, Muhammad says, uh, and here's the narrations, Ahmed ibn Abi Sulyaman, the companion of Sanun said, anyone who says that the prophet was black should be killed. Right, and again, whoever that's, says that's the no prophet, misunderstanding. I mean, it, this is as clear as day. So, what I want to do here, so I, I would like, I'm, you know, I want you to save this. Uh, I want you to save this, you know, and just take a look at it. I want to give you guys the sources and just and just check it out, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pin it right up here. I I, I am curious. I guess I'm wondering, like, why was Muhammad so racist? Because uh, so I guess some of the modern constructs of race that we have based on uh, skin color may not. I'm not sure if it was always such a thing as it is in the uh, ancient or medieval world. So I guess I'm wondering, like, what what does he like? What really so triggered him about that? Um, man, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you, bro. If you look at his fetishes and who he says is going to be in heaven, I'm pulling it up. This guy was in love with white blonde woman. Right here comes like here comes the blondes, right? 
uh, demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, this guy here, stay at home, surely in the temptation that thus barely all of this layer of them who grant me. Okay, so here's here's Tafsir al Jal Ayn, right? And this is and this was composed uh, to censure Jad B Quays. And what he did is he asked Muhammad for permission to stay behind and not join in the Muslim horde as they planned to march out against the Byzantine Empire in a place called Tabuk. His excuse was that he was afraid that he wouldn't be able to constrain himself from committing sexual immorality with the Byzantine woman, right? And, and here's what he said, behind and do not leave me in the temptation Notice, and there and there are some of them who say, grant me leave to stay behind and do not lead me into temptation. This was Al-Jadbi Quays, to whom the prophet said, will you do battle against the Byzantines? And to which he replied, I am infatuated with woman, and I fear that if I were to see the Byzantine woman, I shall not be able to stay away from them and be led into temptation. God exalted be he, says, surely they have fallen into temptation by staying behind a variant reading. As the squad he has fallen, and surely hell shall encompass the disbelievers for whom there shall be no escape thereof. Uh, now, it's funny in him saying that this is where he starts allowing, right? Uh for them to i mean it, it gets really bad bro and then it talks about like the yellow blondes like this means do not trouble me with the sight of the woman the yellow i.e blondes and their daughters and it goes on over and over again about like these women that were blonde haired and they were white and they were just absolutely infatuated by them <laughs> well i guess theirs is diversity uh <laughs> which uh, I mean that's I, I mean it's and, and I guess I've always not to pivot on interracial relations but I guess may, may, maybe it was something about some of the because did he say that well he okay I, you did say he said that about black women because I said well maybe that's why he was upset he did like uh, I, that, that is that is that is crazy that he he uh, one he didn't have that much self control but then too is like that's that's wild, man. That is really wild. That is, that's wild. <laughs> right. And and look, and this is where like the following text comes into place. And this is by Wahi Hududin Khan, where in Surah four twenty four, which is where uh, Muta is practiced, and Muta Muta is um, those who engage in prostitution right so war captive so it says also forbidden are married women except those who have passed into your right hands as prisoners of wars right and that's aisha Bully says also married women except for those who have taken in war as slaves except the bond women that you that come to your own except the wives of disbelievers who come into your possession as as women and then I then it really goes into all of this and how um, how they practice intercourse. 
uh, with while their husbands were still alive, like were reluctant. Yeah, it's real. It's really bad, bro. Unlike, unlike, for example, in chapter thirty-one, verse eighteen of Numbers, right? Speaking of the girls that didn't harlot themselves, right, to idolatry and to sexual, um, sexual idolatry, like, and didn't entice the Israelites to fall into that, right? God, God, God gave a decree in his infinite wisdom that these ones that didn't engage you, right, in this sexual immorality, that didn't engage you and entice you in these, uh, you know, sexual idolatry. It's it's amazing the wisdom of uh, God in light of what we're reading here in the Quran, because it it says in <clears throat> it says in Deuteronomy twenty one ten to fourteen, when you go out to war against your enemies and you, the Lord your God delivers them into your hand and you take them captive and you see among the captives a beautiful woman. And desire her and would take her for your wife. Notice the wisdom behind uh, behind what God does. Then you shall bring her home to your house. And she shall shave her head and trim her nails. Right? She shall put off the clothes of her captivity. Remain in your house and mourn her father and mother for a full month. After that you may go into her and be your husband. And she shall be your wife. And it shall be, if you have no delight in her, then you shall set her free. But you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her brutally because you have humbled her. So the wisdom behind the Lord in giving this command is this. If you're lusting after a woman or after a war captive, right? After you just, uh, the Israelites just destroyed these, you know, whatever pagan nation was, uh, you know, opposing them. And a woman of captivity was left for an Israelite to take for himself to make sure that that Israelite wasn't lusting after her. If he truly desired her, then he used to take her to his own home, take off her garments of slavery and put on new garments, uh, clip her nails and shave her head bald. Why? Because she won't look as, she won't be, you know, if you're an Israelite looking at a woman like that, you won't be lusting after her because a woman with a shaved head, you know, a woman that has completely uh, and, and then allow her to mourn for her parents for what? One whole month after that month. If you still desire that woman, then you can go and make her your wife because with her shaved head bald with her nails trimmed, all that kind of stuff, and after a month you're still desiring her, then it's not from a place of lust, but it's a it's from a place of uh, sincerity and purity. Yeah, hey, that's, that's wow. So there's a good so brother, Matt. God bless you, Matt. So it's moral. It's moral then to rape a woman. Uh, is it moral there to rape a woman? Why would it be yeah. moral to rape a woman? Well, you just said it was. Uh, no, I didn't. So you're not listening. You're assuming. Yeah. But also, I would ask this. Number one. Does it say any, anything anyone, about consent? It doesn't I, I, say anyone, anything about consent. Anyone, well, hold on one second. You, you asked a question. You asked a question. 
right? So in order for me to answer your question, you're going to have to, you're going to have to allow me to answer it. Is that okay with you? Do you mind if I answer it? In Deuteronomy 22, when it speaks about uh, a woman being raped, notice what it says in Deuteronomy 22. If we read from 22 and on, it says, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die, the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from uh, Israel. So meaning if a man lies with a woman who's married and the woman also uh, commits adultery, right? That's the point. They are yeah, both to be put adultery. to death. That's adultery. That's not rape. Yeah. So I'm going to get there. You got to be Would patient. Like to answer the question? Yeah. You got, yeah. You're going to be patient. If a young woman is a virgin who is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Uh, because the young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, meaning if she was betrothed to another man. And again, you commit the same thing. Now, verse 25 says, but if That's a man a finds a crime, That's a property yeah, crime. But if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her, notice forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. So that's the rape right there no, so, in regards to 25. Right. So I wasn't asking about any of those. I was asking about the woman who's a slave, who has a sh shaved head and trimmed nails. It says mm -hmm. that he can go into her and make her his wife, right? Yeah, and, 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 make her, about, and make her the wife. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about consent. Um, yeah, you're not, you're not, number one, you're not forceful. You're not forcing it. And number two, my question to you, you can't. Yeah, now, now my question to you would be this, is it, is it evil? Uh, I think it's wrong. To well, no, is it, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, is it evil? Yeah, I don't think evil exists. Okay. So then on evil, what basis? Evil to you yeah, is, a, so then, is a spiritual, is a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that spiritual, uh, spiritual things exist. Uh, uh, people, people uh, violate laws and norms of society. Yeah. So, so I, I still want so to get how to are you, where so how is are you, the consent. So how are you grounding, so how are you grounding it yeah, as wrong this is a different on, question. on what basis? So, so Brenda, on what basis are you grounding it as wrong? What is your standard in which you judge? Uh, I'm, I'm not asking those questions. I'm asking. No, no, I'm asking you. Does, I'm interested. I understand you. I understand you're interested in shifting the goalposts. No, no, no. I'm asking you because you're asking. Yeah, I know. You I it, asked you a question. You haven't answered it yet. You said it's wrong, and I'm asking you on what grounds do you say it's yeah, wrong? I, What's your standard of I'm not asking that question. I'm not asking that question. I'm, I'm asking, asking you the question. You, yeah, I don't care. I'm asking about consent. Well, I do care. Where does the consent where does on the consent what, of that on woman what come grounds, in? On what grounds do you find it wrong? I'm just curious. Do you need the consent of the slave? Do you need I'm her consent? I'm asking you, on what grounds would you find it wrong? Yeah, I, I, or it's not do the you question. Find, or would you find it good? That's Out not the question. That's not the question. Do you need after the consent you ask, of the slave? After you answer, no, I what's asked your you first. standard in judgment? I asked you first, and you're What's desperately your running That's fine. away. What's your standard in Run judgment? away, Colonel, run away. Run away. 
You said it's wrong. I'm simply asking you on what I'm standard do you about, base the judgment? Yeah, I'm so asking have, about so consent. No standard. Uh, let's say I don't have any 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 standards. Mm -hmm. I'm asking about okay. The so then, so then, whether it's right or wrong, what does it matter? Because you already said okay. it's wrong, I to, right? I have to check the oven. I'll be right back. I'm still here. I had to step away for a moment. I had a, I had to get up and uh, go go to Home Depot to get a snake because I think my son put something in the toilet, and it's bagging up. So I'm at the, I had to fix that by hand rather than pay three hundred or so dollars. <laughs> and while I was driving there, my tire went out. So <laughs> then I was like, wait a minute, this is this is quite a day. So I just got that fixed. Now I'm I'm off to do what I meant to do when I got up this morning to try to get that fixed so this is this is fun yeah so i apologize it looks it looks like it looks I, like you got your hands full. yeah i apologize I oh should yeah know better than, i should know better than to put things on the stove when i'm getting into these conversations but apparently i don't i don't know better but still my question goes to consent does is this consent of the slave required now i'm i'm asking you on what basis, because you already said it's wrong, I'm just out of curiosity, on what basis are you saying it's right or wrong, whether or not the consent is uh, the consent is required yeah. or yeah, not? I have I'm no basis. Curious. I have no foundation for my for my morality. Then why would you say then why would you say it's wrong? Uh, I, I'm so that was a mistake. Because it's not I, wrong. So so I'm okay, just so asking. it's not wrong. So then why so are you I'm asking ask, the question? I'm just asking so what, so what does it matter? So it's, I'm just asking: Is the consent of the slave? No. Required? So what does it matter if there's so if no it the consent? No cons well, why are you asking if it doesn't is, matter? Are you saying no the consent? No, that's not what I'm saying. Not, because well, I, I want that's what you I, I want to no 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 I want to know simply this: Why I, I are you asking you, the question? I told you I'm an immoral atheist. I have no moral foundations. Right. Then why would you why would you label yourself I, I as just, immoral? On I just what want basis to know. Do you label yourself as immoral. I just want to know. I just want to know. Yeah, but on what basis do you label yourself as a as yeah, an I, immoral? I'm just curious. I, I, I just am. I just am. I'm evil. Okay, so what's I'm your standard in judging atheist. yourself? I'm evil. I'm an atheist. I have no moral foundations. I just okay. want to know. I just so, want to know so if, again, the, if the when consent. You say that, I'm just curious. When you yeah. say that, on what basis are you judging yourself? Keep dodging. Keep dodging. The question is, is the consent of the slave required? Again, what does it matter? Why are you asking? Because you're not sincere in asking the question. So why would I take the time and answer a fool according to his folly? The question is, is the consent again, of the slave I'm gonna, required? I'm gonna, again, and you can just run again, away and I'm, dodge. I'm ask, no, you no, can no, run again, away and dodge. Asking, hey, Brenda. So, so, what does it matter? Well, wait, Brenda, um, how much do you know about human history and the structures of slavery and power within civilizations, particularly ancient civilizations? Um, I'm not well read. Up so I can that. tell, right? No. 
So asking a question in 2023. Well, well, wait well a then minute, maybe you can minute. ask you the I'm question to, for I'm not me. Patient like Albie. Okay. Albie. Okay. So when you're asking a question like this and you are standing here in 2023 as your, you know, devout, enlightened, moral atheist or immoral atheist, whatever. And you're saying I'm the an evil, immoral. I'm an evil. Hey, I'm Brenda, you gotta let trash. gotta let her finish. My it's goodness, just talking, dude. It's just talk like talk like people talk. Brenda, shush, shush. But, but why I, can't okay, you just so talk like people talk? Your self control is showing that you lack it. All right. So, Brenda, when you're standing here in 2023 and you're and you're looking back on ancient cultures that you have no inkling of anything about how they wrote, what they ate, how battles looked, what structure their civilization, their government was, how they conversed with each other, what men said to each other around the fire after a battlefield, uh, after a battle was over. You cannot then sit there in your armchair in Seattle or wherever you are in your enlightened 2023 state and say, oh, what about the, hold on, hold on, I really don't want to throw you. You cannot sit there in your armchair and be like, oh, well, they were, you know, they were so stupid. They didn't care about consent of the slave. Like, it's just such a wildly ignorant, anachronistic way to look at history that the question itself is just completely silly. It's completely an utter, like, Brenda, do you understand how silly your question is? Uh, no, I don't. Can, can you see how I'm arriving at how silly your question is? No, I don't see. No, I don't see it. Okay, what questions do you have for me? Um, because this is, is this is this is like 101 history study. Is the consent of the Did I lose audio? Is the con yes, Sorry, you must go have. Ahead. is it is the consent of the slave required? Okay. So, the answer to that in the biblical context is most likely no. Okay. And I'm comfortable saying that to you. And I'm now, comfortable that okay. I'm comfortable okay. saying that that's wrong. All right. So that's the part that's silly. You're arriving at a conclusion that because today, if you owned a slave, you would ask for their consent. Okay. Because that's where your brain has gone. Then it must be wrong for an ancient person who has captured a I woman in never, battle. To, hold on, Brenda. Why dude. Can't, why can't we just be, talk? Though? Be quiet. Because I'm letting you finish sentences, and what I'm asking you to do is let me finish sentences. So what you're doing is you are thinking, how would I treat a slave if I owned one? And that's not the way to study history. You gain zero understanding that way. So your question is, it's almost like my child asking me to explain astrophysics. They have absolutely no basis, no understanding whatsoever on how to contextualize the answer I might give them, even if I'm an expert. So if you had a slave, would you do things against them that would without their consent. Well, that's the question for you. See, I'm not the one who procured this yeah. asinine question. Well, you said if I had a slave, I wouldn't, uh, you think I would ask for their consent. Well, that's not true because I would never, I would never own but a you're slave. Thinking as though, but you're just, thinking as though if you did, how would you behave? What I'm trying to do, Brenda. No, the, no, I'm not. Hold on, hold no, on. The that's not my thinking. Your, the answer to your question right now is less important than you understanding the silliness of the question. I you, don't think. You want to get an answer to this problem that you have. Your real question, Brenda, is why would a moral god not impose anachronistic morals on ancient peoples? That's your real question. No, but you're not seeing that is, that's your question. 
No, my real question is, in the in the Bible, that that shaven, uh, nail pired uh, woman, is it re- does it require her consent for for her? Yeah, you were given an answer. Her? Probably not. Is the answer the answer is okay. no? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's reprehensible. Well, what you think is utterly and completely silly because it's wildly uninformed. But you're you're Why? completely you're you're neglecting that part of. Well, I my, want you to hear an answer to your actual question, Brenda. But my, but my oh, answer on. I'm say this. I'm going to say this one more time because th- this is kind of what you do a lot, where you come in and you have like a gotcha question, and then you want to corner the Christian. But the the question that you're asking is actually much much more important. The question you're asking is, how do we worship a God who didn't Im- who didn't impose anachronistic morals on an ancient civilization? Um, I don't know that uh, requiring consent is anachronistic. Is it? Why wouldn't Why would that not be? Are morals Are morals time sensitive? Are they culture sensitive? Right? Yeah. Okay, so they are culture sensitive, but they're not time sensitive. Right. Oh, okay. Well. I don't know how to respond to that. Do, do, would you support? Would you support the reintroduction of slavery in the United States? See, that's another asinine question. Why is that? Well, asinine? why are you asking it's it? It's biblical, because it's biblical. Slavery is not biblical. This is again the. You just, you just so, read so how you, you can how you can force a woman to marry you without her consent. So what Albie just did was he? I'm going to invite you up in just a second, Bubby. What Albie just did was he walked you. Oh, Bubby's here. He walked you through this entire thing about the context, why this was a mercy, why this was sort of somewhat unique to this civilization, you know, where other, um, where other men on other battlefields and other cultures were allowed to rape and pillage and take and slaughter, the ancient Israelites were given these guidelines, okay? So now we have a God who's working within the, con- a loving God who's working within the construct of a certain culture in a ter- certain time period to give women rights, which in itself was anachronistic. But here you are in 2023 saying, what an evil, reprehensible, immoral God. But what I'm trying to show you is that you have no content. You didn't listen to anything Albie said. And your question still is, haha, your God is bad because he doesn't understand consent. Like, uh, you see I, how I, didn't, silly I never said is. God was bad. I said, I just find that that kind of that kind of, those kinds of laws to be reprehensible. I don't think it's okay to uh, marry a woman, even to have a slave in the first place. That's already wrong. So if not? you were in this culture, okay, if you were in this culture and you had the context of your own culture to work in, and there are cultures on this planet right now who do see that as okay, and who have people who live within that construct who are good people and people who are bad people and people who are angry people and people who are de- whatever, all, they live within this construct and they would not comprehend what you're thinking. And you would, again, apply your morals because of where you stand in time and culture yeah, onto yeah. them. And I would try to convince them that, that it's better to not have slaves than it is yeah, to have Yeah, and depending slaves. on the situation, better, you may but... be laughed out of the out of the culture. Like, the, And this is the thing. No, that's fine. This is not transatlantic American slavery in a post-modern humanist enlightened world, okay? This is ancient Near East warring cultures and laws set out to protect slaves. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think There's that those laws answer. are wrong. I think they're still wrong. Oh, so they should have behaved like everyone else and just raped them on the side of the road I and think, left them. I think God should have told them that you shouldn't have any slaves at all. Right. So if this story happened in 2023, America, God may have said that, but it didn't, so, did it? 
So God's morals change with time. No, your understanding of history is laughable. That's well, the last thing I'll history, say. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about God's Your entire morals. question, the way you're framing it, is about history. Are you actually asking the question that I posed earlier, which is how can a good God do such a thing? Because I think that's your actual question. Wait, actually, can I hop in yeah, here go for ahead, a second? When, you say, when you're saying that you think like what God did is, uh, is bad or what he could have done instead... Under what moral grounds are you making those assertions off of to measure whether your decision is better than his? No, I just think it's better. Under on what grounds? And on my, I just, I just think it hap- It would, it's better. That's all. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I mean, that, that's just, that, that's that's not very substantive. Like, can you give me a yeah, reason as to? What's better? No, it's just my, it's just my preference. I, I, I simply prefer, and I think that it's better for everybody involved because I care about everybody involved. That, that societies are not own slaves. I think that's, yeah, that's why, better. Why is, why, why is it bad that society it's, owns slaves? Uh, because I think it harms people, and I don't like it when people harm people. I just don't like I just don't like it. I just don't like it. No, no, it, it's cool that you just don't like it, but why yeah. is it a bad thing? Well, that's what that's what bad is, is, is just I don't like it. That's, yeah, what, what is the reasoning for you not liking it? <laughs> That's just, All that's not reasoning. It's not reason. Right? It's not reasoning. It, it's, it's, it's emoting. Uh, I have emotional um, uh, responses to these things. And, and um, I, I think it's, it's better when I, I like it when societies uh, don't own slaves and don't go out of their way to harm people. Yeah. See, that's great. But like, if you say you'd try to go up to people like that tribe or whatever and convince those cultures, yeah. that it'd be, but no, 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 hold up. That it'd be a bad thing or whatever, right? I understand that. But you're going to have yeah. a real difficult time if the only reason you have is, I don't, man, I don't like it. Like, you need some re- some yeah. grounds behind it. Can you explain? I don't think you do. It's I don't just think like you do. straight colonialism is what it, like, that's what Brenda is advocating for here is these are my morals that yeah. I like. So I yeah. feel comfortable going to any yeah, culture right. and imposing. All right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that, that, um, some of the morals that I have are are, are good, and other people should adopt. Why? And I think what, what, what uh, does good mean? It's just my preference. They're just my preferences. No, what what does good mean? It just means my preferences. Okay. So good simply aligns aligns with my 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 duties and my desires. It just aligns with my desires. Uh huh. So good is just subjective to whatever you think it is. It's relative. I'm not a subjectivist. I'm relative. So it's relative to my cultural um, and evolutionary uh, history. Well, I mean, if we're going at the stance that that's how you're going to take it, if some if somebody like me, for example, takes your exact same viewpoint, what if from my history and culture, I'm like, you know what? Slavery is actually kind of poggers, dude. Yeah. You know what? I actually like slavery. And my yeah. reasoning is because I like it. And it's because yeah. of my yeah. culture and my background. Is that valid reasoning? Yeah. Uh, that's not reasoning. It's just it's just backing up your emotions. Wait, it's that's just what emotions. you just did. No, so I think that I would advocate against you. That's what I would do. And if now, necessary, now, I would fight you're if advocating- if necessary, I would fight you. So wait, okay. So Brenda, wait, in that situation where Bobby... if you're fighting against me, wait one second. I'm sorry, Seth. This is this last part. Last part. Okay. If you're fighting against me, yet you yourself cannot cross the ought gap as to why ought it be bad, why ought it be good. I, I, I'm not. What makes you think you can argue any point of it? You can't cross any of the ought gaps. Not arguing. Convincing. 
my fight a fight isn't arguing. My fight is you is pushing, my, that you would argue with the people as to why it was. Oh, negative. I would argue with you. Yes, I would try to convince. I would show you that societies prosper better when, and uh, and don't you prefer um, economically uh, societies without slavery do better economically? And, and it's simply not in the ancient world. They didn't. Yeah. Well, they starved yeah. and died. So, no, so if you advocated for certain cultures in the ancient world to not have slavery, you'd have tons of people starving and dying. So, no, I don't think so. what's good? That, oh, you don't. Oh, you don't think no, so? I don't think. I don't oh, think so. Okay. No. They could have just I, developed uh, like a sense do, of modern do, capitalism, do mind if I, right? Like they, you know, they could have, they could have just developed here. capitalism in, in in ancient Greece, and then they would have been fine. That's do, the do colonial. Like that's the that's the silly pit you're falling well, here, into. Here, do you mind if I ask Sorry, him a yeah, question real quick? Okay, so. Yahweh was known as the bridegroom, right? And Israel was his bride. Now, if God says, and God does say, either turn to Christ and be saved or spend an eternity apart from his presence, paying for your own sins, right? In hellfire, right? In judgment. Would you think that's fair? Uh, no, I don't think that's fair. Okay. So this is exactly what's going on with the Israelite who just slaughtered these nations, right? These nations, if you want to look at their sins, which are listed in Leviticus 18, these nations who burned and who, you know, gave children sacrifices to their uh, gods. Well, we kind incest. of only have I'm, the, I'm not done talking yet. We only have the... Hold on one second. Yeah, who sacrificed um, onto their gods by offering their children, who committed bestiality, men sleeping with men, women sleeping with women, father sleeping with daughter, daughter sleeping with uh, father, uh, what is it, brother, or what is it, son sleeping with mother. It was that type of nations that were slaughtered. Now, amongst those, there were the pure who weren't defiled, which would be the young. Now, would you rather have those young girls in the midst of the wilderness, no one to care for them, no one to um, oversee them, or to be joined to Israel, to have a husband and worship the God in which salvation only comes through him because all other gods, including your God, is a pagan God in which you have hoard yourself onto, Brenda. Yeah, I don't have a God. Oh, so yeah, no, you, you, know, you do. Your God is yourself because you're no, making no, your no, own no. standards over here. Well, That's this doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't feel right That's to me. Lie. My friend, you are your own God. No, I'm in not. Which, I'm not. Yes, you are. In which you're Trust admitting me. your own judgments. Yes, you are. Did you not just Did you not just admit your own judgments on what is right and what is wrong? Yeah. Okay, so you did so based on no standard, making yourself a God onto yourself, no. thinking... You that's know, not what a God is. Yeah, that's not thinking what a God you is. know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Thinking no, you no, know, thinking no, you know what's best. So that's exactly the contrast. It's either Israel, the husband, will take her for herself and care for her after a month, or right, let her just whatever happens to her in the, in the wilderness happens to her in the wilderness. You see, you're the one that's being unfair. So to begin with, uh, you started off with. You're simply uh, about the crimes of the community of the nations around uh, ancient Israel. Um, we only have the Israeli perspective, 
right? Their perspective is different than that. Hmm. So the conquerors, the conquerors um, had their perspective and it's highly skewed. It's highly biased, right? So I don't, so their perspective oh, might be a little bit different. You know what? I'll take the words of Christ who resurrected from the grave in which he appeared to over 500 people and over 120 witnessed him uh, ascend into the clouds, right? And into heaven to be enthroned. I'll take his testimony, which is a fact of history that he resurrected that's, from the grave. Over, that's not a fact. Over, that's over not a fact. Field. Absolutely it is. It's no, a fact so, of history. So the ancient Israelis didn't know anything about Christ. Uh, what do you mean? Of course they did. No, they didn't. Yes. They read didn't. 1 Corinthians chapter anything. 10, verse 1 through they 4. didn't know Read Christ. Hebrews chapter. Hold on. I'm giving you verses. Read Hebrews chapter uh, 11, 23 to 27. Right, which Moses saw the sufferings of Christ as greater riches than those of suffering with uh, with Egypt, right? Yeah, it doesn't First say Christ, does it? It doesn't no, no. say Christ, does it? You're lying, aren't what you? What do you mean? Why would You're it lying, have to, aren't hold you? On, hold on, why would it have to say Christ? Well, it means then, the person. It means the person of Christ. This is common sense. Now, now. what does it actually say? Do I have say? to bring you? Do I have to bring you to this elementary as well? What does it, it says, actually say it instead of what Christ. you lied about? You lied about it. You gave no, false it witness. First you Corinthians false 10, witness 1 through 4. Hebrews chapter 11, 23 to 27. And you're saying, oh, Christ wasn't there. Christ wasn't there. Well, if that's your understanding, 1 Corinthians 8, 6 puts Christ in the beginning when creation came into existence through him. Yeah, but the, it but says, yet for us, there is God the Father of whom Albie, I understand that point. And we for him, listen, yet for us there is one God the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things, and through whom but we the live. the ancient Israelites didn't know about that. because Of course that, they did. No, they didn't. No, that doesn't say that they knew. Who do you says, think wrote that, Brenda? Who do you think wrote that? Uh, somebody in the first or second century did. Corinthians, wasn't it Paul? Uh, yeah, so Paul, so yeah. Paul wrote yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, so the ancient Israelites didn't know anything about Paul. The ancient, Is the ancient Here, Israelites the didn't genius. know about Paul. Here's the genius of Brenda now. This is the genius of atheism. The ancient Israelites didn't know anything about Paul. Why well, did they? they? Know, why would they have to know something about Paul? Because <laughs> he was because he was the one that wrote that. They wouldn't know about Christ. How would <laughs> they know about Christ before before he was on Earth? Because of the prophecies about him in the Old Testament. But how would they know about Christ I, I before he was because he was there? Question. Let me allow me to answer the question. And good morning to everyone. Good morning, brother. The answer is simple. The ancient Israelites knew about Christ because they knew of the prophecies about him throughout the Old Testament. You mean about Melchizedek? Melchizedek or whatever, however that's pronounced? No, not, not necessarily. That, that is not the only, 14, that is not the only prophecy. Where in the Old Testament? Testament? Where in the Old Testament is Christ mentioned? What do you mean, Christ mentioned by name, Christ? Yes. Okay, go to Psalm two two. 
You tell me. No, no, no. You're asking. Yeah. Where is where? I, I just told you Psalm two two. What's it say? I'll give you another one. No. Well, you're asking. You go do your homework. Daniel chapter no, nine. No. So you're not going to say. You're such an obvious liar. It's not I'm a lie. Yeah, I read Daniel still... nine where it gives the, the, the Hebrew term Messiah or Mashiach, which you translated yeah. into the English as Christ. He's Hold not on, lying. Yeah, but that that's so, not so that's Brenda, not Christ. Brenda, Brenda Messiah. Brenda. Listen. Hold on just a second, Sean. You're playing some so, 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 Brenda, um, if you're going to be up and ask a Christian again, you're going to have to be a little more charitable and patient and kind of like human, uh, which might be a little bit difficult for you. So if you're going to ask these questions, then I'd like you to wait for the response. And if you have another thoughtful question that's actually going to benefit you, wait until the person is done responding to you and then ask it again. If you're going to sling poop like you always do when you get on a stage, I'm going to move you down. Well, I like to have conversations where there's back and forth and not Yes, monologues. but what you also like to do is just to really annoy people until they remove you and then you cry about it. I so ask that, difficult so listen, questions. So this is, this is a room that I'm in. You don't ask difficult questions. You ask silly questions. And Albie and Sean are being kind enough to entertain you. If they were not here, you'd be You gone. run away so from the please, questions. You please, have I, pl okay. I did not run away from the question. I obliterated you earlier. No, okay? you didn't. I, if, you wanna, if you want to actually learn, then I'd like you to sit here and listen to the questions. If you're going to fling poo, I'm going to remove you. That's your fair warning. Go ahead, Sean. Thank you. I just explained to you from Daniel 9 how the word Messiah is the transliteration of the Hebrew Mashiach, which is, to, which is translated into the Greek as Christos, was just translated into the English as Christ. Yeah, but the Jews are still no waiting question. for Messiah. The Jews are still waiting for their Messiah no, I gave you because the Jesus, Jesus I gave you the did not fulfill the but, prophecy. Okay, Isaiah fifty-three. Oh, well, well, Jesus was cut off from his people, according to Daniel nine. And how was he cut off? What the crucifixion? The, the crucifixion the Messiah. is in Psalm two. What else? What else? The crucifixion is shown in Isaiah fifty-three. So I, that's three sources. That's if three you talk, sources. you talk to somebody like Tobias Singer or somebody like that. I'm not doing to, Jews, I don't. Yeah, I the know Jews do Singer, not consider. Tobias Singer is not me. Well, he's a Jew. I he's know. a Jew. Wait, a, a, a apostle. Okay, I know. And like apostle, personally. allow me to he's ask a, him. He's a, a Jew. Apostle, <laughs> Paul, one second. Allow that, me to that, ask him. That, that apostle, and one second. Jews. Hold Jews on, do second, not consider the Messiah to have yeah. been fulfilled. So out of curiosity, Brenda, what Jews are you talking about? Because there's many Jews like Dr. Tobias. Michael Brown, Dr. Uh, Raldenic, or um, what about the first century Jews? What about second century, third century, fourth century? What about for the past 2,000 years in every generation, there's been uh, a remnant of Jews being joined themselves to Christ? What Jews are you talking about, number one? Number two? Tovia Singer, right? Bring me his arguments and grab your Bible, and then let's go to and let's. He's talk all about over it. the. He's all over the internet, I I and he makes very good arguments. Now, why do you think he, he doesn't? He makes, does Michael Brown put him in his place, just like you're being put in your place? So, so he makes very good arguments that, oh, from the Jewish well, point of they? view, what from are the Jewish, they? excuse me, from the Jewish point of view, what are they? The, excuse me, from the Jewish point of view. 
I'm you know, asking you. Excuse bring me. Bring me an me. argument. Excuse me. I was. Bring I me was an wish, argument. Excuse me. I, I would like to finish my sentences. You you demand that I wait for you. Then yes, you should wait for me. Bring me an argument. You're saying he makes no, good excuse arguments. Excuse me. Give me one excuse argument. Excuse me. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Bring I'm speaking. me one argument that he because you said he makes good arguments. You judged him. Therefore, Brenda, because you said he brings good arguments, I'd like you to please give me one of his arguments. You said he brings good arguments, or are you just uh, speaking out of your, um, you know, out of your rear? Uh, Brenda, I muted you like 30 seconds ago, just so you know. Oh, so if you want me to respect you, you have to return that. So no, no, please, we need you to respect yeah. them. No, so we're, we're good. So, so but, you don't you don't mind if I interrupt you then? Yeah, no, it's not about that because you asked. Yeah? you said you said that he well, makes which good is it? arguments. Do you want me to interrupt you or not? You, you said he makes good arguments, correct? Do you want me to interrupt you or don't you? I'm asking you one final time. You said he makes good arguments, yes. correct? Okay. Well, I, I need to should, I need to be to able to respond to you without you, you interrupting me. For you to make that judgment, you should be able to at least bring me one of his arguments. I want you. I I need. I can't because you don't allow me to speak. Okay. Now go ahead and speak. Okay. Go, Brenda. Go. Yes. So Tobias Singer makes a very good case for the fact that, according to the modern Jews and and throughout history, right, Jesus did not fulfill the prophecy. Of being of being a a conquering Messiah, right? That's not what Jesus did. He is prophesized to have conquered for the Jews to take back their land. He didn't do that. Yeah. So you said Tovia Singer made that argument, correct? Uh huh. You do you do know what Tovia Singer believes in? You do know that Tovia Singer believes in two messiahs, right? Two messiahs. Yes, two messiahs at two different advents. One of them, would, which would be the first one, it would be Messiah ben Joseph, who is going to come as priest and die. And then after that will be Messiah ben David, who then will come. So I guess their messiahs, Messiah ben Joseph doesn't come to fulfill all the things. Right? Is that what you think Jesus did? Yeah, and then, what do you mean? So, so is that what you actually, think Jesus did? Was he the so, so, Messiah Ben so Joseph? I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask Messiah Ben David. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you. Let me ask you this question real quick, Brenda. You said because the Jews rejected uh, Jesus, that's why he's he can't be the fulfillment of it. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Can somebody pull up for me Psalm 118, verse 22, please? Yeah, I can get you, Albie. Hold on. Thanks, Seth. So, Albie, I, I really need well, hold you. Hold on one second, Brenda. Wait I, your turn. Um, 118, 22. ESV, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. 118, 22. So, uh, 21, I think, you've, I think that you've answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So the stones in which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The Targum in Safaria reads, the son in whom the builders rejected. 
Can you look at Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13 to 15, please? Yep, Isaiah 8, 13. Da, 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 da. Okay, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Okay, so notice Yahweh will be that stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to Israel over and over again. Why? Because of the hardness of their hearts. Now let's go to the Talmud real quick. But that's pretty Let, vague. Hold on, you know? hold on, that's hold pretty on, vague. Hold on, hold on one second. Do you know no, when I'm the just saying that's pretty vague. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Do you know do you know when the temple was destroyed? No, I don't know. In 70 AD. Okay, the temple so Okay, I'll show you what's up. This is out of their own Talmud, Yoma 39b. 40 years before the holy temple was destroyed. This is the Jews. This is out of Yoma 39b. 40 years before the Holy Temple was destroyed, the following things happened. The lot for the young Kippur goat ceased to be supernatural. The red cord of wool that used to change to white as a symbol of God's forgiveness now remained red and did not change. And the Western candle in the candlestick in the sanctuary refused to burn continually while the doors of the Holy Temple would open of themselves. 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Minus 40 years would put it at 30 AD. What happened in history that offended God and upset him to the point where these supernatural signs that used to be signs of God's forgiveness ceased to be supernatural, right? In which the Jews themselves are recording. You don't have to guess. Here's Yoma 9, where they answer this question. Why was the first holy temple destroyed? Because of three wicked things, idol worship, adultery, and murder. But in the second temple, in which time the Jewish people were occupied studying the Torah and doing good deeds and acts of charity, why was it then destroyed? The answer is, it was because of hatred without a cause to teach you that hate without a cause is equal to these sins and that it is a serious a crime serious as a crime as the three great transgressions of idol worship adultery and murder so now in <clears throat> in 30 AD hatred without a cause was um was instituted by the israelites the question is against who who was the person or the recipient of the hatred without a cause? Now, this is over hundreds of years written in the Talmud, hundreds of years after Christ. Well, here's what they write, right? In Sanhedrin 43a, Jesus was hung on Passover Eve. Forty days previously, the herald had cried, he is being let out for stoning because he had practiced sorcery and led Israel astray and enticed them into apostasy. Whoever has anything to say in his defense, let him come and declare it as nothing was brought forward in his defense. He was hung on Passover Eve. Jesus himself says in John chapter 15, from 22 and on, it says, he says this, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. 
he who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. Are we getting to the part where the ancient Jews now the, knew about knew about Jesus yeah, Christ? Yeah, no, no. So I'm asking you. I went through all of this. You're talking about hundreds so of years after you, Christ. I'm not done yet. Excuse me. I'm not done yet. So I'm asking you this question. According to the Talmud, forty years prior to seventy A.D., hatred without a cause took place, in which supernatural signs in the temple as a sign of God's forgiveness ceased to be supernatural. What in history took place in 30 AD that angered God so much? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Are we getting to the part oh, about Brenda, the ancient Israelites? What happened in 30 AD, Brenda? You can do this. No, I, I don't know. You tell me. No, no, no. What happened in 30 AD? If you have all these questions, if you're such an expert, what's the answer to that question? Yeah, I, uh, the the um, the Temple of Israel was destroyed by the Romans. No, that's not right. That was 70. What happened, Brenda, in 30? So, so you know, AD I is know. after Jesus and BC yeah. is before. Okay, so, uh -huh. so in 30. 30 or 33 AD, what happened? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Are we getting to the part where the ancient Israelites didn't know about Christ? Can I tell him, please? Yeah, Bob. Because <laughs> I, I said that the ancient Israelites didn't we know asked about you, Christ. Brenda, we asked you a and question. you're talking about we something you, completely we, different. No, no, we're not. We yes, you are. We sat here, we asked you a question, and now we're talking about and quoting from the ancient Israelites. Yeah, this has nothing from, to do with the ancient Israelites 16, and whether or not they knew about Jesus Christ. Ancient would be 1,600 years ago, 1,700 years ago no, when this was written down. Ancient now means also, hundreds of years also, before, hundreds of also, years BC. Also, let me ask you this. You said, you said uh, what's his name? Tovia Singer made a good argument based on the, what? The Israelites rejecting Christ. And because they rejected Christ, he can't, therefore, be the Messiah. That's what you said. Then we no, that's not what script. I said. That's showed... not what I said. That is what you said. No, it's not what I said. You didn't listen. That is I what you say, said. No, it's not what I said. No, it's not. Then, then why did they reject Christ? Why do... My, why do uh, 2,000 because, years ago, because why he did didn't they reject fulfill, Christ? Because he didn't... Well, because he didn't fulfill the prophecies. Okay, so they so they killed him because they didn't he didn't fulfill the prophecy. That's why he, he wasn't him? the Messiah. The Messiah was supposed to conquer. So so wait a minute. Who, who's number one? Who's to say he didn't conquer? It's well, your think, it's your it's I your think finite understanding. I think they're the ones. Which, hold on, I'm not done yet. Listen to me. Number one, you said that he was rejected because he didn't fulfill the prophecies. Well, how do you know? He, if he could have fulfilled the prophecies or not, um, he was killed by them. My question again is why he was, was he not killed rejected? by the Jews? He was not killed by the uh, Jews. Of course, of course, he was. No, he was killed by the Romans. Yes, no, actually, he was killed by the Jews. No, the he Jews was killed were, by the Romans. Yes, in the he same was crucified way, in by the, the same Romans. way, the Cyrus, Cyrus made a decree in which he would be going 
and having the te- having uh, the temple be rebuilt, but it doesn't mean that Cyrus would go there and rebuild the temple, right? It's by the hands of others. That's all that means. So don't play foolish with me, please. Yeah, also, so the Jews did not also, crucify Jesus. Talmud, the Romans the Talmud, did. In the Talmud itself. What you're it saying says, is an anti-Semitic trope. In the trope. Talmud itself, it said that they did it in Sanhedrin 43a. So stop the nonsense. And also, the Jews rejected the uh, rejected Jesus. Well, yes, because he wasn't the, the the Messiah. No, okay. wait a minute. Friends, so then, uh, on what? So Steph, I want to ask them: On what basis then do they also reject all the prophets before them? Because a prophet, for the most part, was always persecuted and killed throughout the history of Israel. What's your story for Israel rejecting their prophets throughout the generations? I don't know. The the point is, I don't know. Is that, well, uh, I the mean, Jews, they rejected the Jews, Christ. Why the, wouldn't they? The point is, they rejected the prophets. The point, why wouldn't they reject Christ? The point, the point is that the Jews do not accept Jesus as Messiah because he was not the, the Jews Messiah. Did he did not, not accept fulfill the prophets. The prophets, as prophets again, you're de- oh, excuse me, the, uh, excuse me, Abby. Again, you're d- denying all yes. these other messianic Jews who have accepted him. Uh, no, the, the they messianic don't count, Jews right? are That's not are saying. not. Ju- Messianic Jews are not, oh, are not, not considered Jews. They're not considered Jews. Hold on, Brenda, Brenda. Okay, so if <laughs> Messianic you, Jews. Number, uh, number two, Albie, let me ask you a question. Mes- aren't, you, aren't you Middle Eastern by birth? Uh, by nationality? Uh, Assyrian, yes. Yes, okay. Uh, Syrians uh, are Assyrian, Assyrian. come from, from Shem. That he can't be anti him. Yes, you can. Uh, you can. I am a Semite. I am. Yes, I am a Semite. Yes, and blacks. What are you talking about? Yes, blacks. Blacks can be racist. Uh, um, uh, Semitics uh, can right, be anti-Semitic. Wait, before we go into Brenda's. Wheel, Homosexuals uh, can be homophobic. Okay, Brenda. So you said a couple of things that are problematic. You said the Jews didn't kill Christ. Okay? That's right. So here, here's. Oh, I say. Okay. I say then, more than then, that. And then you charged. I'll be with anti-Semitism for saying that. So if we're looking at the foremost uh, verified text, I'm going to keep muting you. Just stay off your mic for a second. If we're going to look at the foremost verified and uh, trusted text on this topic, uh, we're going to see that what we have in in the account of what happened, okay, in the multiple accounts that we have of what happened, Pilate says, I'm not going to crucify this man. I wash my hands of it, hands him over. It is clear, it is clear what happened from multiple accounts, okay? So we can say that the Romans were not the, the like we don't point and say the Romans crucified. We can say the Jews killed Christ. Christ says that's what would happen. The Old Testament yeah. said that's what would happen. That's what happened. Now, what also happened after that is that then the same culture in the same place in the same time became the early church, right? So you can point and say, I don't like that sentence that Albie just said, but you're also, like Sean is pointing out, you are neglecting in your own anti-Semitism or whatever, you're neglecting that our roots are there with those same people in that early church at that same time. So again, stop flinging poo. I know other people let you do it. You are literally flinging poop. And it's other not. people let you get away with it, and I hate it. It's, I can't believe you're still here. I understand, and, and Steph, I understand and, and but Steph, if I can, if I can respond, yeah, please. one second. And Steph, why can't can I respond Zachary, to that? Because why can't you're not I respond? Yeah, on Be quiet. Steph, 
Steph, would you be able to read Zechariah 12 times either in the New King James or the NASB? So I'd like to respond to her accusations. Yeah, yeah, but you're well, not one going second. to. Right, right you're, after you're this No, so, right. so yeah, saying, yeah, that, saying that the Jews Brenda, killed Christ down. is... Yeah, yeah, one second. Zechariah It's anti-Semitism. Yes, it is. Saying that the Jews killed Christ is anti-Semitism. It absolutely is. Good, good. Zechariah 12.10, please. Yeah, getting it. Let's see who says it. No wonder Zechariah was killed in between the temple... Okay, and it's in quotes. So Zechariah 12, 10, and I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of pleading so that they will look at me whom they pierced and they will mourn for him like one mourning for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeper over the firstborn. Wait a minute. That- they, 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 will, they will look upon me whom they have pierced? Well, Albie, that's anti-Semitic because even though this is their, in their own text, they can hate themselves because they're so ignorant. Yeah, Brenda, you know? yeah. this is this is the Hebrew scripture saying that they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Who is the they whom they have pierced? Well, the Jews in which you will pour out the spirit of supplication. Zechariah 13, verse 7. Zechariah 13, verse 7 says... Can you, can you read that real quick, which is quoted in Matthew 26, 31? I'd just like to get from you. So you admit then that the Jews are Christ killers. Is that right? What do you mean? I, we just read that in Zechariah 12, 10. So, oh, okay. So you agree with that. The Jews oh, are Christ so Brenda, killers. Yes. There were some Jews who were responsible for the murder of Christ. And there were some Jews. No. And there were some Jews weren't. who were responsible for the beginning yeah. of Christianity. Yeah. Okay. Jews are Christ killers. Got Brenda, it. Got it. There love are some, I absolutely love it. I love there it. There are some trans people who shoot up Christian schools, and there are some trans people who argue ad nauseum on Clubhouse. Do you, uh-huh. do you see how those two statements about the Jews and the nope. trans people? Oh, you don't. Okay. No, they're not the same. Well, well, well. Trans is a figment of their imagination. Just like when I when right. I was five years old, I was a Ninja I, Turtle. I was Raphael. So right? when when you when you have nothing, you go to personal tax. But yeah, your 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 belief your belief that the Jews but are Christ killers it's is not, an, anti-Semitic. That's Zechariah chapter twelve no, no. verse ten. Can you no, deal with that? It's anti-Semitic hate speech. Okay, is what great. It is. And Zach and yeah, Zach, and, no, and we Biden. get it out of the I, I love you. I, I want you. I want to be clear that I love this. I like my bigots number one, out in the open. Number one, for us to be anti-Semitic would mean we would hate Jesus. We don't hate Jesus. Yeah, that's that's not how uh, that's prejudice that's, and bigotry yeah, that's not works. How you see it. That's just that's that's not see, how it see, works. Sean, that's Sean, your let me let me. Let me explain to you how Brenda thinks that uh, that bigotry works, okay? Brenda thinks that people who are part of an oppressed class can be so stupid, so small-minded, and so incapable of making their own decisions that if they disagree with the majority of the oppressed class, they have been subject to colonization and uh, bigotry because, again, they're dumb. So Brenda would tell you that if you have any conservative views, you are a self-hating racist black man because you've oh, been I don't subjected. believe any of those things. I don't believe oh, you any don't? of those things. Because that's right. what you've been saying. No, Literally, that's not what I've been saying. No, no. You've no, no. been saying that the Jews 
are so stupid. This is you, Brenda. This is what you're saying. You're saying that they're so stupid that in their own scriptures where Albie and Sean have been pointing out to you, this is where it says this. This is why what you're saying is wrong. This is why you're a wildly uneducated person on this topic. And then you're like, no, 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 you're just anti-Semitic. You are calling Jews idiots because you're completely nullifying and, and disrespecting their own text. We're doing nothing but it's, quoting it's to you. It's simply a fact. We the are Jews quoting did not... to you what the text says because you are so uneducated right. that everything coming out of your mouth right now is just asinine. I honestly can't believe we're still entertaining well, you. My well, blood well, pressure right now is clear, like 200 over Clear 100. this up for me then. Who, cru okay, who crucified Jesus Christ? The Jews were responsible for crucifying Jesus. Yeah, that's false. Okay, Brenda. Okay, so, let me let me read the scriptures. Let, let me read the scriptures for him. We should say the right Pharisees right. were responsible, but okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. They, they called for they called for uh, Barabbas, right, to be set free, uh, um, and for Christ to be crucified. Now, the question is this: Why would they do that? Why would the Romans, number one, want them? As a matter of fact, do you know why? the Jews had him crucified? Brandon? Brandon? Or Brenda? No, no, Brandon. Albie. <laughs> I, don't I don't respond to hate speech. Uh, it's not hate speech. You were born a male. You were born with a male genitalia. Yeah. I don't care about your bigotry. DNA. I don't like care about your bigotry. You naturally born a male. God, well, wait a minute. I don't think we need God made me transgender. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. God Brenda, I wanted to... Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait God hold God on, hold on. Transgender. Hey, Sean, hold on, Sean, yes. Sean, hold on, Sean. Hold up. <laughs> I came up here because I wanted to correct Brenda on several points that I feel that they're absolutely wrong on. So, Brenda, I'd like for you to define, when you say ancient Jews... Are you going with the academic understanding or are you going with your own personal opinion on this matter? I'm just I'm just saying generally hundreds of years BCE. Okay, so we're not going to base this on subjective your personal opinions based on ignorance of history. Let's base this on something substantive. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have uh, Steph actually share this, this link right now. No, hold on. Be, no, 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 hold on a second. Showing, is this going to be you showing? No, this is going to be me trying to. This is going Christ? to be. This is going to be me trying to correct somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about when you're question. making these assertions. Did the ancient Israelites. Well, I'm, I'm actually. Christ? I'm going to. Excuse me. I'm going to back myself up with some evidence, and then I want you to retract your statement after I'm done because I think it would be. It would behoove you to want to be honest. What is and, the statement I'm going to retract? So you said you said ancient. So you said ancient Jews did not know about Jesus. Paul yes. and the apostles are ancient Jews. They certainly knew about Jesus. So no, this idea Paul that Paul and they, apostles are not ancient Jews. Oh yes, they are actually. No, no, no hold on, no, 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 no. Please, 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 let me handle this because I think this is a learning moment for Brenda. Brenda's about to be educated today. Could you post that link at the top, please? This is from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. We're going to read to Brenda the definition for ancient, and we're going to see if this actually reflects Brenda's anachronistic view. Because I, oh, it I does get, matter because you don't have any faithful, evidence for your perspective. Faithful, so, I get. So if I could, this faithful. is the second definition. If I, if I could respectfully, this is the second definition of faithful. this is the this is the definition of ancient. Second definition of or relating to a remote period, uh, to a time early in history, or to those living in such a period of time. Ancient Egyptian, especially 
of or relating to the historical period beginning with the earliest known civilizations and extending to the fall of the Western Roman Empire in AD 476. So anything that takes place before 476 is ancient, Brenda. So, so when you I'm say talking, Paul and the apostles are not fine. ancient you, you are speaking from a place of ignorance. No, no, a scholar I'm, hearing you say this, an ancient Near East scholar hearing you say this would laugh at you for saying something as asinine as Paul and the apostles were not ancient Jews. I can literally yeah. on my bookshelf furnish a writing from non-Christian scholars who refer to Paul and the apostles as ancient Jews. Do I get Jews. to talk here? Do I get to talk No, here? I'm, I'm attempting to correct you first. I wanted well, to correct you. Cor you can't correct me. Oh, I can actually. I no, absolutely you can't. can. And I am you correcting you. I am actually. I, I'm, I'm faithful, correcting you right now. Faithful, I get to I'm correcting you. Faithful, I get to say who I'm talking about. I am not. Oh, no, you don't actually. Yes, I we do. have to be objective yes, in our evidence. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're arguing implicitly for some sort of subjectivity based uh, on ignorance. No, no, wait, wait. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. You're, if you're going to argue that someone is not an ancient Jew, and yet we have a time frame that puts them in the very category of ancient, then you can no longer speak as if you're somehow an authority it's, and that your opinion trumps facts. It's not so what we're going with I facts. Mean, we're not going with your no, the opinion. The fact is, uh, faithful, the fact is, I did not intend to name the contemporaries of Jesus as ancient. I intended to refer to uh, those that were hundreds of years before Jesus. Yes, and but the problem is that your definition, wait, but respectfully. It doesn't matter. It doesn't no, it matter. does matter. So I have a, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you in a box philosophically right now. So my first question, all right? So if we look at this syllogistically, premise one, the definition of ancient, the second definition especially of or relating to the historical period beginning with the earliest known civilizations and extending to the fall of the Western Roman Empire in AD 476. So with that being said, do you agree that the second definition in a reputable dictionary yeah. defines the term ancient as being a period before yes. 476. Okay, another it, question. It, it, it no, no, no. So that's, as you, so that's, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm explaining. You said from, from the very beginning of civilization up to 476. Yes, I will, I will consent to that being the word ancient. But okay, I was not so, talking, No, no, wait, wait. Let me just but, wait, wait, please. Just a minute. I, I, I just said I was going to put, I, please respectfully hear me. Just a minute. I I'm was going not to talking. Put this, I understand, but you've been interrupting a lot. So I'm trying to get to the point. I feel like we're going to deviate. I, I think the point that we're making is salient here because it's, it's going to correct what I deem to be a bad argument. So hear me out. So you already agreed to the first premise. Yes, I agree. So the second I agree premise, that it, that did Paul and the, were Paul and the apostles born before AD 476? Absolutely. Okay, so then by definition, they would be ancient Jews. Yes. Therefore, you cannot argue against them being ancient Jews now. You've committed no. to them being ancient right. Jews based that's on the definition. Your, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. All of that is correct. That is not who I was talking about. No, I understand that that was not who you were talking about. There you go. No, no, I, respectfully, though. But I think that the argument was hinging on a misunderstanding no. of the term. Well, please. No, it let, let, please. It hinges on Wait, wait, on just speaker. hear me. Wait, let me finish it the thought. Please let meaning. me finish the thought so you understand why I came up. 
I understand that you were not working under the definition of Merriam-Webster. I'm well aware of that. I understand that you you said it several times that you were going off of your According own you. personal opinion. Please, please listen, because I, I heard what you said. I'm just re relaying what you said. You said that you're going off of your own opinion based on centuries before the time of the apostles. However, I think that if we're going to approach this academically, if we're going to approach this with uh, seriousness in mind, then I think we shouldn't be employing these kind of cheap arguments because the argument that you're attempting, it. I'll tell you what's cheap about it. When you attempt to say that a group of people are not ancient when they are literally defined as ancient within the world. I need you to please let me. Yeah, well, no, you did actually. actually. You insisted that. Okay. You insisted that in your definition of ancient, your definition, the ancient Jews would be the people before the time of the apostles. However, according to academia, the ancient Jews would include the apostles and uh, obviously Paul. Yeah. Yes. So faithful, who was I talking about? You were talking about the people before Paul and the apostles. I'm aware of there that. There we go. There we but go. I'm, so but that's, I can't. That's the. But first, I can't. I understand that that was your. Yes, I understood that's my prerogative. That I that's understood. My prerogative. Please listen, so you understand. I don't think you're. I don't think you're a stupid person, but I think this is a stupid argument. So please listen. I think the problem is that when you attempted to furnish that as a counterweight to what's being said to you on stage. The moment that you make that statement, it's up for scrutiny, right? So what I did is I examined your claim. I thought about it and I was like, this is not a really good, this is not a good argument. I think you could make a really, I think wait, wait, just, I, I think, think please let me, please let me finish, please. I think you could make a really good argument. I don't think this is a good argument though, because if you're defining it subjectively based on your personal opinion and not on, on facts, not on objective facts. And I think the, the problem becomes you become your own authority in the moment. And then you're, you're essentially, it becomes a circular argument. This is, What's this is wrong because I think it's wrong and it's wrong because I think it's wrong. No, my claim, what I was talking about Jews before the time of Christ, you know that everybody else knows that. And you're trying mm -hmm. to conflate that into meaning, well, ancient really means from so i think it would be more appropriate no i understood your excuse argument me. i think it excuse i me. think it would be no excuse you for a moment i was talking. i think it I that's fine to, but you've been you've been interrupting was, people this whole time I'm, i understand no, that you've been talking. i think it would be more appropriate if you refer to the people before the time of the apostles as the people before the time of the apostles jews before the time of was jesus I talking about that them? would have been who was i talking about so i think the problem is that the way that you defined it, you understand that you're defining it incorrectly if we're using the term ancient. Do I, do I have a if right we're to using refer the, to If we now understand, if we understand how the term ancient is used appropriately, because there's an objective way of using ancient, I think the problem is if you approach this subject I and you say- care. The it, Jews before irrelevant. the time of the, uh, I, no, it is not the irrelevant. Academic it is very, is irrelevant. The academic meaning is very relevant if we're having how an academic discussion. To, how is it relevant to my intentions? Because I am, I am attempting to tell you that your argument would be completely laughed out of academia. It wasn't an argument. You, it was a question. It, no, it was a question. Questions based on are the, not arguments. It was an argument. It, it was an argument because you're attempting to argue that the Jews would not known about Jesus 
and you said ancient Jews. Yes. When you qualified it with ancient. No, no. Referring to who? Referring referring to to the Yes. But the problem is that you're defining ancient incorrectly. So now that you've been corrected, you can refrain from using the term ancient in the way that you were to exclude one group in response to another group. I think that it's more appropriate to like, I for example, you like, I don't care about your, well, no, you should care because you want people to refer to you with your proper pronouns, but you don't want to use proper terminology when engaging in a when, conversation of this magnitude. When I refer to the ancient Israelites, I mean the periods of time long before. I, I, I could give a crap about what you mean. Listen to me. That's I could the, give a I could give a flip about what you mean. But that's the it's whole not point. about what you but the point is that if you're defining the term incorrectly, you should be corrected on that. Matter. I don't think there's anything wrong. When you ask No, it does yes, matter. No, it doesn't matter it does. to the question. It certainly matters. No, it doesn't. Do you understand words are important how we communicate ourselves and how you, we uh, explain things are is very salient? Are you confused about the question? No, I'm not confused. I think well, that there, you think to that be, it's not a problem. I find it strange that somebody who does not like to have people refer to them without their appropriate pronouns would somehow feel very much inclined to define a group of people without their appropriate I terminology in mind. Anybody, I didn't define anybody. You I did ref- because you said no, that you. Okay, I'm going to ask refer, you this. Right, I'm going to ask you this I, right now. When you initially presented the argument, at any point in time, did you clarify that when you said ancient Jews, you were referring only to the people before the time of Jesus? Did you at any point in time say no? Yes. I believe. Okay. Did you at any point in time clarify that Paul? No, excuse you. Wait a moment. Well, if you're going to ask me a question. No, you're going to wait a moment and listen. So you said, I heard your answer. You said yes. So I said as a response to that. Did you at any point in time clarify that yes. the Jews of Paul, the time of Paul and the apostles, those Jews would categorically also be referred to as ancient Jews? At any point in time, did you let it be known on the stage that you were aware that Paul and the other apostles and the people of that time were also ancient Jews? At any point in time, did you make that clear on stage? I did not. You did not. So I came up here to help clarify. Perhaps you were unaware of this fact. And so when I. Yes, I was unaware of that fact. Yes. Okay. So now that you're aware, it's appropriate because you like to use appropriate terminology. You like for people to refer to you with your appropriate pronouns. I think it's also appropriate that we use the correct terminology here. What you mean to say is the Jews before the time of Jesus and That's the apostles. That's what I said. That's what I said. And well, you're well, not then, confused. Instead of saying, you said oh, you're no, not confused about that. You said you're no, not confused about No, what I'm attempting to tell you is that instead of saying ancient Jews, it now moving matter, forward, you should say, no, it does matter it because really your whole- doesn't matter. Be it quiet. Really be quiet for a moment so you can listen. Your whole argument was ancient Jews. Are you stupid? Do you not realize that you made a whole argument using the term ancient Jews incorrectly? It doesn't matter. My God. You know what I was no. talking about. It doesn't Man, I, matter. No, I don't know what you were talking I, about. Yes, That's you why do. I, you said you did. No, I don't know what you were talking yes, about you when do. you said you said you listen did know. closely. When you said no ancient Jews knew Jesus, and yes. I'm working under can you be quiet? I, I need you to be quiet. I don't need you to yes, add lib for you me. need to speak. Right? I don't I, I don't need you to be Puff Daddy right now. You don't need to add lib. I don't know who that is. All right, so I listen. have no idea. I will. Cool. So listen, I need you to just stay muted for a second, respectfully. 
the point that I was trying to convey is that I'm working under the definition, the academic definition of ancient Jews being any group of Jews from antiquity before 476 AD. Now, if you understand that my qualm was with how you were misapplying the term ancient Jews, because you said, I mean the Jews, we don't give a flip what you mean. If the term has a proper definition, use the proper definitions. You don't care. So what say I mean. Jews before the time of Jesus, and that way there won't be any confusion. Down. Nobody will be confused by what you're saying. Uh, but you're not confused. No, I'm. I had to elaborate your point and then point yeah. out why are you using the term ancient What's, Jews. Uh, oh so my gosh! Right, no, so no, you're what? gonna sit in that audience. Sit in that audience. I had to show you why using the term ancient Jews is inappropriate. The way that you were utilizing it. You meant ancient Jews as the Jews before the time of Jesus and the apostles, but that's simply not how the term ancient is used in its appropriate context. Therefore, you should try to be a little more careful in how you speak. My God, is Brenda this dumb? Like on this topic, I imagine Brenda's not a stupid person, but on this subject, Brenda sounds like a complete moron. My God, man. What is it with some people not being able to understand that we use terminology in an appropriate fashion? And, then, and on top of that, they thought that saying that, okay, now to be fair to y'all brothers and sisters on stage, according to Roman and Jewish records, we know that it was both the Romans and the Jews who had Jesus killed, right? We know that objectively, honestly, it was both groups of people. It's not anti-Semitic to say Jews had Jesus killed, handing him over to the Romans. Jesus was a Jew. According to the Jews, they thought he was a blasphemer. We as Christians don't believe he's a blasphemer. The Jews believed he was a blasphemer. The Jews handed him over to be killed by the Romans. Given the time frame, given the fact that it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, they did this because they could not kill him themselves under their own law. So they handed him over to the Romans to be crucified, right? That's what the New Testament relays. And for the record, the Jews in their own records bear witness that they had Jesus killed. Now, they didn't just kill him alone. They, the Romans also had a hand in killing Jesus. There's nothing anti-Semitic in saying that. And it's more specifically the leadership. Let's be more exact. The leadership among the people of Israel at that time had Jesus killed. Like there's nothing anti-Semitic in saying such a statement. Goodness, man, why does people have to be so stubborn in how they're coming about using their terminology? Crazy. Sheesh, man. <sighs> We literally sat here for what was it like? All Brenda had to say is, oh, okay, you're right. I, I apologize. I, I was using the term ancient. And Brenda admitted that they did not know. They did not know that Jesus, uh, that uh, Paul, that the ancient, the term ancient was used for people before 476 AD or CE for those who uh, like to go with the more appropriate academic uh, reckoning of the, uh, of the relevant time frame, common era. Like, bruh, like, you can't make this up, man. 
my goodness, man. <laughs> oh, man. So anyways, how's everybody's week? <laughs> how's everybody doing? How, how's everyone on stage? So we can yeah, I took a call. Again. What happened? Oh, uh, I had to move Brenda because Brenda has uh, an issue with being interrupted, but then they like interrupting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, good morning, Faithful. Good to see you, man. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it's a, been a great, great week celebrated Juneteenth. Had this yeah. week at the NAACP uh, Juneteenth celebration. I was mm -hmm. It was an unexpected blessing. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 looking at and hearing how can you deny what is obvious <laughs> unless you're just really that blind. Yeah. I think it's the latter. You're really that blind. The hard part is that it takes humility to learn this stuff, right? Like it takes humility to learn anything. If you're going to go into any field or, or go into any space, really, there are places that I go into that I feel like I'm an expert, like in my profession, right? And I still, and I've had to work on this. I haven't always been this way, but I will go in and consciously try to be aware of how little in the grand scheme of things I know, even if I think I know a lot. And that's how you yeah. learn stuff. If I'm going into a space where I am not the most well-educated in the room, I'm certainly not going to make all these arguments. The problem is that when you approach things the way that Brenda approaches them, conversations, people, whatever, you end up learning nothing. And it becomes a conscious decision. That what we just witnessed was a conscious decision to learn nothing. And so it makes the entire thing completely fruitless. It's very frustrating. And I think at the end of the day, that's Brenda's goal. So, you know, yeah. I hope other people got something out of that. Uh, but for Brenda, there's never an intent to learn. And that's one of the most frustrating character flaws about people <laughs> because I've had to overcome it myself, right? That hubris. Um, yeah, that's frustrating as heck. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of strange because when I heard the term ancient Jews, no ancient Jews knew Jesus. No ancient Jews knew Jesus. And I'm thinking, does Brenda understand how ancient is utilized? Like that's, that's such a cheap argument that they were trying to employ. And it has a, theoretically has a cheap answer, but it, it's because it's a cheap argument that a cheap answer had to be furnished. It's like, if you're going to try to get you some, try to get somebody in a gotcha moment, you just got yourself in a gotcha. And I'm good at gotchas. All right, let's gotcha. Come on. I want a gotcha. <laughs> you want a gotcha. <laughs> I want a gotcha. Come on. I want a gotcha, gotcha. All right, tag, you're in. You gotcha. Bob? No, yeah, I know. Uh, oh, okay, all right, good. Yeah. Yeah, he knows me. Alby don't like me. Faithful likes me a little bit. Ain't this faithful? Or no, no, listen, we all like you. We all think that you're a nice guy. We just disagree with your uh, your viewpoints on certain topics. Like Jesus ain't God. And yeah, we, we disagree like, with look, that. Look, we all know you're an Edomite, all right? And we know what's going to happen with you, the Edomites. What is I'm a I'm a faithful like. <laughs> yeah, by the way, Jose, uh, just to be fair, uh, there is literature in academia that refers to the Second Temple Jews as ancient Jews as well. The idea that ancient Jews is relegated only to before the Second Temple period 
would truly be an anachronistic idea. Like it's generally understood within academia that the second temple period Jews of that period would also be ancient Jews. I can uh, literally on my bookshelf, I have several books by non-Christian scholars who utilize the term ancient Jews for the Jews of Paul's time. In fact, I even have one where it talks about uh, Paul and it refers to him as an ancient Jew. So I think it's a it's a silly argument to try to say, well, when I thought ancient Jews, well, I, I could think that, uh, you know, I could think that, uh, you know, candy paint only means like, uh, I don't know, I could I could create like, you know, the, the, the definition of candy paint within an urban uh, framework and then just assume that the only time that candy paint is used is specifically for, you know, uh, you know, something, I don't know, car paint or something and then just work within a bubble. And then just be ignorant of the of the definition. You're right, but I want to know about this temple, the second temple, and what temple was destroyed in 33 A.D. Do you know which temple that was? Okay, say that again. In 33 C.E. something another, uh, uh -huh. this temple was destroyed. No, no, 70 A.D. No, this other temple was destroyed. Wait, what what other what other temple was destroyed in 30 30 what you said 30 ce yeah, thir jesus said destroy this temple three days it will be built again yeah bob let, let's look at that chat let's look at that verse if we could in context all right let's go there i would love to okay because he, he qualifies what he meant by uh destroy this temple but Alvi said he didn't overcome nothing, but he overcame death. Well, first, let's try to uh, understand contextually. So this is John chapter two, verse 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? 21. But he was speaking. Wait, you, there's a lot of background. I hear a lot of background. Please. All right. I'll, uh, I'm out here fishing. I didn't know there was no knowledge. Uh, yeah, it's very loud and it's, and it's frustrating. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So would you agree that that temple was not a physical temple, but in the context of what's being said here, it's in reference to his body? Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, but his body is physical. We understand, but do you agree that the temple was not a building, an actual brick and mortar building? The one that he said was going to be destroyed in, you know, a lot of years was mm -hmm. definitely the one that he said one stone wasn't going to be left upon another. Okay. And that was the one that was destroyed in 70, whatever y'all calling it. I don't know. But the body that Jesus was talking about, they did mm -hmm. crucify him. And on the third day, the temple was back in order. Faithful, can you read that again? Destroy this temple yeah. and what? What does he say? Because I, I pulled yeah, Isaiah 33, 10. Yeah, let me go ahead and read this. So this is John chapter 2. And we'll read verse, I'll, I'll read a little earlier. I'll read 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? 
Verse 19, Jesus answered him, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 20, the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. Isaiah 33, 10 says, now I will rise, says Yahweh. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. Isaiah 33, 10. So, Bob, uh, I, because it seemed that when you were mentioning the temple being destroyed, I, I, I don't quite understand because there was another temple that was destroyed. Uh, were you referring to Jesus's body? Is that what you meant when you said temple? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the one Jesus said. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will arise. That's what he said. And they said. They were thinking another temple, just like you read. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, immediately when you said that, the first thing I thought about was Jesus' own words. So I was like, I didn't know if you were referring to like a, like you personally were referring to a building. No, yeah. I was referring to what you were talking, they were talking about a while ago, Jesus didn't overcome nothing. He didn't conquer nothing. He didn't this, that, and the other. Jesus conquered death. I mean. Is there anything more to conquer than death? All right, so notice what you said. You said that Jesus conquered death, right? Yes, absolutely. He conquered death. Okay. In Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, it says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction pity is hidden from my eyes this is yahweh speaking speaking of yahweh conquering and destroying death and and ransoming us from the power of souls so thank you for proving jesus is yahweh that's not what that proved at all and you know it you stretched that one to the utmost uh <laughs> bob <laughs> yo bob yo just out of <laughs> Bob, I, I want to ask you this. Um, do you remember that we went over this last time when we spoke about John's gospel? Do you agree that John is identifying Jesus as God in that gospel? According to the end, this whole thing was written so that you could believe that Jesus was the son of God. Did you get that part of it? Absolutely. Did you get the first part of John's gospel, John 1, 1 through 3? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the unique Son of God, full of grace and truth. Notice that the proposition Son of God and the proposition God are not somehow divorced from each other. In fact, they're used harmoniously and synonymously by John within his same gospel. So I have a question. Do you agree that John identifies Jesus as God in his gospel account? No, I don't agree that he does that. So why does he identify him as God in his gospel account? He didn't. He's the son of God. Unique. Okay, let's, let's try this one more time. Let's go to John chapter one, if we could, please. And I don't mind reading more than what I'm going to quote here. I'm just doing it for brevity's sake. John chapter one, starting at verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God 
and the word was God. Who is the word here? The word that Gabriel got from God to give to Mary. So Gabriel was in the beginning with God and was the word that Gabriel was given was in the beginning with God and was called God. No, Gabriel got a word from God to go to a city, find a girl and explain to her what he wanted to happen. Okay, I want you to do me a favor, Bob, if you could. In verse one, can you show me where the word Gabriel appears? No, you said you would go somewhere else. It's God sent Gabriel. No, we're still in the, we're in the same gospel account. So in verse one, can you show me where the word Gabriel appears? Not in John one, no, it's not there. Okay, so in John one, you and I agreed that, remember I mentioned John's gospel, so we have to stick to the premise. The premise is John's gospel. So in verse one, you would agree that the name Gabriel does not appear, correct? Oh, absolutely. Gabriel is okay. not mentioned. Okay, let's look at verse two. The same was in the beginning with God. Does the name Gabriel appear there? No, but what is the same? The same is the word autu. It could be also translated as he. So I'm doing that from memory from the King James, but the uh, relevant phrase can also be rendered he. He was in the beginning with God. So would you say that the he there uh, is in reference to the same word that was mentioned in John 1, 1? Look, we'll read this harmoniously. Yes. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was that, in the beginning that, with God. Would you, would you that, agree that the he is in reference to the word? I don't have a clue what he is in reference to. Word okay. is logos, is logos or logos. I don't know which one it is, but whatever God says goes with me, you know. Okay, so let's let's follow this with the context clues. He cannot be in reference to, for example, Gabriel. Would you agree? They can't be Gabriel. Okay. So within the context of verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning. So if we just follow the train of thought, because this verse is continuing a train of thought from verse one. Do you agree then that he would have to be categorically in reference to the word given how the sentence reads look in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god so do you know how we know that this can only be in reference to the word because the word was with god he was in the beginning with god look in the beginning was the word so the word was in the beginning and the word was with God. So the word in the beginning was with God and the word was God. So the word in some capacity shares the same properties of being God as God. Now, verse two, he was in the beginning with God. So it's emphasizing what verse one said. So he can only be in reference to the word if we look at this within its appropriate context. He was in the beginning with God. That's still the word. All things were made through him. The word dia there is used in the Greek. All things, panta in the Greek, which means all, the all of alls. It's the plural of pan in the Greek. So all things, the all of alls were created through him. 
So we know that the through him cannot be categorically uh, the father. It must be someone else because all things are from the father, whereas all things are through Jesus. So you think God lied or something? No, I don't actually. The reason that we know Jesus is the one that's in view here, and the reason that I'm inserting and I'm saying Jesus, even though the name Jesus doesn't appear in verse 1, verse 2, or verse 3, the reason that I can say that confidently is because John, as we continue to read further down, literally identifies Jesus as being the Word who took on flesh. So if we look, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, if we... uh. Go a little further down. Now, I'll say verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, not John the Evangelist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now, if you read that in conjunction with verse 11 through 13, you'll know that this has to be directly in reference to Jesus. He, the same light, who's also being identified as the word in this chapter, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now look at 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. I'm going to say that again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the unique son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now look at 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, we know John is talking about Jesus here because John was uh, in his mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb, six months before Jesus was even conceived in Mary's womb. So John's speaking about Jesus. And even though the word Jesus doesn't appear here, it does appear elsewhere as we read further down. But when John is referring to the he here, he's talking about the one who became, as it says, uh, became flesh, as it says in 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the unique son from the father, full of grace and truth. Who is this son from the father, according to this uh, verse? The man that they crucified, Jesus of Nazareth, the one. Jesus of Nazareth. I agree. The one that John saw in a vision before he came preaching. Okay, so let's look at the proposition. So Jesus takes on human flesh because it says, because if you're agreeing that this is Jesus, then you're agreeing with the proposition without realizing it, that the word is Jesus. Because it says the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his, the word, his glory, glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So if we follow the propositions, the word is identified as God in verse one. The word is with the father in verse two and verse one. In verse three, the whole universe was created through him. 
in verse 8 through 10, no, 8 through 13, it is very clear that it's identifying him as being in the world and that he went on to his own people. Verses 14 through 15 make it clear that this word incarnated and that he is identified as the son of God while also being un understood propositionally in verse one as God. So therefore he's by virtue of being the son of God, he is also God in his nature. So it's clear that there's nothing here contradictory, at least in terms of how John has presented it. Now, I think the problem is, and this is where I, I, I think you would have to admit, you may not agree with what John is saying, but you cannot deny that John is identifying Jesus clearly as both the son of God and as God, not the person of his father, but at the very least, a distinct person who shares in the same ontology as his father. I don't do ontology, remember? No, I understand that, but ontology simply means nature. And the word that Mary said to Gabriel, let it be done unto me according to thy word. Is that true? Uh, I need you to repeat that again. I'm, I'm trying to focus on your words. Can you repeat that one more time? Gabriel is sent by God to speak to Mary. I absolutely agree. Yes. In the gospel. And, and Mary tells the angel her last words to Gabriel are, let it be done unto me according to your word. That is the word that became flesh. Okay. Let's actually look at that real quick. I want to, I want you to take note of something. So you're referring to Luke one, correct? Absolutely. Okay. When it says, according to your word, right? That's where Mary said the word. No, I, I got you. I agree. I, I definitely agree. Well, where did Gabriel? I agree, my friend. Okay. Where did Gabriel's word tell me? No, I got you. Let me actually look at the uh, Greek text. Yeah, but where did, the... where did Gabriel? No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm looking at the Greek text of Luke. So everybody following along. We're in Luke chapter one, verse 38. I'm just looking at the Greek text right now. If you just give me a moment. Okay. I want to make sure that it's not the word that, uh, that I'm thinking. Because if it is, then I think this is a, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a simple mistake. I don't think it's anything that couldn't possibly be uh, pointed out in a, in a loving fashion. So let me. Oh, let me I love, I'll point this out in a loving fashion. That's what I'm. No, I got you. I, I can dig it, man. Hold on. Let me. For some reason, oh, that's why I got to do it this way. Silly me. My bad. I'm using my, uh, using my, uh, my cell phone to do this. I hate doing it on my cell phone. I like doing it on my, oh, that's why it's not doing it. Oh, stupid me, man. No, it's not stupid, you. <laughs> it is stupid me. Yeah, it is. No, it's right, not. Oh, it's not. <laughs> I like you, Bob. Anyways, uh, here we go. Let me see. Uh, ah, precisely. I'm looking at the Greek text now. Yeah, where it says, kata to rema, so. So basically, kata means like according to. Uh, then uh, to rema, so means like the word of you. Now, rema, you notice that it's the rema. Uh, yeah. If we could, so that's Luke 138. So I want you to take note the word there is Rema, or, or some people might pronounce it in English, Rema. 
you ever heard of like Rama College and you know Rama, you know the Rama. So uh, you, you might hear a lot of uh, Baptist pastors use that phrase. So Rama is basically. Uh, let me actually get you the appropriate definition. Here we go. I don't think Rama. I don't think the yeah. Baptists use Rama that much. Well, I've I've been to churches where uh, certain uh, Southern Baptist pastors will use the word Rama in their sermons when they're talking about the distinction between Lagos and Rama. Rama would be more like uh, uh, the spoken word, and then or something, yeah, something to that effect, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, where, uh, where, where does Lagos Lagos come from? Do you know? No, I understand that Lagos itself is not exclusive to like the New Testament or anything like that. However, Jesus is referred to as Ha Lagos with the definite article Ha, which means the in Greek. So Ha Lagos means the word. So not just the mere uh, Lagos, but literally the Lagos, like emphatically as if to say, like, uh, for example, when you use the definite article for God, you would put Ha Theos, the God. Right. That's the general rule of thumb that you find within the uh, the Hebrew culture where the definite article is used emphatically to in identify one as being the emphatic one or the emphatic person or the emphatic. Uh, you, like you know, when in, it's like in yeah. Matthew one, like in Matthew one twenty three, where it says the God with us, even though yeah, the translations don't render it that way. The Correct. God with us. Oh, yeah, or even Hebrew, even Hebrews one and eight, where it says, "You're thrown the God in reference to the Son." Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, but, but, but if I just could, though, uh, uh, Bob, if we could for a second, if we could just deal with uh, Luke one thirty-eight, when she uses the word Rama, and John uses the word Lagos, clearly they're intending two two completely separate things. Different Greek words, different contexts. Uh, log Lagos comes from the word Lego, right? Uh huh. You know what Lego it means? So it's like thought, or uh, th there's. I'm trying to remember the because off the top of the head, I would have to pull up my uh, my uh, lexicon here, but I I believe that it's used. To indicate something like uh, trying to figure out like it has a it has a particular usage. I'm actually looking right now. Yeah, yeah, it does have a particular usage for sure. Yeah, I yeah, but here's the. I think the issue here is so when you put a definite article and you say the word, the word is identified with autu in uh, in John one and two. Autu is used there. Autu can be rendered he. And this he is also the usage of uh, the autu that's used by um, John, the not John the, the, John the, event, the uh, Baptist. The evangelist is writing about the Baptist. And so when John the Baptist says, this is he, autu, the he is going uh, together with verse 14 where it's in reference to the word incarnating and we beheld his outdo his glory. So I think the issue is that uh, the word is being personified as a person, not just a mere utterance of speech. Because I think you're trying to imply that the word was like an utterance of speech when it's actually a person. Where, what verse? 
no, no. We're talking about John 1, 1 through 3 with John 1, 14 through 15. Oh, yeah. But see, today I am the Logos. Uh, no, you're not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said I was the light of the world. Yeah. If I'm the light of the world, why can't I be Logos? Yeah, if I could, could I invite Pastor Damon Richardson on the stage? He and uh, Tyler, you're welcome to come to the stage too, just to present the philosophical argument. Uh, where, where's Pastor Damon? There, there he goes. Yeah, Pastor Damon, if you could come to the stage and help Bob with this. So this room is is geared towards answering questions that are generally posed to Christians by Christians or. Others. You've always spoken so highly of Pastor Damon. I thought you cared about him and you loved him. Why are you going to put him through this persecution? Uh, no, pa listen, Pastor Damon is actually an incredible uh, Christian apologist, a teacher. And so I have a great deal of respect. So I, I hope you guys don't mind if I give him moderation. He's actually a, a very studious, learned, uh, very, very, uh, uh, you know, very highly educated Christian apologist, man. So I definitely wanted a people to get some good answers from Pastor Damon. What's going on, Pastor Damon? Hey, my bro. How's everything going, man? Albie, how you doing, bro? Hey, not too bad, Pastor Damon. All good right. All right. <laughs> What's going on? What you guys talking about? Yeah, so Bob and I were having a discussion on, does John identify Jesus as God in his gospel account? And uh, he says, no, he identifies him as the son of God. So I showed him just a moment ago, where John not only identifies Jesus as the son of God, but he also identifies him as propositionally being God, right? Uh, in terms of, uh, it seems to be the implied ideas through nature. Um, uh, and so Bob told me that in Luke 138, uh, because he says that the word word in English that's used in John 1.1 is the same usage of word that's used in Luke 138. So I was just looking at the Greek and I noticed that rhema is used there. And I explained to him that rhema and logos are being used differently, two different Greek words being used in two different ways by, by two different authors, right, in two different contexts. Um, could you help Bob understand this point a little bit better, you know, where uh, rhema and logos are not somehow, uh, uh, at least in, this con in these contexts, one and the same? Because he seems to think that the word that's being mentioned in John 1.1 1, 1 is the same word that uh, Gabriel is conveying to Mary. I, I don't have yeah. a problem with those two words. I mean, I know Rama is not Lagos. There's no question about that. So, I mean, he don't, I don't need to know explanation on that. I'm just saying whatever word that John got from God before he came preaching, he didn't get it from Jesus, I can assure you. Well, you know, I think that the the biggest fundamental issue is the wrongness um, of the notion that Son of God doesn't mean uh, that Jesus is God. I, I, I always marvel when people say, no, Jesus is not God, he's the Son of God. Like, that, that, I mean, just that very idea is so foreign to Scripture. So, for instance... Just taking the context of the ancient Near East, th there wasn't a person alive in any culture 
that didn't see a son of God as a divine being. Just in the even in the even in the wrongness of their of their mythos. Oh yeah. Every, every group I saw hold on, hold on. I agree. Hold, hold I on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, but we're not we're not we're not saying Jesus is merely a divine being because when you say that, you have to qualify that. So what are the divine beings? Well, one would be uh, the supreme being, as in the almighty God, and then other divine beings would be angels. So, 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 for instance, when Nebuchadnezzar saw that um, that there were three men thrown in the fire, and he says the fourth is like a son of God, he meant to communicate exactly that, that one of them is not a human, one of them is a divine being. In that case, what he would have been talking about would have been an angelic being. So, so then, when we say G, when when the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, it is not meaning that in the same sense that it means uh, obviously humans, as in um, we being like Adam. Or, or adopted into the family of God. That's not what that means. So, so, so then the question becomes, is Jesus just an angel like some of the other cults believe? Like the Jehovah's Witness, he's just Michael the Archangel or, or even the Seventh-day Adventist. Or does Son of God actually mean that Jesus is God? Well, anybody that's actually reading the Gospel of John with, with, with any modicum of honesty would come to the conclusion that what John is arguing for, as he has said, uh, not just in, the, uh, in his prologue, but at the very end of his gospel, that all these things are written uh, that um, people would come to believe that Jesus is the son of God. If that simply means that he's a servant of God, nobody would need to really read the gospel in order to come to believe that even John himself was a servant of God. So, so you wouldn't need to read the gospel to become convinced that John was a servant of God. If that is how we are defining Jesus's sonship. But I noticed what John said um, in chapter one, verse 15, which is really very informative because at the end of the day, what we again, what we're really dealing with is just unbelief. It, it, it's not that this is not clear. It's just that people don't believe because you can't be clearer than John. Like when people are messing John up, it's because it's just unbelief. But look at what he says in verse 15. He says, John testifies. So this is John the writer talking about John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. He says, John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he, not it, because he was not a thought previous to the incarnation. He was a person who existed. And in John's testimony, John said, he existed before me. Now, unless, you know, you want to tell me about some sort of magic by which Jesus was actually born, 
uh, or, or, or some mistake in the literature that, 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 that Jesus was actually born before John, there's really no way that we can say, or John could say that Jesus, his cousin, existed before him without saying that Jesus is God. I explained that a while ago that John no. saw a vision. No, 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 no. But listen, wait, give, give, give him a chance. Hold wait, Pastor, give him a chance. Just done. give him a chance. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm not done. Number one, you said you explained that, but you didn't explain anything. What you did is you imposed your unbelief on the text. Nothing in this text says that was a vision. So, so your explanation falls short of what the scripture is actually saying, right? So, so, so at the end of the day, you have to submit all of your ideas to what scripture actually does say. It doesn't say John had a vision about Jesus. John actually knew Jesus. John actually met Jesus. John actually proclaimed that Jesus was the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John actually proclaimed that, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so when he testified here that he ranks ahead of me because he existed before me, John is testifying about Jesus's eternality, his pre-existence. You can't reduce that to some, some vision or something else because all that is is a disingenuous attempt to explain away what is clearly being communicated in Scripture. So at the end of the day, sir, all you are really arguing is your unbelief about what scripture clearly communicates. And so is everybody else who denies Jesus's deity. So, so, so I am not interested in your explanations, particularly when they don't agree with what scripture is actually saying. He existed before me. This is the same person, mind you, this is all in the very same breath leading from verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word according to, that logos according to verse two is a person. Notice he was with God in the beginning. And verse one, clause three has already told us that he was God. He is God. And he was with God in the beginning. Verse three tells us all things were created through him. This is a person. So the person who is with God in verse one and two is also said to be the creator. Now, there's really only one creator according to scripture, and that creator is God. So if Jesus is the Lagos incarnate, and he is the creator, then by logical syllogism flowing from John's argument in verse one, then Jesus is God. Furthermore, look at what verse 18 says. Notice what it says. No one has ever seen God, though the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side he has revealed him. It's interesting because in the original Greek, it says uh, the uh, one and only, uh, the one and only God. The monogamous theos. Monogamous theos. So anytime uh, 
monogenes or monogenes is used, it is always referring to the son. And it, John says very clearly that the monogenes theos or that the monogenes, that is the son, is actually God. Uh, and it says that he is at the father's side. He has exogeomai. He has revealed him. So it's very, very clear here that the son is actually called God by John. This is a very clear passage. And, and literally, I don't know one Greek grammarian that reads this and doesn't agree that John, the writer here in this prologue, is not saying that the son is God. There's not a Pastor Dame, let's give him a chance to respond to that, though. Just mm -hmm. uh, even if we disagree with his, because this is a teaching moment for others as well, because they may they may find benefit from this if you kind of catch my drift. All right. So, Bob, um, yeah, you can respond. Keep in mind, though, uh, of course, we, we we don't agree with you, Bob. That's not going to change. I don't think this conversation is going to change uh, either of our perspectives you know, on the stage, but uh, go right ahead. Uh, am I unmute? Ah, yeah, I'm unmute. I can't, can't hardly see my phone, but, but yeah, Jesus explained everything about God as he taught, you know, as he went about. And John explained because he learned as did those others when John baptized Jesus, uh, a voice from heaven was heard, this is my son. He didn't say anything about this is my word that is me. Now, I'm sure of that. And John did not. He confessed that I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one that y'all are looking for. But repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, that's that's the message, and that's the message that I brought to Alby, that he needs to repent and believe the gospel so that he can be saved. Because if he keeps believing, you know, this, whatever it is he's believing, he's going to get, you know, learn at the end that what he believed wasn't true. Uh, did you? I don't think I've confused anybody, but if I have, I got plenty of more time. So uh, <clears throat> I noticed what you didn't do. First of all, you just made more commentary telling us what you believe. But none of that is actually rooted in scripture. Like I noticed how you completely avoided verse 18. It literally says monogonotheo, uh, referring to the one and only son. That refers to the son is God. It literally calls the son God. And then it says, who is himself God, which John particularly makes as a distinction to what he means by God in the first part of the verse. That is the same thing that he's arguing for in verse one. Uh, uh, um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Uh, that refers to the father. And so if no one has ever seen God, what who John is referring to here is the father. But then when he says, except uh, theo, who is himself God, 
he's telling us that the son is God. And yet, unlike everybody else, the son has seen God. That is the father. And, and not only has seen him, but has revealed him, has made him known to others. Not made himself known, but made him known. That is referring to God the Father. And so you completely stepped over that, danced around it, in, in order to just reposit what, what you actually believe and what you believe is not based on scripture. And it's just weird that you're talking about Albie needs to repent and believe the gospel. Listen, there is no gospel apart from the person and work of Christ. And so what you believe <clears throat> about Jesus is, is a predicate to actually truly believing the gospel. And Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, which is actually a reference to Yahweh. You will die in your sin. So it's you that don't have a gospel. It's you who needs to repent and believe the gospel because you don't believe in uh, the, the monogenes, the, the one and only son who the father has sent. You are the one who is in violation of uh, the conditions of the gospel. So if you don't believe that, there's no, there, 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 there is no basis for you saying that you have saving faith. That is a complete delusion, sir. That is an absolute delusion. So can I ask a question about it? Just kind of more of a general question. Is that all right? He's got ultra quiet there. Yeah, can you guys oh, hear me? I, I, man, I thought that I, uh, I thought that I, I had lost connection <laughs> again. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, okay. go ahead, son. Yeah, yeah. I was just can I ask a more general question about all of this? Just one that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Um, I guess the answer is yes because I'm asking the question now. Let me ask a second one. Um, do I need to be a good reader in order to be a proper Christian? Um, theoretically, no. Not necessarily. Why are there so many definitions? Why are there so many denominations? Yeah, you got you got to just not presuppose who God is, and read, I, I, read I like, the I word. I like for Dane to maybe answer that one. Most Christians were pretty much illiterate for most uh, Christian history, so no, you don't have to be a good reader. Um, yeah. Uh, assuming that someone faithfully and uh, teaches and te uh, teaches a word to you, um, it's not necessary for your Christian practice, faith, and morals, or to discern like the necessary truths of the Christian religion. So, yeah, like uh, it's not really necessary um, to be a good reader. And Revelation <laughs> chapter one verse three says, "Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy." And yeah, I would say they're exceptionally blessed, but we just stand at a point of privilege uh, as Christians. Um, like, I, I'd be interested in what what you were really driving at by asking that question, because it, it it's uh, 
uh, by saying reading, it's such a wide net of meaning uh, that, um, you know, what, what was the point of the question I'd be interested in? Well, many times I've been in these rooms, it appears as if there's some um, disagreement amongst believers to a degree that it gets really detailed in what's in the scriptures and what's implied by them or what's uh, the proper interpretation or the historical background of the theology and all those considerations. And I just wonder, um, let's say I was a slow, a slower reader and I just didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to all the updates or the background of academia, things of that nature. Does that, does that exclude me from becoming a, a, a true person of comprehension? Gotcha. Oh, no. That's a, that's okay. a fair question, but I. Well, you said uh, does that does that exclude you? The, the last proposition exclude you from being a say that again. Person of comprehension, you yeah, said. Yeah, because I mean, if if there's things that I need to understand and believe, right? Uh, it seems mm -hmm. that a lot of times when I come in these rooms, so many of the items discussed so are. Let, let, let me wait, wait, give him, give him a second, pass the name, just so we can hear it, because I, I did ask Go him ahead, the question, I, I've so said I, a lot, go ahead. No, 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 that part, because it's to help me understand you. You you understand what I'm saying? Okay, well, it's like this. Uh, I consider myself a pretty decent reader. I feel that on standardized tests as a child and also as an adult, I perform fairly well compared to others uh, in reading comprehension values. And... I read a lot of the same things that uh, a lot of the Bible scholars and talkers are discussing. I, I've read the same things, and I know that without my input, there's a lot of disagreement and debate and banter regarding what those words are meant to say and what they're meant to mean. So I'm just trying to figure out what, what's going on. Like, do I need to be a good reader? Because even when I read it, I still don't get what you guys are fighting about. It just seems all kind of like incoherent. Gibberish. Oh, so no, no. So understand that. Uh, so what's on the table with Bob and myself, I was asking Bob the question and, and there's there's a backdrop to this. You may not be aware of our previous conversations, so I'll, I'll fill you in. In the past, I've read John, John's gospel to uh, Bob. Bob. Bob is uh, the, the gentleman, Joseph. Is he still on stage or did he leave? No, I think he left. So Joseph takes the uh, viewpoint that Jesus is not God. And so I asked him, okay, uh, do you think John held to your viewpoint? And when I read him John's gospel, he said, oh, well, John was making that up. Oh, I, I can't trust John. I don't, I don't like what John is saying. That's a bunch of nonsense. I can't trust John. And it was like one of those kind of deals. And it was like, well, wait a minute. So you said that you believe that John, because I asked him, prior to reading uh, you know the first chapter of john i asked him do you believe that john's gospel is scripture and he said yes and then when i read him the portions that he didn't like he immediately wanted to toss it under the bus so today i i wanted to do a little exercise again since uh he said get me in a gotcha moment because <laughs> he asked me to he wanted me to get him in a gotcha moment so i, I guess in in a sense that would be a gotcha because it's like john is clearly identifying Jesus as God. If we only read John's gospel and we only look at what's being said, uh, given what John has given us, because he, he was asserting that John is somehow talking about Gabriel, and he was basing this on Luke 138. And I said, oh, well, okay. After he, he you know, couldn't wiggle his way around John, I granted him 
that we would look at Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And he takes that in the English, it says word. So therefore, the usage in the English in Luke 1, 38 must be the same usage of word that appears in John 1, 1. But they're different Greek words in two completely different contexts and uh, with two different authors in mind. So I think if we're, we're being honest, objectively speaking, if a person just reads John, we're, we're not even saying that, you know, arguing whether what John said is, uh, I'm saying within the framework of an argument, we're not arguing that if what John said is true or not, rather, is John conveying this idea? Is he saying X? You know, in this case, is he saying Jesus is God? And the answer has to be yes, if we just read it in, in its context. Right. We're not arguing whether what he's saying is is true or not or uh, whatever the case may be. And I think Dame, Pastor Damon helped explain that in the ancient Near East, being the son of God uh, would make you God propositionally. Right. Because you can find that in ancient sources where, for example, in the Egyptian culture, for example, the son of the God is always identified as God precisely because he's the son of the deity. So really quickly, just you know, before we get off track, so based on everything yeah. that you've described and articulated, and I appreciate the input, thank you, um, I, I think the answer to my question would be yes. I do need to be a good reader in order to be a true Christian. Is that correct? No. So I think the problem is that you were asking the question of what we were discussing, and I was attempting to answer what we were discussing prior to you coming yeah. on stage. And then your question related to the idea of, of being a good reader. And I think that Tyler, that's uh, uh, Yesenius, he, I think he answered your question adequately and, and, and well. And I think uh, Dane uh, was right in asking uh, why you were asking what you were asking. And you explained. And I think that if, you know, I think we all would agree with Tyler's, um, you know, his explanation to you. Because in the ancient Near East, many people were illiterate. So there was nothing to read. The, 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 the idea that people sat around reading ancient texts is kind of like a Western anachronistic idea. Do I need to read So in antiquity, people weren't sitting around reading texts. So for example... Right. Yeah, and so um, I, would, I don't need to read the Bible at all then now, right? Well, I think given that we have advances in literacy... There's nothing wrong in reading the Bible, but we're talking about, see, I think you're missing the context. Would you agree that within the context of the ancient Near East where people couldn't read, it would be hard to ask them to read? Do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Okay. So then saying that uh, in order to be a good Christian, I need to be a good reader. I think that we're talking about two different things. We're, well, we're dealing with two different ways. If I could, I'm not even finished. Okay. You noticed that my full thought wasn't even done yeah. and you immediately started to interrupt. So could you hear the full sure, thought, please? Sure. I apologize for that. I, I'm sorry. So I think the problem is we're dealing with two different contexts. We're dealing in a world where at least in this part, I don't, you live in the United States or Canada by any yes. chance? Okay. So in our part of the world, the literacy rate is uh, relatively high, comparatively speaking, to other parts of the world. And where we live, obviously, uh, people have the ability to read. It's one of the things that is taught uh, in our primary schools. So I think the, uh, the question is working within the, the framework of 
in order to be a good Christian, do I need to know how to, to read? Am I understanding that correctly, that that's what you were asking? In order to be a good Christian, do I need to know how to read? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of an onion. It's uh it's kind of like, do I need to be a good reader to be a true Christian? And oh, so you added also, a new, yeah, I'm sorry. You added a well, new qualifier. That was what I originally. Yeah, you said I'm true. So now you've added true question. If you don't mind, I'd like to finish my thought, please. Can you yeah, yeah. But you, but you're adding a new qualifier that you didn't add before. No, it, it was earlier on. The first thing I said was in order to okay. be a, a, a true Christian or a Christian, do I need to be a good reader? Right. It's just it's the same thing. Right. Um, do I need to be a really good reader to be a better Christian? And let's just say I'm an atheist, which I am. I don't think any of this makes any sense whatsoever. Um, I think that I don't need to read the Bible at all to be a Christian. Faithful. Right. Wouldn't you agree? Faithful. Yeah. But then wouldn't it wouldn't it also make sense that you if you don't believe in the book itself, if you don't believe in the words, let, let's not even talk about the book, the ideas that are uh, commissioned to page then it would be irrelevant to say whether you are a true Christian or not. I think propositionally you would, you couldn't be a true Christian if you don't believe in the very, you know, Christian meaning follower of Christ, which, you know, Christianos in the Greek, you, you cannot by that logic be a Christian period. If you're okay. saying I'm a Christian, you're, you're heaven, committing though? to being a way, well, if I could, you're, you're committing to being a follower of Jesus. But if you don't believe in the words or Jesus or any of that stuff, I mean, it, it kind of renders right. the, uh, question superfluous it's well, like no. can i be a true now if you're just asking a general question as to say would anybody if they didn't know how to read be a true christian uh no the, the ability to read does not therefore negate or um yeah it, it wouldn't negate a person's ability to be genuinely christian you know a, a person can uh, be a true christian without the ability to read <clears throat> but okay, uh, well, well, I had I had some commentary uh, on that real quick. I had some commentary before it gets away because you said a lot. Hold, hold let me, on, let me, on, let me reply to the engagement. I, I got you, but let, let me interject. Let me interject because I wait I, a second. Just let me reply really quick. I'm wait. Just thing. give him a moment since he has mods. Like it's generally clubhouse etiquette. Wow. Okay. The, the right. mod. Well, my friend, do you understand? I don't know. Are, are you new to clubhouse by any chance? Uh, no, it's been my. Okay, so if it's your one-year anniversary, I think from, you would know that clubhouse etiquette is that the mods usually the harasses me. Yeah, the, the mods usually, uh, you know, people that have a green bean usually are the ones that are trying to maintain the conversation from turning chaotic. So uh, if the moderator interjects, just have enough social etiquette to just understand that he's right, trying to interject. You. Thank you, gentlemen. Go on, proceed. Okay. And and this has happened to us in other rooms where, you know, when we talk with Muslims or other people. So it's it's just general clubhouse etiquette. But anyways. Gotcha. Yeah. So not, um, it's not just our room. you know. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, also address uh, what what I hear as kind of some presupposition in what he's saying, because I think what you're saying is 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 the is the fact of the matter. It's it's the base truth that at the end of the day, that's what it really comes down to. But there's a couple of presuppositions in what he's saying. So first of all, going back to his statement, you know, if I come in this room, you know, I've come in rooms like this and then I hear a lot of, uh, you know, I hear believers, uh, you know, disagreeing with, with each other. So I think number one, that there's a, uh, a presumption that a lot of this disagreement is among believers. In many instances, 
it's not believers disagreeing with believers, it's believers disagreeing with unbelievers, right? So for instance, in this conversation right now, we are having, we, we are talking to unbelievers, people who do not believe that Jesus is the son of God, right? That do not believe in his deity. So uh, to, to make these kinds of disagreements reducible to um, petty arguments between believers is, um, is a mischaracterization of what a lot of these conversations uh, actually are. In many instances, uh, it's believers disagreeing with people who are holding to heresy or people who don't believe at all. So that's number one. Number two, uh, that there's also a significant difference between reading and studying. So for instance, as uh, Faithful pointed out, uh, many people, not just in the ancient Near East, but even in the uh, first century Mediterranean world, including many Jews, uh, could not read in, in, in the sense of uh, literacy. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that there weren't readers and writers. And so it was very common for there to be persons who did read text and they discussed them. For instance, you see that in the Gospels where uh, Jesus is given an opportunity to read, which was really common in, in uh, not only the synagogues, but also in early Christian churches where a person would read a text and, and there would be discussion around that particular text. So um, uh, as uh, Paul told Timothy to give uh, special consideration and time to exhortation and to reading scripture. So there were persons there who could read. Uh, here's a, a very uh, instructive text, uh, Nehemiah 8 and 8. Uh, uh, it, it talks about how, uh, for instance, on, the, on verse 2, on the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could, watch this, listen with understanding. So this is the Torah that he that he that he brings out because they're obviously rededicating uh, themselves to uh, after the they have returned from exile they're rededicating their themselves to Yahweh and uh, you know uh, covenant faithfulness and all of this so he begins to read the Torah and you notice it says um, that the assembly of men women and all who could listen with understanding. And then it goes on to say he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men. That is roughly about five or six hours of reading. And then it says um, that all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on the high wooden platform made for this purpose. And then on and on and on it reads. But then it goes down to say uh, in verse 8. Uh, it's, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Verse do, I, do I have an opportunity to respond or are you going to keep talking? So my friend, well, do you understand that we can simply move you to the audience. Yeah. You don't have to be on the stage. Well, I'm did you want to have an I just, I just really, hold on, Pastor Dane. Do you guys want to engage with the. So do you understand that? Do you understand that even if you disagree with what's being said, you can. Oh, I don't disagree. Patiently. I'm just, I'm just waiting to, yeah, well, to get an, a word in. Is that okay? So you, you weren't actually waiting because you interjected and you said, can you guys, uh, are we having a, yeah. meanwhile you're, we're, we're just, yeah, read the, read, yeah. So read can you just crowd. wait? Can you wait read until the gentleman, this is, yeah. Can you wait? Can you wait until the, can you mute your mic and wait until yeah, he finishes? I'll mute, I'll mute myself. It also means that you, it also means you're not listening. Because if you're listening, yeah, certainly not I'm explaining, listening. 
that reading here involves more than just reading. I'm trying to show you actual scripture for that. That's what's wrong with unbelievers is that they don't, they don't even, they're not, they, 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 they're so anxious to respond because they're doing it out of their already presuppositional disagreement. It says, he explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. So I'm trying to help you understand that in Christian culture and community, there is more than just reading. There is explanation. We call it exegesis. It means to give meaning to what was read or to explain the meaning of what was read. And so that is done not only to people who could read or for the benefit of people who could read, but even for the benefit of people uh, uh, who couldn't. So, so just because a person can read doesn't necessarily mean that they have the right understanding. That's where explanation comes in. There's a lot of people who read things and walk away with wrong ideas about what they have read. And so it's not about being uh, whether you could be a good reader. It's about whether you are walking away in alignment with what uh, the apostles actually taught about Christ and their successors, the, the, those who that they appointed elders and bishops and so forth and so on. Is your faith in alignment with that? And when it is not, now we have we have scripture to actually demonstrate what it was that they actually taught. And this is where not only reading is, is helpful, but this is where explaining is also helpful. So in these discussions, that is what we are actually doing. So when- yeah, Right on that point, Pastor Dame, just, just, just on that yeah. point, because that might be too much. So we want to give them a chance to respond. All right. And son, uh, for the record, um, you did ask your question to the Christians on the stage. So obviously there are several of us here who wanted to answer. So respectfully just so you understand that you did you pose your question to several people so you you would expect that the answers are not going to be very brief but anyways go right ahead sure uh so it sounds like cumulatively between betwixt you two um the answer is no you don't need to be a good reader to be a true christian well the three of correct? us so it was be it was tyler myself and pastor damon Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, I is in Iancensius is or well, his name is Tyler. Yeah, if easier. Yeah, okay, got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Call him Tyler. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about him because he went on a call. Yeah, so it sounds like no. Yeah the the necessity to necessarily have to read um, does not therefore make one a true Christian because you had true Christians that couldn't read right. in both the first century, second century, third century, etc. Okay. So. Yeah. Right. So does it does it change the level of uh, commitment, understanding, theological prowess or understanding of uh, biblical um, commands or God desires if you are a better reader? Like like if someone like Albie, because I know Albie is really into reading this stuff a lot. Um, does does he have a better understanding of God than someone who isn't as good of a reader like myself? Well, you didn't say you, you said you were actually a good reader. Well, <laughs> so I'm not a good reader of like... divine literature. No, well, here's the thing. Let, let's let try to look at this objectively as a, 
a sort of a literary you know literary device in terms of like you know how do we for example you you understand genres right do you understand poetry uh metaphor you know those kind of things right of course i do okay and uh i think one can objectively see those features within the bible especially when the biblical authors themselves are identifying certain things as metaphor for example the beast of revelation are clearly identified as metaphor even the biblical author himself of revelation john he uh, identifies the beast as such he says that this beast represents this kingdom it represents this you know he goes into explaining what the beast are right like when he explains uh the visions of the beast uh the reason that i bring this up is because uh, for example you who do not believe in the bible my friend do, do you have a problem with just having normal human interaction everything doesn't have to be like uh well i mean i've you know. I, i've been on stage for quite a while and i've barely spoken all right sit in that audience you can listen from the audience so yes. I think the uh, the issue here is that the gentleman in question that was on stage it, was obviously not interested in having a, a normal human dialogue. I think, uh, for example, a person can read something like manga or comic books or something that they don't perceive to be real, and they can still understand that there's a plot, that there's um, there are particular, uh, you know, there's that, a, there's subplots. There are things yeah. within the relevant writing that they can follow along with if one does know how to read, right? A person who doesn't know how to read doesn't necessarily have to be able to read to be able to pick up on those points if someone else reads for them. So, for example, in the biblical text, we have the example of the people of Israel. Many of them couldn't read. Other people had to read uh, the things that were contained in the law to them. For example, in the Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, when the Pauline epistles or the, uh, the, the Petrine epistles were being passed along, people had to be able to read those for the people who couldn't read. That's generally where you have the concept of bishops and deacons, as is mentioned in the epistle to Timothy. They were set up to be able to be literate and to be able to read to the congregants who themselves couldn't read. And keeping in mind, we're not talking about cathedrals. We're talking about small house churches, you know, the, the size of some people's closets today, you know? Crazy. Yeah, let, me, let me do something real quick. So... He's like, I've talked to him before. He's just kind of like a hate theist, bro. I don't think you can reason with him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and, so, and that's why I ask. I always, you know, ask people, you know, where are you going with your question? Uh, he, he had no real point to his question other than to, to um, suggest that what we're doing is, is pointless. Yeah. Right. And again, like I said, <clears throat> there are nuances to reading. If a person is just merely reading um, with absolutely, uh, uh, let's say, reading with comprehension or, or, or with no comprehension, there are people who can read and don't comprehend well. And there are people who can read uh, and, uh, and, and, and comprehend what's being read. But then there's another level to reading, which involves interpreting. Right. And this is why I was showing this passage in Nehemiah eight, that the early church community uh, was uh, they learned together. It was a learning community. So they not just read the scripture, they studied the scripture together. They heard exhortation and teaching from the scripture. So when Christians are talking and another Christian says something that deviates 
from what is written in the word of God, whether they can read or not is not the issue. It's the fact that what they are saying goes against what is held by the Christian community per the written revelation of scripture. Mm -hmm. So, 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 um, so it's, it's no, I mean, it's, 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 it's no secret that being able to read, i.e. study the, the, the word of God makes you a more informed Christian. Yeah. And, and, you know, those who, those who are Christians who are indeed Christians who don't study, I would say that they run the risk <clears throat> because of their inability uh, to, to, to study or their lack of study. They run the risk of hearing, especially if they're, they're, they're uh, listening to people outside of, you know, the true Christian community, they run the risk of hearing doctrines and teachings that are wrong and not knowing it. Right. So this is why learning in biblical community is also important. And so, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. Christians who you, do you know, study you know the word. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Just to that point. I'm sorry not to. Uh, I don't know wh why it is that on this app you have certain folks that are unfamiliar. And I'm not saying this about just atheists. I'm saying this in general. You have even people who identify as Christians who feel compelled to engage in conversations that they honestly aren't uh too you know like they're not interested in the topic what they're interested in is in just getting people in gotcha moments and uh and i would say that uh, at least the the atheists that came on stage today i've met brilliant atheists atheists that are very uh careful in how they go about asking questions because they're trying to be philosophically sound uh it seems like some of the guys that have come on stage are like your Reddit level atheists, like, you know, like the, the kind of atheists that like to use cheap arguments that are devoid of any sort of uh, nuance. And then uh, as far as like other people like Bob and others like that, like that, well, that's just, well, I, I think, I don't know if this is your first conversation with Bob, but um, he's not an atheist, but his, his train of thinking is not the most coherent. Um, yeah, but is it is it just me, uh, Tyler? Bob, look, it, like Bob. Uh, not even just Bob, but just like the the dude that was on stage, the other guy, uh, the the uh, uh, I forgot who it was, uh, who was on stage earlier. They didn't seem to understand just like the nuance of language, and, and they were making really bad arguments. It's like Reddit level atheists, like you know what I mean when I say Reddit level atheists, like. Atheists that are like, like seventeen and eighteen years old that just found out about atheism Dark. and then it's like Richard know nothing Dawkins about philosophy, like yeah. Richard Dawkins type atheism, or yeah, just these like really reductionistic atheist type of people who don't like give credence to the theist position or anything like that. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I think with Bob, like I put him in a separate category. He's not like a, like these atheists. Like he's just no, no, he's not an know, atheist. I know he's that. Just old. He's, you know, and I respect. Him. <laughs> He's just old. That's man funny. Right, look, man, I respect, I respect Bob. <laughs> I'm not joking. I enjoy talking to Bob. He's a sweet old man. He just he gets he gets snappy sometimes, you know. Yeah. But bro, uh, I, I promise you this this app is littered with Reddit level atheists, bro. For, for for those of you who are atheists, you don't want to be a Reddit label atheist. It's like a Christian doesn't want to be a Darth Dawkins, right? You, you don't want to be Darth Dawkins if you're a Christian. 
if you're an atheist, you don't want to be a Reddit label atheist. Like a Reddit level atheist is the equivalent of Darth Dawkins, in my opinion. Like those those two <laughs> those two categories overlap for me. You know, and yeah. we have a lot of those uh, Reddit label atheists on uh, on this app for some reason. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of those um, smarter atheists um, are like uh, my age in my experience, not like older. A lot of the older people are just kind of like they don't even think there's any like merit to any position or any like conceivable argument. And I don't think most of them are interested in looking into argument that would contradict their position like they don't want to go into these different schools of thought and actually inquire the question like i remember one time right um i would, it was me and uh, anson and we were talking and then this atheist came up it's like do you he just came in to antagonize i could tell this is like a grown man it was like in his 30s has children and he's on clubhouse like trying to argue with some teenagers on the internet about why do you believe God exists? Uh, just to score some points, I guess. And then we told him, well, you know, we have an argument. And we were like, uh, how, he was like, how many premises? It was, we said it was 50 premises. And he wasn't interested in listening and he left, right? So look, if you're interested- you, you, you have some pretty, you have some pretty unrefined atheists and christians and muslims and like this app seems to draw the lowest hanging fruit in all of these communities like i'm not even joking the worst of the worst in terms of understanding or comprehending from all of these communities or just guys that want to make cheap arguments and then it starts to hurt their brain when they have to actually grapple with the arguments themselves you know what i mean i, I don't well, know how I you mean, feel about yeah, it yeah, today, but yeah. yeah yeah no i mean i uh, i look at that as uh symptomatic of their sin condition. Uh, one of the things that Paul talked about with Timothy, now here's a man who debated <clears throat> at one point in his life, every Sabbath, it says reasoning uh, with other Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So here's a man who has a profound appreciation for argument, right? No doubt about it. A profound appreciation for argument, who at another time says to Timothy uh, that he should avoid senseless kinds of arguments and even told him that individuals watch out for individuals who um who seek to be in leadership uh who are contentious in nature so excuse me um so uh my whole point is to say that there is uh that that there is a significant difference between um a meaningful discussion and contentiousness. Contentiousness comes from the heart. Contentiousness is a sin issue. And that's the big problem with a lot of people on here is that they have contentiousness in their heart. So they just like arguing about things, period. And, and, and arguing about what they don't believe in what they disagree with, so forth and so on. Um, and even when, and you can know the kind of person with this contentious and cantankerous kind of heart, because even when you show them that that's not correct, look at this, 
they completely avoid that in order to continue their argument, even when they now realize that their argument no longer makes any sense, there's just no support for it, they would still prefer to be yeah. disagreeable. That's sin that's sinful. That that is symptomatic of a uh, a contentious a contentiousness uh that um that at the end of the day argument itself won't help. But it's also this, though, Pastor Dean. It's also social awkwardness with some of these guys, man. Like, some of these guys, bro, like, I, I promise you, having conversations, like, some of these guys seem like, like this might be their first conversation outside of a text chat or something. It, it seems strange. Like, like, there's no concept of, uh, I don't know. It, it seems weird to me. I'll say it that way. I'll try to. I'll it try is. to say no, it in no, a no. Mild it, way. It, it is. It is. I, I think. It's and all, that is mild. <laughs> I mean, I think. I think it's all of that. But uh, here's an example. So I, 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 I had an uncle. Um, I think this is my my mother's. He might have been the second oldest brother, and uh, we called him. His name was Guillermo, uh, but we called him Uncle Mito. Uh, I don't know why where that came from, but we called him Uncle Mito. Now, my Uncle Mito was a very contentious person. So I, I spent a lot of time with him. And uh, I even lived with him at one point. And um, so um, my uncle would argue to no end. And and so, uh, and he'd bring up the same things every single day, um, these complaints and gripes that he had. And he would make all these arguments. And uh, And so one day I thought, I just want to see what it would be like if I agreed with Uncle Mito, right? I had a theory. I did. I literally had a theory that I thought through. As I was listening to my uncle, I said, I can bet that if I agree with my uncle, for the sake of arguing, he's going to switch sides. And so I did. <laughs> so I did. I agreed with him. And what did my uncle do? He switched his argument in order to keep the argument going. That is exactly oh, so he, what I'm he trying to put the contrarian hat on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's a, yeah. And so, and, and typically most contentious kind of argumentative individuals are also contrarians. They, 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 they're on here to disagree, period. And those are the kind of people that come up on the stage and it is a complete insult to the intelligence of people who are actually really informed about the topic at hand because they come on with this assumption, this arrogance, this air of arrogance that they are somehow equal in the conversation. Listen, let me, let's just get this straight, y'all. We are all equal in our humanity, regardless of your gender, regardless of your color, your ethnicity, or your culture. But let's get this other thing straight. We are not all equal when it comes to particular uh, discipline, when it comes to particular skills, when it comes to particular talents, and so forth and so on. We are not all equal. The beginning drummer is, is not the same as the master drummer. The, the beginning saxophonist is not the same as Kenny G. And, and, and so, listen, let's just get this right. I don't care what kind of app this is. You are not equal with people who have spent years, who have forgotten more than you have even learned. 
You are not their equal in the conversation. You may be their equal in humanity, but you are not their equal. And, and it seems like a lot of people get on these apps because they think the conversation, the social media conversation itself qualifies them to be in conversations that many of them outside of social media would never be anything more than a spectator in. So in reality, and this is how, this is why I have so much trouble on this app, is that some people don't need to be talking. Some people just need to be listening. But the app gives everybody the right to say something. But they think the right to say something qualifies them to be heard as an equal in the conversation. And that is, that is essentially delusion that, uh, that modern technology and social media has created for a lot of people. This, 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 this leveling of the playing field as it, as it, as it relates to uh, conversation. Again, I always say this, if I grew my first tomato, I, I can't I'm possibly imagine that I can get on and then talk to some university level botanist because I just grew my first tomato and I think that I know more about growing a tomato. You know what I mean? Like that is that is not only ignorance, it's arrogance and it's just outright delusion that social media has really created in the minds of, of people. But these are the same kind of people. Mind you, we just live in a world of just delusional people anyway. You, you know what I mean? Just, just, I, we just live in a delusional world. I do have to say this. I have a friend named Dragnot. He's an atheist. He and I have had many conversations. You know, we've had conversations about uh, religious belief and various things of that nature. It's never turned consent, uh, contentious, pardon me. It's never turned uh, ugly. Now, of course, I don't agree with his atheism. He doesn't agree with my theism. But we've been able to have charitable conversations. But there's something I have to say that he and I both agree upon. There are many people who self-identify as Christian and identify as atheists who are stupid. Let's just be honest. There are people who are simply not, I don't know, that like there's something uh like 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 the switch is not on. You know, we've talked about dumb atheists, he and I. And he's an atheist. We've talked about dumb atheists. We talked about dumb Christians or people who self-identify as Christians. I would name names, man. Uh, I'll say one's. I'll say a person's name, Darth Dawkins. That guy's the worst of the worst. I, I hesitate calling him a Christian. You know, that guy is a, a is a utter scumbag. Like seriously, I definitely don't endorse Darth Dawkins, man. And he's a racist to boot, Pastor uh, Damon. He's a racist. Straight up. But it is what it is, man. Uh, but I will say, though, that I think it's a, it's a problem, right? I think it's a, it's a human problem. I do think that. You know? Right. See, but again, it just goes to show you how people think they know what they're talking about and they don't. Like in the chat, somebody's saying every, everybody's voice has value. But that's not what I said. I didn't say that everybody's voice doesn't have value. Everybody's words don't because everybody's words are not necessarily informed. And the nerve of people uninformed to think that they can enter into conversations with informed people thinking that what they have to say is equal. That's what I said. 
And that doesn't matter whether a person is a scholar or not. So, so, so don't, don't, don't um, attempt to twist what I just set up. See, again, see, this is all these my truth people, these tree hugging kind of uh, 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 folk who, who are so sensitive about everything. Uh, it, it's my truth. See, that's the problem is that you think see, it's, it's this whole idea, this whole um, illogical uh, 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 thing behind uh, relativity, th th this, this notion that my truth, even if it is completely contradictory to what you have said, is equally true. It's the same kind of idea. We're not talking about value and voice. That's a whole different thing. See, again, this is why some people don't need to be in conversation because, again, there are some people who are just informed. They don't have to be Ph.D. scholars either. Some people are just more informed about things than others. Those who are uninformed, guess what they ought to be doing? They ought to be listening, not teaching. That's the problem. Right. By, by so, the way, uh, can we have like an informed conversation? It was going on. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Can, can we have an Because it sounds like I've been listening for a while. I'm just doing some work. And uh, it sounds like the conversation is about putting people down. You know, these yeah. are people are stupid. These are uninformed. You know, we, we're smart. So let's let's have an informed conversation. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Who Constantine, I, I noticed that. Uh, were you added to this? Uh, Ask a Christian. Are you are you uh, friends with Xbox Fiend? I, I actually remember Xbox Fiend from back in the day, man. Yeah, I'm friends with him. Some, I think somebody added me, but I, I don't really, you know, watch that stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Xbox, Xbox Fiend is uh, he's familiar with me. So we yeah. we were actually friends a while back, back in the Google Plus days. I used to right talk with Plus, him a lot. Also, let me just say this before you speak. This is not yeah. about putting people down. Again, if 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 entering conversation is predicated on mischaracterizing what people are saying, then no, we can't have an, an informed conversation because it's, it's it's starting off on the wrong foot. Nobody is putting people down. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just speaking matter of factly. This is how it really this is how it works in the real world. Uninformed people can be part of conversation. But what part do they play in the conversation? Well, I tell you what, that's usually asking questions. It's called inquiry. It's not about informing the conversation because they're uninformed. It's about asking questions, making inquiry so that they can become more informed. So nobody's saying that they don't have a voice or that they can't be part of the conversation. It is to qualify what aspect of the conversation should they be part of? Yeah. So for by the way, yeah, for, for those who might not know, though, mm -hmm. by the way, just yeah. and I'm not trying to do this to toot your own horn. And and by the way, I see Josh Bowen, Doctor Josh Bowen, in the audience. Uh, by the way, shout out to him. I have his book. I don't agree with all of his conclusions. Obviously, he's an atheist. I'm a theist, but I do find great uh, uh, a great deal of care and uh, you know wanting to tackle the topic of biblical slavery. Um, so he has a book that actually uh, refutes arguments from both ends. You know, to be fair, he, he obviously is a critic of Christianity, but he's also a critic of bad atheist arguments. So uh, just wanted to say shout out to you, uh, Dr. Josh. I see you there in the audience. Um, uh, for the record, uh, uh, Pastor Damon had a debate with Richard Carrier. 
which he actually won. <laughs> he actually won that debate with Richard Carrier because Richard Carrier, bro, this dude was looking like, where was Waldo? <laughs> that, that dude was looking like, where's Waldo in the car? <laughs> you know, uh, shout out to Garfield, uh, brother Garfield on this app. Um, he hosted the debate, man. Pastor Damon came up nicely in that debate. I ain't going to speak too much on that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, man. And, and mind you, he was supposed to be the expert. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, he's got a. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody was kind of counting you out and, and you came through and surprised everybody. I have to give you credit for that, man. Appreciate but, um, it. But Constantine, I see you on the stage. So I, I guess you wanted to have a conversation. As long as our conversation is respectful, we don't mind people having a, a viewpoint that disagrees with ours. But, you know, we would hope that the conversation can flow respectfully. Not like the other gentleman yeah, who was on course. stage. I, mean, I think I'm always respectful as, as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm an atheist agnostic. I, you know, I don't have a preset uh, conversation topic. But if you'd like to uh, raise something or, you know, we can talk about anything you're, you're interested in. I, I think I'm fairly informed. I mean, I can I can bring bring up one talk of, topic from this room. So I, I came up the other day, and uh, I think uh, the guy's name is Silverstar. Um, if you know him, he was uh, he was talking about the fact how society is deteriorating and how things used to be better, and uh, how society needs to be uh, built around the Word of God. And so I asked him a simple question. I, I asked, uh, "Can you name any theocratic society that's built around the world, uh, the Word of God? Whether it's Christian, Muslim, you know, pick any any uh, society." And tell me, you know, which which of these societies would you would you prefer to live live in, as opposed to the secular society you live in now? I think he lives in Japan, but he's American. But anyway, I, th I said, you know, take Japan or uh, or the United States. These are secular societies, and give me an example of a theocratic society that's built on the Word of God, where life is better, where you would prefer to live. And uh, he had real trouble, you know, coming up with any answer. Is that the conversation we'll have? No, like no, what? I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking out loud. I don't have a preset topic. Let's, you know, we can talk about the Bible, anything you want. I mean, I've been a Christian for about 15 years, so I'm, I'm fairly informed, and uh, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I can, uh, I, I can, you know, probably support any, any. Well, I guess the, the rule is, is for people to ask questions to uh, those participants on the stage. So I guess if you didn't necessarily have a question, then uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I have a question for you. You've been a, you've been a Christian for 15 years, huh? Yes. Well, right on, man. So that's quite a time. So, uh, so you've been a Christian for 15 years. Would you be able to define the doctrine of the Trinity, please? Well, I mean, it's been a while, but uh, obviously, the Trinity is, uh, you know, three, uh, you know, three in one, and so uh, you know, they're not separate. They're they're one God, but uh, it's God, uh, you know, represented in three uh, different. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, I, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm from Russia originally, so a lot of my Christian background <laughs> comes in the Russian language, so I'm having trouble uh, translating. But uh, yeah, so so you know, it's a triune being that uh, is uh, you know one God, but uh, three persons, I guess you would say. And you, you were uh, Orthodox. You, you were uh, wait, hold on, Abi, hold on, wait, hold on. You were Russian Orthodox. 
No, no. I mean, no, I grew up in Russia. He was a Christian. He just said he's Russian. So allow me to ask I, I know. He people. said he's Russian. I'm asking, was he Russian Orthodox? No, I, I mean, I grew up in Russia. So I, I, like, I was baptized in the Russian Orthodox Church when I was like four or five. It's a funny story I could tell okay. you, but it's okay. But then, but then I got converted to like evangelical Christianity by missionaries. And I, uh, okay. that's, that's how I kind of started coming to the United States to stay with host family, like Christian host families. And they took me to church. And so uh, eventually, you know, I got into it. I, got, I was born again. You know, I started I was I played in the worship band. I played keyboard and sang at church. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was very involved in youth ministry. I went to a Christian college in Russia that was just opened up by missionaries. Uh, and then I went to a, a seminary here in the U.S. Uh, in Texas. And so, um, so yeah. I mean, my whole life was uh, revolving around uh, kind of evangelical Christianity. No, we, yeah, okay. that's and, 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 yeah. and really quick, faithful. Hold on one second. Hold on, faithful. So what would be a, a go-to verse in which you can define the doctrine of the Trinity? Well, I can't, you know, there's, there's a verse in, in John, I can't remember chapter and verse where he defines, but that's a, that verse is a forgery. So it's not found in the oldest manuscripts, but that, that's the one that, uh, you know, uninformed Christians, as you would call them, uh, would point to because it's very clear. You mean first John? You said first John, right? Uh, uh, no, uh, gospel. Well, yeah, I, I think it's first John. I'm sorry, you know, but yeah, um, but, but, but I, think, I think you're confusing it. Yeah. You're talking about but, first John but, but, five but and seven, way, correct? For fifteen, yeah, but these are these are atheistic arguments. So I'm not. I'm not oh no, no, but we we don't we we would agree that First John five seven is a gloss. We wouldn't we wouldn't yes, uh, deem that's, that's that to be authentic either. To, yes. Yeah, First yeah. John. We don't we don't deal with First John five seven. Correct. Either way, though, it's an atheistic argument in order to distort the uh, the manuscript uh, transmission and in inerrancy of the Bible to show that. Um, our Bible is not actually inspired. So it's an atheistic argument. I'm asking you, 15 years, you've been a Christian, right? Can you proclaim, can you preach to me the gospel according to uh, the Hebrew scriptures or the New Testament or whatever? What is the gospel in its totality? What are we being saved from and why? And why do we need uh, <clears throat> Christ to redeem us from what? Well, I mean, I could, I could, I could try to answer from a Christian point of view. It's just I have to, I have to like put myself in my past shoes, you know. And uh, you know, I would say if I was a Christian and I, I did evangelism all the time, so I would say, you know, God created the world and the world is uh, the world is good. God created it good, but humankind fell and was separated uh, from God forever. And uh, because of our sin, we deserve uh, the punishment of hell. But God, through His mercy, gives us a way to salvation. And so Jesus Christ uh, died for our sins. He atoned for our sins, and so. So uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, if we believe in him, accept him as Lord, as Savior, we can come to salvation and have eternal life. I mean, that's something that, that I would have said, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. And so he redeems us from the power of what? I mean, I would say not from the power, but from our sin, just from our, from our, you know, our, uh, the punishment that is due to us, which, which would be, you know, eternal torment and hell. So he redeems us from that and grants us eternal life, uh, through his sacrifice on our behalf, because, uh, by our good works, we cannot, you know, attain salvation. And so it's through, uh, faith and, uh, Christ and his sacrifice and the grace of God that we're saved. I mean, that's the Christian answer that I would give. Okay. And, and final question. Final question would be this, right? According according to uh, the scriptures, right? Why did why did God have to become a man to redeem us? Why couldn't He just redeem us as God, as as uh, w without being becoming incarnate? 
in a in human form. Well, well, I mean, do you want me to give you an answer that I, I think is the answer, or do you want me to give you an answer as my past Christian self? <laughs> because those are very different answers. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear both, actually, and, and I'll land it with that. I appreciate that, Constantine. Well, uh, I mean, so the, from the Christian point of view, um, I don't think the Old Testament, you know, if you're kind of relying on that, the Hebrew Bible, I don't think it uh, presents a case that God had to be to to. Uh, to become incarnate, but that's just something that happened. I mean, so as uh, Christians view hints in the prophecies, you know, in Isaiah and, uh, you know, Jeremiah, you know, uh, uh, and uh, and others, you know, and Daniel, that that's, speak of Messiah that is coming. And uh, Christians kind of emphasize the suffering nature of those prophecies, although Jews probably, that's not what they expected. That's not how they would have interpreted the passages. But Christians do look for, uh, you know, the passages that describe well, Messiah what, what, as a that, suffering wait, servant. Wait, I'm confused. You say Jews don't interpret those passages. What passages are you talking about and what Jews? Because there's many Jews for the past 2,000 years that have, that have been uh, Christ followers. Well, I, I'm, I'm, and, primarily talking, and, and then, uh, I'm primarily talking about the Jews in the first century Palestine when, when Jesus was around. So, I mean, you would admit that Jews didn't accept Jesus by and large, you know, other than a few. A few you know, that's why Paul went to the Gentiles. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that... Uh, you know, uh, Jews that didn't buy the story because Christ was not, Jesus Christ was not the kind of Messiah they expected. They expected a Messiah that would uh, uh, be uh, sort of like David, you know, reestablish the kingdom, defeat the enemies, and then God would establish some kind of like eternal kingdom on earth under this Messiah. I mean, that's that's what they expected. They certainly didn't expect somebody to come and be a preacher and die and, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. That that wasn't their view of uh, what a Messiah would have uh, done. That's what that's why they didn't accept Jesus. Okay. And then before Jesus, did they accept many of the prophets or did they also kill the prophets? And after they killed the prophets, went on to accept the prophets? Well, I mean, some, you know, there, there, there's, there's a lot of prophets. So which, which prophets are you, uh, are you specifically referring to? I mean, obviously yeah. Moses so, was... So the prophets, the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, so Moses is, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, meant as, a, as a, uh, the most important prophet, right? And he established... Well, right, but, but I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about Moses in this. In this uh, like, I'm just talking about, like, throughout, like, the line of prophets, even minor prophets, like Zechariah was killed himself, and there's many other prophets... Uh, that were Isaiah himself, he was sawed in half, right? So many prophets were killed or persecuted, and then they were accepted, right? Even Jeremiah was persecuted, right? And then later he was accepted, Right. Well, I mean, the problem the problem with this theory is that you're kind of taking uh, the narrative of the Old Testament as uh, literal, and I I don't think that's how it was written. So the, the actual events were not the events that are described. You know, for the most part. Oh yeah, can you prove that? Um, can Again, prove you're that? making a, you're making a lot of assertions, but yet you're not bringing any substance to those assertions. Uh, actually, the events that took place in the Hebrew Scriptures are actual historical events and proof of that is the resurrection of Christ himself. So, and that's, and the resurrection of Christ is a historic fact 
of history. Okay, I have a question. So let's let's switch to the resurrection of Christ. So, uh, so because you view the resurrection of Christ as kind of the the proof that everything that happened before was uh, you know happened as it was written, right? So let's take the resurrection of Christ. So we open the Gospel of Mark, and uh, would you agree with the scholarly consensus that the Gospel of Mark is written first? Well, we have fragments that date back to 8050 from Qumran, from the caves of Qumran, 7Q6, 7Q15, 7Q5, 7Q7, fragments that date back to 8050. So I have no reason to doubt that. I, I haven't heard that, but uh, do, do you agree that the Gospel of Mark is the earliest of the four Gospels? Uh, it, it can be, or Matthew may be, but however, the earliest fragments we have to any of the Gospels was Mark, like I said, Mark 428, 8050, that's 7Q6, Mark 648, cave 7Q15, um, Mark 652, and 53, 7Q5, that's 8050, Mark 1217, 7Q7, 8050, so I have no problem with that. Yeah, LB, I've never heard of any argument, and maybe uh, Josh, if he's still here, he could uh, come up and uh, um, tell us about this. Uh, but uh, uh, Dr. Josh, I mean, but uh, um, I, I don't think any scholars uh, date Mark to fifty. That's uh, but but uh, you know uh, I would have to research. I, I would I would have to research that. So you know, the scholarly yeah. consensus is that so then, Mark. So, so, yeah, so, so don't say so don't don't say you don't think. Just say you're not sure. No, I'm right? just saying and the, then you're the, the scholarly research. consensus is that Mark was written around the year seventy. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll be uh, sure I'll be sure no, to actually, re research. Actually, you know, it's not. Okay, but anyway, so let's let's go to the resurrection. So we kind of agree that Mark is probably the first. So we go to the resurrection story, and Mark Mark describes several women that go to the tomb, and they're carrying spices with them, and they're they're talking between each other, and they're thinking, who's going to roll away the stone? And then they get there, and the stone has rolled rolled away, and there's a, a man in white robe. And the man says, uh, you know, go, you know, Jesus is risen. He is not here. Go tell the disciples, uh, you know, that, that Jesus will meet them in Galilee. And so the, the Gospel of Mark ends with the words, uh, and they, uh, they did not tell anything to anyone, for they were afraid. Okay, that's the end of the story. So the, the, the Gospel of Mark leaves it as, you know, the only witnesses that actually witnessed the resurrection saw a man who said Jesus is risen, and they didn't tell anybody. Okay, that's the end. Now, if you open Matthew, uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew describes a you know a different story. Uh, you know, now it's uh, now it's not a man; it's an angel that appears to them. And I think Luke has two angels, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, one, so, one so, angel, so, so hold on. The other has so, two angels. So, so let's stay, let, let's build together. Let's build together. All right, without rushing it. You ready? So in regards to Mark, right, sixteen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Mark sixteen. Uh, yeah, Mark sixteen. In regards to Mark sixteen. You said there was a man, right? Okay. And and what was and what was happening? What did the man do? Yes. Uh, so there was a man dressed in white, and the stone was rolled away. And the man said, uh, uh, I, "I I can't quote the specific words. You're welcome to read it. You know, if you mm -hmm. if you want to open up Mark 16 and now, read it. But now, but the, the essence is, yeah. he says, Jesus is risen, and go tell the disciples that Jesus will meet them in Galilee. That's the okay. essence. Of now, the, in, the now in regards in regards to that man." 
do you take that as being a human being or do you take that as being an angel? I don't know. Mark, Mark don't doesn't know. specify because if we don't have other gospels, we're just reading Mark, you know, because I think the okay. I think the responsible approach to any any writing, including the gospels, is to take what the author wrote and uh, just to consider what what's written, not to try to compare it with uh, and reconcile it with other uh, writings, because Mark has a specific narrative that he's telling and he has a right to tell that narrative. So he says it was a man dressed in white, you know, okay. and, uh, and you know, and, and, and you know, angels does. and you know, angels are identified as uh, men. Let me give you an example of this. Right. So I, I can give you an example of this by simply going to Acts chapter one. And I'm going to read verse 10. And while they looked up steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you start ga gazing up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in the in the same manner as you saw him go up, right? And these two men were actually uh, angels. But yeah, go ahead. I don't know if they were angels or not. They could be Moses and Elijah. They could be anything. No, they weren't Moses and they weren't they weren't Moses and Elijah. They're actually uh, two men because often angels are identified as men, as even Yahweh in the Hebrew Scriptures is identified as men. Genesis chapter eighteen. One through three, identify three men appearing to Abraham, one of which was Yahweh. The other two, according to Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, were angels. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse uh, 1 and 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Right? So okay. but angels appear as men. Interchangeable with messenger. The term angel is interchangeable with messenger and can be uh yes angel uh, okay, just the means messenger that's right and, uh, angel, angel, a human? angel just means messenger that's what that's what that's what the word means yes okay so the difference between a human and an angel is that an angelic being is not able to reproduce the way okay, that humans that, i'm sorry are... that's what that's not what we're talking about so well uh, back to the gospel of mark so there's a man let's let, let's say from other gospels we know it might yeah, have been you're pretty angel, rude okay? you're really showing a lot of godliness bro thanks appreciate he's not, the, he, he's, he's not a christian he's an atheist royal he's, he's an atheist bro oh i see that i see that must be what is uh, uh indicative of the character that i'm getting presented with anyway all i was trying to chime into is to show you that while angels and humans can uh, angels come in human form several times as messengers but um it's a transfiguration when humans go to heaven they will be transformed into angelic beings as well and reunited with yeah moreover i would say in genesis 6 that it talks about angels uh, having sex with uh, with people and giants being born so clearly you know uh, angels, Those fallen uh, angels have angels? of men and have can even have intercourse with men but anyway so uh so back to the gospel of mark so we have one man, you know, we don't know if it's an angel. He just says one man. It could be an angel. In another gospel, I can't remember Matthew or Luke. It's two, two angels. In another gospel, it's one angel. Uh, so there, there's some discrepancy there, okay? No, there's so no Mark, discrepancy. Hold on. Mark, hold yeah. on. Hold on. When you say discrepancy, you're assuming there is no discrepancy. Just like some of the gospels will only identify Mary showing up at the tomb early and not the other right. woman the point of the point of the matter is is because the author wanted to highlight <laughs> mary so just because he leaves out other woman does not mean that uh there's a discrepancy it just means he's will he only wants to highlight that which he feels uh 
necessary for his audience to know. That's not a discrepancy. Also, you got to understand that every one of these disciples is having his own experience. And what if if uh, if you ever seen the movie Vantage Point, one person see from this angle, the other person, if you was in front of me and you stabbed somebody and they were on the other side of you and I was behind you, I wouldn't have been able to know you stabbed them. But the person on your right may have been able to see that you had stabbed them. Everybody's perspective is going to be subjective. And that's what they're using all these profits for so that the collective account can give you the full story from different vantage points. Okay, Beautiful. okay. Well so, said. so there's there's some weirdness going on with angels. Let's say that it's, it's a different perspective. So somebody saw one angel, uh, somebody saw two angels, and That was attributed the to their faith. Like, one saw an angel because he had a strong amount of faith, and God revealed that it was an angel to him. The other's faith may have been lacking. We don't know. No, 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 it's not that. Journey. It's not that. It's just the one that they didn't highlight. So there's a couple points to that. So when you're referencing the scriptures, I suggest, Constantine, you go to them. So if you want to go to them, let's go to now Matthew 28 and let's find out what happened. It says what? In verse 2, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men, right? So the guards did what? They shook his dead men. But the right. angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you see Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly uh, and tell his disciples that he is risen. Now notice, right? They saw an angel rolled up in there, and he was sitting on that stone. Now, Mark's account says what? It says that the, he, they saw an angel, uh, it says in verse 3, and man, they said among man. themselves, who will roll angel, away man. the stone? Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large, and entering the tomb... They saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Okay, so what's, what's so the, what, that? That would be so. Okay. That would be so. So hear me out. One second. That would be the second angel. There's one out there, <laughs> and there was one right, wow. right in there, right. Uh, so, so, yeah. so they saw. So, 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 wait, so wait, you wait, can. Wait, so, wait. so hold on. Wait, I'm not done. Wait, so please wait. don't, please don't talk over me. One second, please. Thank you. So just don't talk over me. Just hear me out. Okay. Now, in Luke's account, right, it says, but they found a stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in, and they found the body of the Lord Jesus, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about that, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen, and there is the two that are being identified. Mark identifies one outside, Matthew identifies one inside, and Luke identifies. And Luke so, identifies. I'm sorry, you're gonna be talking over me, or if you don't like the story, look. If you can't handle it, man, you know we can talk about your uh, cosmic fiction, no problem. 
Okay, so so Mark describes a man inside. No, so I'm not oh, wait, done wait, yet. Wait, wait, so, so let's, let's get yet. this straight. So you're going to be patient. Let's, let's get this straight. So Mark describes the fact that women came to the tomb, the stone has already rolled away, and there is a man inside. Matthew describes, you know, a huge earthquake, an angel you know, descending from heaven, rolling away the stone and sitting on top of the stone and in front of the entrance, and the women are talking to this angel. Now, what does what 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 is the women's response to whatever this man or angel told them? Yeah. So depending on the reaction. So let's go to the let's go to the narrative and let's read and let's uh, find out. So go ahead, Constantine, open up your Bible. I'm sorry. I just have my start, phone in my hand. It's, it's a little hard to uh, do, you know, do both at the same time with a phone. Well, no, that's OK, because you want to talk about the Bible. So I assume that you're going to get your Bible and you're going to talk about it. If you want to discuss the Bible, then I suggest you grab a Bible so we can discuss it. Otherwise, you shouldn't be up here talking about the Bible. I, I don't have a Bible in front of me. I have a phone. It's it's a bit hard to talk on the phone and at the same time search. Okay, for so Bible then verse. you don't have, so you're not prepared then. So no, then come I am back prepared. I am prepared. Have, yeah, no, so come back. Then if you're prepared, you're gonna have your Bible. You wanna talk about the Bible, you're gonna get your Bible. Okay, so I'm right? quoting Are Mark, you? Mark 16. I'm quoting the last verse, Mark 16, eight, I believe it is. Uh, so the women uh, told no, uh, didn't tell anything to anyone for they were afraid. Now read the same passage in Matthew. Did they tell anybody? No, or now wait run, a minute. Or did they, or now, or did they now, run with now, great joy now, wait and told the disciples? Now wait a minute. Calm down. Did you read what it said in verse uh, in verse 8? Can you read it for us, please? No, no, I want you to see. You're the one that mentioned it, right? I don't have a Bible in front of me. I'm sorry. I apologize. I have my phone in front of me. That's all I have. Okay. Now, now, when it said well, in, verse, no. in, in, in verse 7, in verse 7 of Mark 16, it says, the angel says, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb and they trembled and were amazed and they said uh, nothing to anyone for they were afraid, right? End of, end of the gospel, correct? No. Do we agree? No, it's not the end of the gospel. Why not? What, what else is there? H have you read verse 9? It's not in the earliest manuscripts. It's a later edition. I'm sorry. Um, number one, you're going to have to prove that. It's you know a, even number Christians one, open yeah, up your Bible. Yeah, and we'll, number one, we'll yeah, yeah. number one, your, your Bible will have an asterisk by on. verse nine hold that on. says it's hold not on. In the earliest manuscript. Hold on, hold on. Earlier does not mean better because if earlier means better, then that means the mark of the beast. The earliest uh, rendering we have of the mark of the beast would be six one six, but that was corrected by Irenaeus, the church father, right? So we have you know, something to come. You know what, so so know we have something. So hold on one second. You know why it was six so we have, Hold on one second. So we have something to compare it to. Not a problem. Okay, let me explain to you why right? it's six 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 and six one six. Okay. It, yeah, it, it no, stands, hold on it one second. For, for Caesar and Nero, hold on. and there's there's two different no, uh, ways to spell it. And so yeah, yeah, one yeah. one here. Why don't you sit down in the audience, bro? You have no idea what you're talking about. Now. Because you think you know it, right? And you're uh, you're getting uh, puffed up. Would you like to have a moderated debate on the narrative of the resurrection of Christ? Let me know. 
And I'll be happy to uh, set it up and we'll get uh, a platform and a moderator so you can be put in your place in your arrogance. Let me know. You can, you can, uh, you can respond in the chat. Yeah, I wanted to um, I wanted to say something that's important too to, in the context because you have um four different people, and what's interesting to note is that they were not there from a first person perspective, but they were telling the story more than likely from how they heard it, <clears throat> because who was there was Mary Magdalene and Mary um, uh, Christ's mother, and so also um, no, not 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 the mother. Yeah, but I, I've gone over this uh, over and over again uh, with uh, with people. But if you wanted to speak on something else, brother, go ahead or or on the topic. But go uh, ahead. Man. If you if you have anything you wanted to discuss, I I got a few things. It's up to you if you can handle them. No, no, go go ahead, go ahead and do your thing. Okay. Um. You know, I think that most Christians live in a uh, in a bubble where they they're they can only live with the idea that Christ lived two thousand years ago, or that he's coming two thousand years later. Um, but I believe that World War II, which was the bloodiest battle in world history, is indicative of a time when um, when the uh, scriptures are fulfilled. If you look at the ten axes powers, uh, wait, 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 wait! I don't, I don't want to. We're not going to get into this, man. These are conspiracies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, see, that's the issue. You just told me to bring up what I. No, wanted. no, ask, ask questions. We're not going to get into conspiracies. If you want to get into conspiracies, no, you can read Isaiah chapter eight, verse twelve and thirteen. I would like, like you. I would like you, right? Since you you said it's a conspiracy, then I'll challenge you to debate on that. I'm moderator. not interested. Well, that's what I thought. Uh, so anyway, if you do want to talk about another topic, then and you have one, by all means, bring it up. I offered you first, but you just you didn't have one, so I brought one up, and now you're condemning me for it. I'm not. When did I condemn you, bro? You good? Yeah, I'm great. I could just see. Okay, the so yeah, so I, I so I didn't, I didn't condemn you. So relax, man. So if you have a topic, by all means. No, actually, I'm I'm probably looking to end the room. I'm just waiting for Constantine to reply. Is he still here? Hey, uh, brother, for real, like Christian to Christian, uh, you know, the idea that you would shoot my idea down before hearing it is is very indicative of the old church fathers, right? Who who shut the kingdom of heaven up, and because they're not going, they don't let anybody else go. But who knows if God sent me to give a message to the people listening? And who are you to stop the word from coming through me if that is coming from the Most High? Let every yeah. man be, let God be the truth. And what's the chief message that came from the apostles in the first century? The chief message of the apostles, of every apostle, is love. Love cover a multitude. No, it's not. The two, the, turn to Christ, right? 
I'll turn the the two the 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 most important law is love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and love your neighbor like yourself and in those the rest of the laws are embodied and written into the heart and minds of the the followers of Christ. Christ is the so, redeemer. So, so do you do you do you love uh, do you love Christ with your whole mind body and soul? Yes, I do, but not just Christ the the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit who are one. One what? Who are one God. One God distinct from one another? No, who are one God who have a hierarchy in heaven. You have the Most High, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. Just like on earth, it's the Father, the Son, and the Child. A mystery that most Christians will never come to understand. All right. So are they one ontologically in essence? They're one in every essence. For the Father is not seen. No man has seen says he's seen god is a lot but the son is seen for the son was made when god said let there be light and the spirit is the will of the father for the spirit is who reveals to us what we need to do Wait. It's just like lighter just like a Wait, lighter. how how was christ made when it said let there be light in genesis 1 3 and number what? two in acts chapter 7 verse 55 and 56 god has been seen Okay, so uh, we know that Christ was before he was begotten on earth. He was begotten in heaven, right? You know that, right? Um, so you mean he's the firstborn of all creation? Yes, exactly. So he's, so he's created, then he's not of the same ontological essence as the Father. Exactly. So, so this is where you're you're not understanding uh, the oneness is a oneness of mind and will, not a oneness. And it also is a oneness of body, but you're not understanding hierarchy. Right. And you're not also mm -hmm. you're, you're doing what the cat. So what the Catholic Church did was they created this hierarchy. I'm better than you. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not worried about that. Let's get to the scriptures. Let's talk about that together. What do you say? You have to, you have to have a fair, right. Fair chance to get our thoughts. Yeah. Across. But I'm not we, interested in what you have to say about the Catholic Church, because at the end of the I'm day, at the at the at the end of the day, let's get one thing straight. Constantine, Constantine was baptized in your God, in your Jesus. In three, in, listen to me, Royal, Royal, hear me out. In 335 AD, he was baptized by the Bishop Eucibius in the Arian Jesus, not the Jesus of the gospel. So Constantine also, like you, believed that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. Did you know that? Okay, first off, I'm not talking about Nicene Creed or that time frame where the Catholic Church hereditarily take took the faith themselves. In the Bible, you see where does it say that they took the? I mean, what you don't even know what you're talking about, man. I'll be honest with you. The faith was stolen by the Catholic Church and perverted. Everybody knows that if they okay. have canonical. So, so then, so, so then, so then, is Jesus lying when he says in Matthew chapter 16? verse 18 he says and i also say to you uh <clears throat> that that i also say to you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades shall not prevail against it so that so, so the so, gates of hades shall not prevail against it church, so are you saying church, that the gates of hate are you saying listen are you saying that the gates of hate are you saying that the gates of hades prevailed against it once again there is a, a righteous church and there's a wicked church Okay, no problem. There's a right, right uh, there are the righteous and there are the wicked. And the uh the righteous and the wicked will be separated like goats and lamb. There are okay. there's the so original can you point, out, can you point out for me the righteous? 
I will second century, third century, fourth century, and fifth century. Who are the righteous? Do you have any of them by name? Okay, so Fermentius is a righteous. Fermentius brought the faith to Ethiopia. Uh, Garima, Abba Garima, is another righteous man who brought the faith to Ethiopia. Okay, uh, and what did they the... write about? What do you mean? What did they write about? They put did... the books together. Okay, they gave the books. Did they? To, to yeah, the, did they? To the Ethiopian Orthodox and to the and to Antioch okay. from Antioch. And did they? And did they believe that Christ was the first uh, born of all creation? I didn't. Of course they do. Okay, can you quote me them, please? Does the Bible say that the Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Uh, do you know what that means? Yes, I do. It means that when God said, let there be light, there was Christ. No, that's not what that means. Yeah, okay, so let me ask you this. Why did God say, let us make man in our own image? And And what image is that? No, who is us is the question. Yeah, the us would be the Spirit of God, the Word of the Lord, and the Father. That is the image of God. Okay, so if God, right, was an entity, you're telling me he can't recreate himself and put himself out there in a in a in a in a form of a man or in a form of anything he desire? What do you mean in a form of a man? That's what not I what I mean is if I'm I'm a creator, I created a video game. Here, hear me out for one second. You ask me what that's I mean, not, you keep cutting me off. This is the problem not, with not, your group. That's not what the image means. You do know that, right? The image means it's a reflection of his How are you gonna tell me it's what a reflection the image is? of his nature and of his of his uh exactly, exactly. So so of his moral nature, his moral perfection. That's what it means to be made in the image of God, which is why we're being transformed into, into the image of the Son now in the New Testament. So now, you know, I think somebody, even if you agree with them, they continue to, it's, they just enjoy arguing, even if you're on the same page. That's the interesting part no, about No, but we're not pride. on the same page because you believe Jesus is the so, first. So you, if you, you would let, wait, you let me, me finish what I'm saying. Please hear me out without interrupting. No, nah, you hear me out, Holmes. You, you said. Okay. Okay. Are, are okay. you done crying? No, go ahead and throw me to the ghoulie like you do everybody else. That's why you're the only one on your stage. Okay. Are you done crying? No. Nah. I'm not. I'll continue okay. to carry on. Laugh now. Well, then here, why don't you say And that will be that. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then look at this douchebag. All right. So <clears throat> this is the arrogance of uh, people who think they know it all, but they can't make sense of uh, scriptures. Christ is like, think about this. He's saying, this is what he's saying. In Genesis, in Genesis 1, 3, notice the, notice the, uh, the logic. In Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light, right? And that's what he's saying, that that was Christ. That let there be light and there was light. That means Christ was created. But then what do you do? When you ask him that <clears throat> who created the heavens and the earth, he's going to say the son did after first God created him and then, and then God and then Christ uh, created the heavens and the earth. That's what he would say. So then how can he be uh, the light? Number one. Number two. 
Notice what it says in John 1, uh, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? So in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So if in him was life, and the life was the light of men, meaning he's the radiance, he is the one who spoke uh, to the spirit and light, and the earth had, earth was uh, given a habitable space, habitable um, place where life can flourish and nourish. How then can uh, he be created as the light? Geniuses, clubhouse geniuses. All right, on that note, so we withered away. Well, God bless you guys, right? For those who have ears to hear, I pray it was a blessing. And for those who don't, we pray repentance for you guys in Jesus' name.